Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey guys, Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week. And with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts, where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support and keep looking up. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Hi, my name is Yami, and I'm from the Crypto Chat with Yami podcast. On June 8th of 2015, I had an encounter with what I believe to be an unidentified flying object from a far distance in our small town here of St. Cloud, Florida. It was a normal day. It was in the evening, and me and my family were just relaxing in our living room when my dad pointed out that somebody had posted something strange on the county Facebook page. Somebody had asked if other people could see this pair of lights that were in the sky. He posted a photo of them and soon, I don't even know how many people began to post their own photos and videos of these set of lights. It was three lights in a triangular formation. They seemed to be just kind of hovering over the local golf course which actually from our home was probably five minutes away. We didn't really know what to make of it. We're a very small town. Not really a lot happens, but we just kind of followed along with the story and it seemed that they stayed in the area. So at that point, I reached out to a friend of mine who was working at our local church that the backyard of the church basically connects to that same golf course. And I asked if he was still there, could he pop outside and see what people were seeing? And he did confirm that he saw the exact same thing. At that point, me and my mom decided, let's just go outside and see if we can see it from our driveway. So we did. And as soon as we walked out and we turned in the direction of the golf course, there it was in the sky hovering three lights. They were in a triangular sort of formation. They weren't really moving. There was no sound. Um, they kind of flickered like a yellow and an orange color. Sometimes a light would disappear, but then it would come back. And just 
absolute silence. The night was so eerily silent. I can still remember it to this day. And we just kind of looked at each other like, is this really happening right now? Are we really watching this? And, you know, people on the Facebook page were throwing different explanations, you know, it's paper lanterns. Oh, it's methane gas. It's something to do with, you know, the, I think it was the Avon Park Air Force Base somewhat nearby, but we still kept watching these objects in the sky. And it was just like a feeling of shock and somewhat excitement, but I couldn't explain the slight feeling of dread that I felt watching these. You know, I'd seen stories about UFOs on TV and it'd been something that had interested me in my life, but I never thought I would actually personally see them. And the lights after about five minutes vanished and we went back inside and we followed the story through the Facebook page and they were later seen in a town south of us before they disappeared. To this day, there's no explanation about what happened here in St. Cloud, June 8th of 2015. Many people saw it. I actually have still some of the photos from that day. Um, what do I think it was? I'm not sure. As someone who really believes in the supernatural, paranormal, and different things like that, I'm very open to uh, the possibility that it really was an unidentified flying object. I just can't explain how something could move like that, you know, or not move and just make absolutely no noise. It it really stuns me to this day. Um, I don't think it was paper lanterns. I've seen paper lanterns. I don't think it was an aircraft. We live semi near an airport and we know what that sounds like. So it's, it's definitely to this day, an unknown mystery. And I still think about it from time to time because you never think It can happen to you until it happens to you. Hi, my name's Peter. Um, I live in Arizona right now, but uh, I'm going to be 64 in about a week. I'm type 2 diabetic, so I don't know how long I'm going to be around, but I thought it would be nice to be able to share what happened to me many years ago. The event took place sometime between 1971 and 1973. Unfortunately, I didn't write down the date, the month, but I do know the exact time it occurred and the exact location. The event took place in Las Vegas in a suburb called Paradise Valley, which was off a desert and road in Pecos. Our house was about what maybe about two blocks and a half two and a half blocks down from Desert and Road and Pecos there and uh, we we ha- had a house there our backyard uh, faces uh, Sunrise Mountain and uh, my mother basically my mother came into my bedroom to wake me up and she said Peter Peter you gotta come out and see this hurry up hurry and so I got up out of bed and I looked at the clock and the clock's at 3.20 a.m. So anyhow, I go out to the backyard and lo and behold, up in the air, I say only about 300 feet up and they were like at the edge of our backyard, like just over, I'd say be just beyond the wall, but 300 feet up, not that far. And... um there were three of them. There were three craft. And they were in a row. There were three in a row. 
each of them had two bright headlights on the front of them. Each one, each one had two headlights on the front of them. They weren't that big, the craft, but anyhow, they hovered there, and they hovered very still. They, uh, there were no propellers. There was no, no, nothing no, that showed any sign of any kind of propulsion, anything to keep them up. They, they hovered there like helicopters, but no propellers, no jet engines, no nothing, because they made absolutely no sound at all. No, you got no. They hovered there for about, I'd say, a full minute. It had to have been a full minute. And yeah, and they hovered there. They were still, except the one on the left, the far left, wobbled a little bit. It, he seemed. It seemed to just, just like I don't know what you know. I just remember just wobbling, a little bit. I don't know whether it was just. They were adjusting the controls, or they were playing with the controls. I don't know, but anyhow. And so they were there for a full minute. And I don't know, I, I, we have a camera, but it ha- and it has a flash. One of those cheap cameras, but my father, who loves to take pictures, didn't think to, to get the camera. And me, I didn't want to get the camera to take a picture of them, because it has a flash, and I was afraid how they would react. If they saw the flash, or they saw her taking picture of them, I don't know how they would react. That was a feeling that I got. I remember just, I remember I, I didn't, we didn't feel, I didn't feel threatened, but yeah, and they and they suffered there, and, and and I got a strong sense that they were watching us, you know, and just no sound, and the lights were they were very bright. It was very difficult to make out the shape of the craft, although the one on the far left that wobbled. I was able to see part of the craft, but I wasn't able to make out the outline, the exact shape. But it was like, it seemed to have been illuminated within the light itself. There was lights coming from the front of it, you know, two headlights, but the craft itself was also illuminated somehow. So anyway, after about the minute, they just disappeared, like vanished out of thin air. There was no sign of acceleration Nothing. That 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 was definitely a not. That was another sign to me, at least, that they were not um, conventional aircraft. Because like I, they just just like that gone. The lights went out. Their lights disappeared. They disappeared. No sign of them whatsoever. So my parents, my parents, both parents. They after that they went inside, and I decided to stay out there because I was kind of hoping that they would come back. And well, guess what? About I don't know, two minutes later. That's how long I was out there waiting. A uh, I think it was two minutes. Yeah, around that. This blimp-like craft stuck, was headed was heading toward us, coming from the east, and I guess it was heading west. And I thought it was a blimp for sure, but the thing is, it didn't have anything on the bottom, like a cabin. You know, it didn't have any any fins on the back. No propellers, no nothing, just a, it looked like a blimp, but with not, just, you know, but, but what it had also was unusual were these red lights around it, around the circumference of it, and one light would come on, one it would go off, the next one would come on, then that would go off, the next one would come on. It gave the illusion of one single light going around the craft, and it was going counterclockwise, 
around the craft and it moved slowly above it was very it was not that far above the houses either as it traveled it was only i don't know maybe 50 feet above the homes and it was and it just went slow and you know just kept going very slow and then that and then that was it and i don't know and uh for years i just was like was this the Air Force? Was this some prank? Was this, I mean, what, you know, but after seeing Lou Elizondo and him talking about, I think it was called The Five Observables, when I think back, there's no way this was conventional aircraft. There's no way it was a secret craft or whatever. I mean, this happened back in the 1970s. I've never seen anything like that before. And they just, there's just, just no way this was any kind of secret craft. I, I just doubt it. I doubt it. But, I mean, you can make up, you know, but when I when I think of the, uh, Lou Elizondo's Five Observables, they definitely fit the, what, you know, the, the criteria. And I, I just feel strongly that they were definitely uh, UFOs. Well, anyway, yeah, I never reported it. We didn't want to because, you know, the people think we're crazy. And I've been tempted to call the police department there in Vegas to see if there were any other people who had saw them. Because I can't believe no one saw them. Because this was in the suburbs at 3.20 a.m. I mean, somebody had to have been awake other than us. But I I don't know. I'm tempted, but I'm a little like, how am I going to ask this, you know? They're going to think I'm crazy. But I just... There was nothing in the newspaper that anyone saw them, nothing on TV, so I don't know. Hello, my name is Sarah, and I'm a field naturalist in Canada, and my first and only UFO sighting so far occurred on Prince Edward Island, which is a province in Canada, in 2017. So, at the time, I was living in my van and exploring eastern Canada, and I was camping at national parks and stuff along the way because it was Canada's... Um, 150th birthday or whatever so all the national parks are free so on this particular day in July I was driving at night through an agricultural area on this two-lane road um, and there was nobody else around so it was just my van and I was looking for a place to stay for the night and suddenly I saw this large cigar-shaped object fly about 50 feet overhead. So if you can imagine a plane flying towards you, um, and it's just the wings, so there's no center column where a pilot or passengers would be, that's the direction that this cigar was flying. And I call it the cigar most of the time if I ever refer to it, because I don't know why, but saying UFO just seems like it's just hard for me. I'm not sure why. So, uh, the cigar, it had these two lights near the ends of it, and it was sort of the width of one and a half Cessna plane wingspan. So it wasn't super large or super tiny, but it was definitely, you know, noticeable flying overhead. I should also mention, too, that my van do- like doesn't have any insulation, and I was listening to a podcast at the time, so... My van was pretty loud, but there was no sound that notified me that this UFO was there. And I only saw it when it was near to me and then as it passed me because of the lights that were on it. And normally, 
if a plane flies really close to you, it's extremely loud. Like, it's not... You wouldn't not know that it was there if it was passing over you. Um, but once I looked in my rear and side view mirrors to kind of confirm what I had just seen, I couldn't see it anymore. So it was nighttime, and it's perfectly reasonable that, you know, I just couldn't see it for some reason. But yeah, from my perspective, it just sort of disappeared. <laughs> and still to this day, I have absolutely no idea why I didn't just pull over and stop and look, but I remember distinctly pausing my podcast and saying to myself out loud, like, there's no way, that's not what you think, there's no way, there's no way, you know, what the boop, <laughs> that kind of thing. I just could not process what I was seeing. It did not make any sense to my brain, and I was having trouble accepting that I had seen what I saw. So the next day when I got somewhere where I could find some Wi-Fi, I ended up searching this shape of aircraft or craft or UFO, because at the time, the only sort of shape that I was vaguely aware of were the classic saucers or, you know, drone-esque plane shapes. So it felt super validating to see that I wasn't the first person to witness something like that or that looked like that. Uh, and I also looked up if there were airfields nearby because that would make a lot of sense for why something was flying so low to the ground. But there was just nothing around where I was. It was only agricultural land and, you know, small towns. So that was interesting, <laughs> I guess. Uh, after I saw it, I remember really wanting to tell someone but I thought that there was no way that I could say anything without someone thinking oh wow like she's really lost her mind and at the time for me it felt really important to be perceived as this intelligent rational professional person because I was just you know making my way into the corporate world at the time so saying I saw a UFO really felt like it would invalidate that. And knowing myself now, that's absurd. And I definitely wouldn't feel any fear or shame sharing that I had seen something that I could not explain. But at the time, I was super tied to that ideology. And because of that, unfortunately, I didn't write down a lot or share a lot of messages with friends about the experience because I mostly just kept it to myself. Or, you know, sometimes I would make a joke with someone and see how they responded to that and then likely I just wouldn't bring it up again. So overall, it was a really strange experience. I didn't react how I would have thought I would have reacted at the time. And still other than, you know, this that you're hearing right now, I've never really talked about it. And I'm not sure what I would say or what someone would say back to me, but the experience was definitely one that got me a lot more interested in UFOs in Canada and the experiences of others. So I guess ultimately, whether or not there was an explanation for what I saw, I'm still really grateful to have had it open my mind to the possibility that there could be UFOs in a more concrete way in, I guess, my community or in my, you know, smaller world, not the wider world. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. So thank you so much for listening to my story. I really appreciate it.
Hi, my name is, um, well, I'm on Twitter as app.tidcow. And, uh, this is my, one of my, my first ever UFO experience, the one I had as a child. And, uh, it was back in the late, mid to late 70s. And I was just, I was age nine or 10. So I have trouble um, dating it accurately. Um, because obviously I was young and I've lost all the records I kept at the time. It was in a place that I used to play around that time. So, um, 76, 77. And it was either July or September, I think, because, um, it was, it was a time when it was still late, quite, still light, quite late in the evening. So, um, I used to stay out. I was allowed to stay out a bit later. And um, I remember the sky being really, really blue. I don't remember it getting dark at all. Um, and it was the evening. It was early evening. Um, so I'd probably say summer of 76, either July or September. Um, my dad got me into UFOs. He actually bought UFO books and brought them home. Um, he had a book by Von Daniken. It's probably the famous book. I forget what it's called right now. And um, he had a few others around, which I still have a couple of them. Then we watched documentaries together, me and my dad. And we even went out, he drove us out to UFO hotspots in Devon or Dartmoor at times to see if we could see something. Um, we never did, as far as I know. Um, I was in the park with my sister anyway, this, time, this particular case, um, next to Lara Railway Depot in Plymouth, um, in England. And it was a sunny early evening pretty much cloud free I think completely cloud free if I remember correctly and I saw something in the sky very clear and still um, it's kind of like a glassy ball shape an orb some sort of orb um, and it was very still and very and you could see it very clearly although it was a long way away so wow or very small um, I can't say I remember too much how it first appeared to me but I remember it was a disc and very soon after I started watching it it started giving off light so um, there may have been a period where it was just a disc and then it started giving off a sequence of light it moved through green blue and red so it's alternating between green blue and red and that went on for quite a long time as well can't remember exactly what the sequence was I did at the time draw all this out on a bit of paper but I've lost it um, at some point I noticed I wasn't the only person watching there may have been maybe around a dozen kids um, some with their parents and uh, quite a few now were watching this object um, one kid I remember asked his dad what it was and the dad said oh it's nothing um, it clearly wasn't nothing it clearly was something um, and because of my interest in UFOs I was determined to stay watching it to see how it ended I think my sister probably wasn't that interested and wanted to go home but uh, I didn't want to go home and um, I'm not sure the time involved it felt like a long time that we were standing there watching it at some point I noticed a tiny cloud being blown along towards the object so there was otherwise blue sky and there was this um, tiny tiny cloud and it was moving in a very straight line towards the object um, and it was noticeable because it was the only cloud visible in the whole sky at the time the cloud moved until it covered up the object so you couldn't see the disc with the with the lights on it anymore um 
you could just see the cloud and then it stopped it stopped moving and it just stayed in one place and then a bit of time passed and a plane flew out of the cloud no plane had flown in nothing had flown in all of this was very clear so i wasn't mistaking it for anything else um and if i had seen a plane going to the cloud i would have seen it because i was watching it it had the whole sky to cross to get to the cloud i would have seen it somewhere it had the appearance of a passenger jet plane flying at whatever cruising altitude they fly over Plymouth and um, I remember seeing planes flying that high um, there's no airport nearby so they did just fly over well there was no airport at the time nearby and I don't think we had many planes flying over that weren't military so the nearest airport was um, major airport was 40 miles away the plane was silent um, which I knew was unusual because you normally hear something and it had no contrails at all, which also, again, I noted as being unusual, because you would normally see a bloody great um, contrail coming, cloud coming out the back, a long, you know, the long cloud left behind. Um, so I watched it move. It, it just carried on going across the sky. Um, I can't remember what happened to the cloud, whether it dissipated or whether it was still there. I can't remember that at all now. But the plane moved. Um, towards um, I think it was going north it was moving towards Dartmoor from where I was so maybe north east and um, then it vanished it just disappeared, it just winked out of existence it didn't fade away, it didn't speed up unless it's unless it was really fast so I couldn't see it going um, but no, it just winked out of existence suddenly gone so I was, I carried on watching for a while after that I think, I seem to remember to see if anything more happened. Uh, it bugs me that I can't remember what happened to the cloud. But um, after that, uh, I went home and uh, told my parents. Um, my dad said he was envious as he'd never even seen a UFO. In fact, he said that a few times. I think he was a bit annoyed that he wasn't there or that I saw one without him. I drew the whole thing out using my coloured pens. I wrote a description. I'd spent the evening doing that. I've got a feeling it was a Sunday. So I had the Sunday evenings to sit and do that. I wish I still had that, but I don't. I uh, probably lost it fairly quickly, <laughs> to be honest. Um, or my mum threw it out because she wasn't into it at all. And uh, I never reported it either. So, uh, well, I remember at the time I had intention to. I, I think in the end I just wasn't sure who I could report it to, who'd be interested. And it just I just let it go. I was quite excited by it. I told quite a few people at the time, um, individually, people that I thought I could trust. Um, I remember trying to get people at school, uh, trying to tell people at school about it, and getting my sister in as a as 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 a witness, and she just said, "I don't remember." <laughs> it was like a couple of days later, and she said, "I don't remember anything," so she wasn't going to talk about it. And uh, months later, I read Mothman Prophecies by John Keel, and there was a case in there of a UFO simply got covered up by a cloud, and then. A biplane flew out of it, and uh, I remember thinking that sounds a little bit similar to what I saw. So that and the lights as well. It was similar with the lights, and I got a little bit excited again by that because um, it wasn't that long after the book had come out. So it was that was quite a recent. I mean, I know it was in the sixties, but it was it felt like quite a recent thing to me at the time. And that's it, really. That's it. I've seen other things since, but. That's the best thing I've ever seen. Um, 
And that's the first thing I ever saw. Okay, thank you. Hey, Ryan, Kevin here. So approximately almost 10 years ago now, I was driving home on the freeway, maybe two to three in the morning, and I was coming up on the roundabout to go switch freeways, maybe about a mile from home. And I could see these three red orbs um, floating above the freeway. And I just knew in my gut that it wasn't anything normal, like flying there. And I had been into UFOs and things like that um, just casually as, as a kid. Didn't really know if I disbelieved it or did believe it. But in that moment, I, I, it was kind of like a confirmation for me that this, these things are real. And that's what this was that I was witnessing. And as I came up around the roundabout, I drove right underneath them. And I would say that if I were to stand on top of my car and reach up, I could probably touch one of them. Knowing that this was a rare occurrence, I raced home and my mom happened to be up. She works late. And I grabbed her. I said, you got to come see this. Didn't tell her what it was. I said, you just have to see it. It's very interesting. We got in the car, drove back again as only a mile less than a mile away so it didn't take long and they were completely gone like not even far away anything like that it was completely gone and of course it probably seemed crazy to my mom at the time because she here i am at two or three in the morning grabbing her to, to take her to see something and it's not there anymore she probably thought i was on drugs or something but anyway that was it and i, I at the time, I kind of had a regret of racing home, and I, I feel like I should have stopped and, you know, maybe ex- had the experience last a little bit longer so that I could, you know, take more detail into it or whatever. I was probably close to 18, 19 years old, so I had just started driving out on my own and things like that. So I would say I was becoming into adulthood. And having this experience confirm that these things were real was kind of a relief to me because I actually witnessed it myself and I didn't have to base it on anyone else's belief. Um, But at the same time, now thinking back, it almost taught me that uh, to have a little bit of sympathy or empathy for, for other witnesses because the first thing that people do when they talk about a, an experience that they had, you know, that someone's going to say, oh, there were seagulls, they were Chinese lanterns, they were swamp gas, whatever you may have. But in that moment, the best way I could describe them to you would be a Chinese lantern because that's the closest um, physical thing that I could use to describe it. However that's not what it was and i i just know it was not three chinese lanterns it was in the almost in the middle of nowhere um i live in i lived in this small town at the time so two and three in the morning i highly doubt someone would be floating three chinese lanterns in the middle of nowhere Uh, beyond that i i know that they were floating there they weren't flying so they weren't going up going down moving at all they were just there and almost like they were just hanging from something and no 
no cables to be seen, nothing for them to be hanging from. But just the way that they f- were there in the sky, you, it was just as if something was holding them there. And I've seen Chinese lanterns before. I know that that's not what it was, but that's just the best thing that I could use to describe it. Um, so it g- kind of gives me a lot of empathy for um, other experiencers because when people doubt them, you know, it's easy to to say, "Oh yeah, Kevin saw three Chinese lanterns floating in the sky." It was no, it wasn't a big deal, but unless you experience it yourself and you have the entire experience, it's kind of hard to say what someone else is experiencing because. I just had this feeling like in my gut that I knew that that's what they were. Um, I don't know if that was a feeling coming from what it was or if it was just in my heart or whatever, but I knew that what I saw was not normal and it was confirmed to me. So yeah, I I don't know. I'm looking back. I, this was cell phones were just becoming popular weren't very widespread so it's not like I could have snapped a photo of it with my cell phone if I did it was probably less than a megapixel of a camera so it's not like the photo would have come out very well just looking back I just kind of have a regret that I I wish I had some kind of a camera some kind of a video camera to record the experience Um, I guess that's why my first thought was to race home and grab my mom to come experience it as well because I needed someone else to back me up and say that what I had seen was real. But I, I, it also gives me a lot of empathy for other experiencers because people always say, like, well, why didn't you record it? Why didn't you draw a picture of it? Why didn't you do this or that? Um, why is the camera so shaky? Again, like, unless you're in that, in that moment, you don't know what you're going to do and you almost kind of react at a, I don't know what the word to use, uh, maybe like a, a wild naturistic level. Like you just respond naturally. You don't think about what's going to, you know, oh, I should shoot a camera, a picture of this. I should um, grab my video camera. You just, you're in such awe of the experience that you're not thinking logically of what you should do in that moment to prove that this experience happened. You're just experiencing it. And so that gives me a lot of empathy for, for people that are willing to share this. Um, in fact, this is probably the first time I've ever shared this um, publicly just because I, I feel like it wasn't an experience for me to, to share. It was just something that maybe I needed to see to confirm my belief in these things being out there. Um, again, I was just go- going into adulthood, so maybe it was some type of lesson for me to say, you know, I'm not going off into adulthood alone. I have um, someone looking out for me. Um, or maybe in the moment, just because I was driving home so late, maybe they were there looking after me to make sure I got home okay. I don't. I really don't know. But all in all, it's just, like I said, you you can't really judge someone's experience unless you've experienced something similar yourself because you don't know what you're going to do in that moment. It's just like 
someone that's in an accident, when you're looking back, you're all, oh, shoot, I wish I would have done this or that. Um, I wish I would have grabbed my special um, sentimental item from my house before my house burnt down. I wish I would have grabbed my phone out of my car before the car caught on fire. I don't know, just you always have those regrets because because in the moment you're not thinking logically you're just thinking of the experience and so i think that's something that everyone should keep in mind whether you're an experiencer or not that just have an open heart and open mind and believe hello my name is brett i am 47 i live on the gold coast in australia I wear a few hats for work, but I mostly work as an instructional designer. I also have a professional fine arts and photography practice and degrees in teaching and visual arts. The Gold Coast is a city with a population of around 680,000 people and, as the name suggests, is on the east coast of Australia, bordering the states of Queensland and New South Wales. I live about 15 kilometres away from the beach. This event took place in 2011 It was about 9pm. It was a dark evening. Um, There was very little moonlight and the sky was clear and there was no wind. I was taking a bag of garbage out to a larger bin that we have around the side of the house and faces the southeast. As I walked via the property's front to go around the house's side, at about a 75 degree angle to the horizon and to the south was an object moving slowly across the sky from east to west at roughly 500 to 700 feet. It moved at a steady pace of perhaps 20 to 30 kilometres per hour, which translates to 10 to 15 knots or 12 to 18 miles per hour. Beneath it, it had three round orbs of red colour equidistant apart in an equilateral triangle. The orbs had a steady red glow and within each of the orbs was another darker coloured orb, but it was also reddish in the centre. The orbs were fairly close to each other, but not that far apart. The um, red glow had the intensity of an electric hot plate turned on high. It was tough to tell how big or what shape the object was because it was dark and I could only see the orbs. The orbs appeared to be a part of the same structure, so they didn't appear to be separately moving objects. I would suggest the object was 30 feet in diameter, or possibly more, but um, I'm only guessing. I, I can't really tell. The object held a steady course and altitude for the entire time I watched it, which lasted for as long as it was visible to me, which would have been five minutes or more. The object also emitted a very unusual sound, If you can imagine the sound of gas inside a gas bottle when you turn a gas bottle on or off, it emitted a kind of crackling sound, and the sound was contained within something as as though it was metallic, as though an echo coming from within a metallic object. When I first saw the object, I immediately thought it was a fancy Chinese lantern, and although not dismissive, I kind of didn't really think too much of it because I thought oh that's really cool but after about 10 or 15 seconds and having heard the sound it was making and by its size its trajectory its course its altitude I began to doubt that very quickly I'm not aware of Chinese lanterns making that kind of sound and I have no doubts that this object was making that sound 
There was no wind either, yet the object retained a steady path and wasn't gaining in altitude. There was no flickering at all from the orbs. It was a solid, constant glow. I didn't consider it a drone either because drones were quite rare in Australia in 2011 and the sound it made was entirely different for a drone. So that's why I kept watching it. I was waiting for something to happen and it just kept going. I considered grabbing my phone or camera but I thought it might disappear when I got back to where I was. So the next morning I looked up any local headlines on the internet. There was nothing. I went to work and told the small team of four people I worked with, did anyone hear of anything in the news about a possible UFO or did anyone see anything last night? And no one did. They all listened and took it quite seriously when I told them what I had experienced and they asked the same kinds of questions that I asked myself. And then one of them cracked a joke and everyone laughed and that was kind of the end of the discussion. I didn't speak about it um, much after that, mainly because I didn't think reporting it would have any consequence. And unless someone stepped forward and announced that they had constructed this thing and could explain what it was, then there was no telling what it was. We can only guess. Although I still don't know what I saw was, and am reluctant to say I saw a UAP or UFO, I do fervently believe in the phenomena of UAPs. While I can't rule out that some UAP sightings are the products of US black budgets, I am reasonably certain unidentified aerial phenomena of unknown origins are visiting us. What they are, how they get here, who or what controls them are the big unanswered questions, and this is what drives my curiosity and desire to study them. Thanks so much for having me. My name's Luis Jimenez. Um... I am an actor in Los Angeles, California, and I have, I run the YouTube channel, The Unidentified Celebrity Review. If you haven't heard of it, please go check it out. I'm very fascinated by the UAP topic. Of course, if you do or do not know, I'm also very politically active in moving this UAP topic further into the halls of Congress and our senators. Um, It's, I love this topic for a multitude of reasons. I'm not going to get into that here. Because that's not what you're here for. You're here for my story. So the year is 1993. I was 13 years old. I was living in Cooper City, Florida. And it's about 20 miles outside of Miami. So I was 13 years old. And my best friend at the time, whose name was Tony, uh, invited me to a birthday party of one of his friends. Now, I can't remember this girl's name. But what I do remember is that she didn't live very far from me. I'd say probably two miles tops. But, you know, again, my my house was one of these very cookie-cutter developments. And her house was literally lined up against an entire cow pasture. So, you know, we get to this party. And you have a great time. You know, typical kid's birthday party. But there was a lot of people. This was a big property. These people had a lot of friends. And so... The this was around I'd say summertime. It had to have been summer, and the sun went down, and the party was still going on. And at some point, uh, my friend Tony and I see this girl who's standing out in the middle of this property, and she's by herself. <laughs> and I think it was actually the girl whose party it was, and and she's looking to the sky. 
And so we're like, what is she doing? <laughs> so we walked over there and we're saying, hey, hey, what are you looking at? What's going on? And she points up. And we see, now this is where my memory really kind of jumbles because you got to understand this is a 27 year old memory. We, we both look up and I do remember seeing a strange light, but it was pretty high and it was pretty far away. Nothing crazy unusual about it. But then this is where my memory really jumbles. The next thing I remember is that this light is hovering a hundred feet above a cow pasture and it's the size of two school buses two school buses stacked on top of one another i don't remember i see man gosh this is this is where memories really play tricks but i remember it having a shape but I don't remember any distinct lines. What I remember, the first description I thought of when I was explaining it to people was it looks like a breakfast bowl, like you would put your cereal in. And imagine if you took that breakfast bowl and just made it, you know, one-tenth smaller than the, the original breakfast bowl. And then you take that breakfast bowl and you flip it on top of the one sitting on the table and you put them together at the rim. That's kind of what this thing looked like. And what I really remember was how bright it was, especially in the middle. The middle of it was so bright white and the outside aura of it, if I remember correctly, was almost like a green hue. As soon as I saw it, I do remember, and of course, by this time, the entire party had walked over to where we were, and you were hearing, wow, oh my God, what is that? What's going on? And as this is happening, it was almost like slow motion. Even as a a 13-year-old kid, I can remember going through my mental Rolodex of what this object could be. Helicopter. No. There's no noise. <laughs> it, it's close enough we should hear something if it's a helicopter. Is it a blimp? No, it's not big enough to be a blimp. And I've been around blimps. I've been around the Goodyear blimp. It's way louder than this object is. I mean, the uh, big Goodyear blimp, and they're very common in this area of Florida that I lived in. Blimps are very, very common because we had the Miami Dolphins that played all the time, not, not far from our home. And they're just there's always something going on in Fort Lauderdale or Miami that requires a Goodyear blimp. So seeing the Goodyear blimp was something that I was very, very familiar with. It was not a blimp. It couldn't have been a plane because it was stationary. And also, what is a plane doing above a cow pasture? I mean, I'm literally, I'm going through this Rolodex and nothing that I can think of is matching what I'm looking at. So as soon as I finish that mental Rolodex, the immediate thought that filled my brain was, I want to get a better look at it. So I began to run. (laughs) I started running toward this object, but to do so, I had to go back the way I came and go around this little like berm or fenced area so I can get to that dirt road that was closer to the cow pasture. 
and the this dirt road had trees that were I'd say fifty feet tall. They're like pine trees that lined the dirt road, and I did not take my eye off of this object as I was trying to run closer to it. And I did lose it behind these trees. And the second I got to the dirt road, I lost track of it because it was behind these trees. And then when I got to the road, it was gone. I never saw it again. Um, I did not see it leave. I don't remember the descriptions of the other people that didn't run closer with me what they described as it left or what did it look like? Did it zoom off? Did it blink out? I don't know. I, I don't remember asking and I don't remember ans- getting that question answered at any time. I was floored. As a 13-year-old kid, I had already had an interest in UFOs. As a matter of fact, the very first thing that got me into the UFO topic was the Bob Lazar story, which had happened four years earlier. So my curiosity in this topic had already been fueled. I was already looking at UFO books in the library. It was a topic that I was very, very familiar with as a 13-year-old kid. So that's why I think I was in a very unique position to witness something like this. Because I've already had a lot of frame of reference, especially when it came to planes. We lived pretty much right underneath the flight path of the Fort Lauderdale International Airport. So for an object to be in that cow field at that time was probably a flight risk. You know, uh, again, this is this is the landing path that, you know, major commercial airlines are using to land their planes. So, you know, you see a commercial jet come over this property at a pretty low level every 15, 20 minutes, you know, back in 1993, Fort Lauderdale International Airport wasn't as busy as it is today. But you go today and you will see, you will hear airplanes, commercial jets fly over this property every five minutes now. I mean, there's constantly landing. So it was really easy to determine that this thing did not fit typical aircraft, not to mention living in Miami every year we had the Miami International Air Show. <laughs> so I was very familiar with the Blue Angels. I was very familiar with jet aircraft. I had been in jet aircraft. I mean, of course, I'm, I wasn't a professional at 13. I wouldn't be able to tell you what kind of jet I was looking at when it was flying by at a close distance or a really far distance. Um, but I, I was familiar with the sounds, with the maneuvers, what they look like, what they especially sound like. And that's the thing that really, really struck me as so odd about this object. We were only three or 400 yards away from it and there was no sound. And this is a time before drones. This is a time before any of that kind of technology even existed. So it was profound. <laughs> the, the way it made me feel was excited. I've never been that excited to have seen something in my life. I think it did scare some people in the crowd, but I was really excited because I knew what I was looking at so much so that I tried to get a better look at it. <laughs> I tried to get a better look of it. And it just didn't work out. I wish I had stayed where I was because then maybe I would have been able to see it take off or 
or blink out or whatever happened, but I never got the opportunity to, to see that. So with that excitement, you know, everybody in the party is now talking about this. And I'm, when I tell you there was at least 40 witnesses to this event, there was 40 witnesses to this event. So this was, I was not by myself. And sure, you can say, man, maybe some of the parents there were drinking and inebriated, but there was kids there, a lot of kids, and they all saw myself included. So my best friend's mom comes to pick us up, and I'd say it was probably around 930 at night when I got home, and I burst through the front door at a million miles per hour, and my entire house, my sister, my little brother, my mother, my grandmother, my stepdad, they were all pretty much sleeping. (laughs) Everybody was in bed or getting ready to pass out. And I ran into my parents' bedroom and I was just so excited and so amped and so I wanted them to hop out of bed and listen to what I was saying because the the my life had just profoundly changed and I wanted them to know why my parents did not react the way I wanted them to it it was like okay son all right let's talk about it tomorrow we'll talk about it tomorrow can we we we're just trying to get some sleep <laughs> And I didn't sleep for the whole night. As a matter of fact, what was interesting is at the time, I'm trying to remember the name of the television show, but there was a, there was a show on Fox TV around this time where you could call in and tell the television show about your experience. And I was very detailed. I remember the direction, the, uh, the, the way the wind was blowing. Uh, what the temperature was like, where the craft was located, um, in what direction it was when we first saw it versus when we saw it over the cow field and what direction that, that was. I, I laid out so many details because they were so fresh on my mind to, a, to the voicemail of this production company. So maybe somewhere out there, there's a recording of my testimony on what happened with this uh, sighting. And um, it was, I'm telling you, the most profound moment of my life. And ever since then, I've been hooked, absolutely hooked. And I've gone down the rabbit holes. I've worked my way out of rabbit holes. And I, the cool thing is, is that it's taken me 27 years to really formulate and learn how to talk about this experience, but not only this experience, but my passion for this field. And the cool thing about finding this passion, I think in, you know, the latest part of my life, at least as of right now, I started my show a year ago, is that I can talk about this topic without ridicule. Without people looking at me like I have two heads, this topic is no longer saved for the tinfoil hat party. (laughs) And so, you know, that was my experience. That was my aha moment. 
And ever since then, it w- I assume this is kind of like what heroin is like. I've always been looking for that fix. I want to see another one. I really, really do. I would kill to go back in a time machine and relive that night, that summer night in 1993. So I just want to say thank you to Ryan Sprague for allowing me to share this story. Um, it's not one that I like to share often because of the, the way I'm trying to formulate my political activism around the UAP topic and bringing personal stories, um, is usually not very helpful in this field, but I do enjoy the opportunity to actually tell people because, uh, it is a badge of honor. I got to witness something that very few people have ever, ever experienced. And I feel lucky. I really, really do. Um, and it's inspired every single decision that I've made in my life. Absolutely profound. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you uh, to all the fans out there in the Somewhere in the Skies family. I consider you my family as well. Ryan Sprague is one of the best human beings on the planet. And, uh, and I would do anything for the man, as I'm sure you guys would. So show him your love, show him your support, uh, because he, he's always heading up wonderful ideas like this and, and wonderful ways to share personal experiences because he's right. They're important. We need to talk about them. We need to document them. Uh, so that way we can find similarities and, and this is data and it's good data. You know, unfortunately, right now, it's not the data our congressmen want to look at. But in 15, 20, 25 years, I think this data will be will be a request from the people that we want to tell. Uh, They're going to want to hear this data because they're going to have such a mountain of data that they're going to want to fill in gaps to that data. And I think that's where we, the people, will come in, the people with these stories and experiences. So thank you, Ryan Sprague. And that's it. I'm done. Uh, Stay safe and be well. Peace. Hello, my name is Brian Wellman. I currently live in Tennessee, but uh, in September of 2019, I was visiting Moab, Utah with my dad on vacation, and we were in Canyonlands National Park. Uh, I had uh, taken an online night photography class, and I wanted to take some Milky Way photos, so we we decided to go out that night and do that. We had... uh, One last night where the moon was going to be down about, I can't remember the exact time, around 10.30 at night. And then we should have, uh, you know, pretty good night sky. It was cloudy and raining in some areas, but it was clearing off. Um, We did still have some clouds, but uh, not really bad. Uh, We, uh, my father was sick that night. um, And we were trying to decide when we were going to go. I wanted to sleep a little bit and then get up at like 2 or 3 in the morning and go. But he thought since he was sick, it would be best to go 
early in the night and then he could sleep uninterrupted uh, and hopefully feel better. Um, so we headed out to Canyonlands probably between 9.30 and 10. Um, I know we got there before the moon was down. Uh, I had set up my camera beforehand and um, all the settings that I needed for uh, some Milky Way photos. I had the camera on a tripod, etc. Um, so we got there and we, we just drove into the park. We were going to look for a, um, you know, a good place to set up where hopefully we wouldn't have uh, any cars or anyone around. Um, so we ended up driving into Schaefer Canyon Overlook, which is uh, quite a nice overlook there towards the east um, as the moon was setting to the west behind me, if I remember correctly. Um, so I was set up, I had the tripod pulled out, and uh, has just, had just practiced taking a couple shots as I waited for the moon to go down. Um, shortly after the moon went down, actually before I was really taking any photos, I noticed um, you know, coming from kind of the southeast, um, a streak in the sky. And I didn't think much of it, thought it was probably a shooting star or, or you know, a meteor. And I went back to getting ready to take some photos. And it uh, wasn't within... It was within a minute, probably, that um, I saw a streak in the same general um, area in the sky. So I, I stopped and I looked and I noticed uh, three lights, which I thought looked like they were in formation. And I thought, wow, that's a UFO. So I ran over to my dad. He was sitting in sitting in the car because, um, again, he didn't feel well. And uh, I said, hey, Dad, I think we got a UFO. <clears throat> and he said, yeah, I've been watching it. He said it uh, it came over. Um, this kind of like cliff or, or hill there um, and had moved slowly and then a couple times it streaked um, into a position where it was probably uh, you know degree wise from us probably 75 degrees in the sky there so we watched it and it uh, moved a little closer and slowly in and uh, again at, at that point I thought it was three different objects so we watched it a little bit and it uh it moved around and made some incredible movements um you know streaking through the sky uh it was completely silent it looked like it moved back and then back kind of close where it was before a couple of times and uh really interesting um directly due east there was a white light very bright white light in the sky and i was talking to my dad and he said he had seen that almost since we had been there and at times he thought it was maybe someone with a flashlight um maybe someone with a real bright light but he watched it for a while and it was making really erratic movements and uh he said he actually watched it for for quite some time didn't know what it was uh so we you know i saw that ufo off to the side to the east and then we had the one that had come from the southeast um they each had like different color lights the one <clears throat> that had kind of done streaks in had whitish blue lights um, again at this time i thought it was three different objects then the one that was the bright light to the east was just looked like one bright white light and it moved very radically throughout the canyons um, it looked like a ping pong ball it was moving so fast and erratically down and in and out of the canyons um, just fascinating we had no idea what that what that was uh, it was about this time that i noticed three red lights and they were kind of in the east too and they were um, again, looked like something in formation, and uh, that's that's what I thought it was that they were in formation. At one point, 
they look like they did a pivot and plunge towards the ground, which it really caught my my breath because I thought, wow, it's that's going to explode into the ground. And uh, they just disappeared. There was no, no sound, nothing happened, no explosion, and they were gone. Uh, they would reappear uh, and, you know, within a few minutes, and I saw that one again. So, um, you know, at times there were three different UFOs in the sky at one time that we that we were able to see. I remembered I had a small pair of binoculars, and I, I got those out of the car, and I put it on, put those binoculars on the first one that had come in, which it had stayed pretty much in the same spot, you know, with, um, besides moving back and forth uh, a few times. And it was then I realized that it wasn't three different craft, but it was one triangular craft. It was a, a black triangle with the white bluish lights on it. Um, so I gave my dad the binoculars, and we both took a couple turns looking at it. Just an amazing sight through the binoculars. Uh, I also put the binoculars on the one that was towards the east, uh, the white, the bright light, the bright white one. And I noticed when I had binoculars on it, it was also a, a triangle. The white light was so bright. Actually, three lights were so bright, it looked like one bright light, but it was also a triangle, and it was uh, the one that was bouncing around within the canyons. Um, I found the one with the red lights on the corners, and uh, again, another triangle. Um, this this uh, this encounter, this these uh, triangles were there for for two hours, the, the time we were there. Um, during that time, uh, I had taken an online class, so I was really determined to try to get some night sky photography, which I was able to do. Um, unfortunately, I was only able to get some photographs of the white one um, as it was silhouetted um, on the LaSalle Mountains, which were due east from Canyonlands. But we did uh, observe those tr- those uh, triangles for, for within those two hours. Uh, I saw a lot of weird erratic movements from them. Um, they were able to streak what looked like miles across the sky in a fraction or a second. Um, they would even look like they disappeared and would appear in another area. Sometimes it looked like a just big streak of light and they'd appear, you know, at the end of that streak. I never saw a center light. My dad did notice with the one white one that was really bright that it pivoted what looked to be vertical and it turned and he saw a white light in the center fire on and it looked like when that light came on it propelled itself across the sky so i did not see that but he did and i thought that was a very interesting uh, observation i would have liked to have seen it but um, i continued to watch them the white the one with the bluish white lights and the one with red lights interacted for a while the white one had pulled back again and i noticed they looked like they were kind of rotating around each other i'm not sure what they were doing um, kind of like orbiting each other or, or just, you know, flying around each other. That lasted a little bit, but we observed that with binoculars. I did, again, try to take a couple pictures. Those just did not turn out. I didn't see anything of the other craft. The only one I saw any pictures of was the one that was with white, bright lights. So, again, you know, the I uh, didn't really feel any fear. Uh, it was more, this is amazing. Um, they did kind of circle felt like we were being uh, surrounded at one time and I felt a little you know a little apprehension there I was like wow we're, we're completely surrounded but I knew at any point you know with the sophistication of what we were seeing that they could do anything they wanted again my father was sick so around midnight maybe a little after we decided to go ahead and wrap things up and, and go the craft were still there they were still maneuvering through the canyons and up in the air I, I'm not sure what they were doing I speculate uh 
that they were mapping or doing a reconnaissance of the area. Um, I was in military intelligence. That it just looked like they were really gathering information of the terrain, um, which the white one was again was in and out of the canyons um, and all over. So I don't know if it was mapping. The only two things that could come to mind for me is they were mapping or doing a reconnaissance or they were looking for something. So I'm not sure what they were doing. We left. We started driving down um, from Canyonlands, coming off the the ridges there. And I do remember, you know. <laughs> talking to my dad I was like I you know I just was looking I wanted to make sure we didn't have any lost time which you know I, I don't think we had any lost time at all just an incredible encounter with uh, three uh, three UFOs that lasted uh, you know at least two hours there almost two hours um, but it's something I'll never forget I reached out a couple of things I reached out to an author Dave Marler who has written a book about triangles which if you read the book they've been Cited for many near, many years, not just since the 70s, but going back through time. Um, I also was in an episode of Unidentified. Um, they did an episode on black triangles. Uh, I stayed anonymous there. I was just uh, was apprehensive about you know putting my name out there, but now I you know I realized it's you know it's nothing nothing to to hide from you know as far as my name. I don't mind that people know, and I'm more than happy to answer questions than anybody would have. Um, but that was interesting being on that episode of, uh, unidentified. Um, they did a really good job, but there were some things they left out, some things they kind of twisted around, I guess, probably to, to try to make it a more interesting story. But, um, yeah, it's uh, season two and it's, uh, you know, the one on black triangles. Um, thank you for your time. Bye. Hi, I'm Lee. I live in Manchester in the UK. I'm 35 years old. I was around eight or nine at the time. Um, I was travelling in a car from Blackpool to back to Manchester. In the car there was myself, um, my brother who's two years younger than me, um, my mum and my dad. So we were driving down a country country road on the way home. It was pitch black. Um, we were the only car on the road from what I remember. The car we were driving in it was an old Vauxhall Astra and it had one of the old sunroofs that they don't think they do anymore. And I just remember looking up, uh, seeing this black triangle in the sky. Um, and so I said to my mum, look at that, mum, what's that? So my mum looked up, she she said, I don't, I don't know. I remember shaking my brother to wake him up because he was asleep at the time. Unfortunately, I don't remember what my brother said because it was a long time ago. I remember my dad asking what was what's going on, so my mum told him. However, he couldn't really do much except carry on driving. So as we looked up... It, we watched this object for around two minutes and then it just disappeared. No sound, no lights. It, it was just gone. It's stuck with me ever since and I still bring it up now to talk about with my mum and she she remembers it vividly as well. It's just a shame we had no recording equipment because back then it was just the big camcorder things that we, we had but we didn't really we didn't carry it at the time. So that's a bit of a regret. I don't remember feeling scared or frightened. I just remember looking in amazement more than anything. And ever since then, I've been interested in UFOs and UAPs and anything to do with space. And it's left me 100% convinced that we're not alone. When I get an opportunity, I always look up to the sky to see if I can see anything else. And But unfortunately, I've not seen anything since. Thank you, Ryan, for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Um, I know it's only short. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Uh, keep looking up. Hi, my name is Kyle. 
and uh, this is my sighting. In 2003, I was living in the town of Belvedere, Illinois, and my brother and I were playing um, horse in our driveway, and we had a uh, hoop that was on our garage, and it was facing west. And my brother had tossed the ball in, and it bounced off the hoop, and I go to follow the hoop with my eyes as it goes into the trees, and I see this dark, charcoal-colored triangular shape and it was probably 2,000 to 2,500 feet in the air uh, almost almost directly above and to the front or to the west of us and it didn't have any like solid edges it was all rounded on the sides and the back and in the back in a recess section there were uh, two like circle nozzles on each side and a longer uh, elongated oval in the center but it was like recessed inside of the that flat that edge of the triangle and I looked at my brother and I was like what's that at the time I was really interested in you know our modern jets and uh, mostly World War II aircraft and I was like I- I've-, I've never seen anything like that and uh, that weekend, we were supposed to go to our grandparents' house, and um, we did. And I, we talked to my my step grandfather about it, and we spent two hours on the internet trying to find something that matched our description, and we never found it. And shortly after that, I started having bouts of um, sleep paralysis. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be frozen and I couldn't move my fingers or my toes and I couldn't scream and it was really hard and I didn't know what to do about it. Um, I continued having the sleep paralysis for, for years after that and I eventually just figured out that I had to relax and breathe and close my eyes and focus on moving things to get my body working again. And um, shortly after the first incident, I was getting off the bus with my friend Nick. And as we got off the bus, we saw these two jets chase something that was smoldering in the air. And we asked our reading teacher the next day who was a uh, Air Force reservist and she said that she didn't know anything about it she'd ask and we of course never heard anything but after that um, I started having real vivid uh, lucid dreams and uh, that's something I still have to this day I, I don't correlate these incidents and put them together but it seems that it's something that happens to people who witness the dark triangles and yeah that's that's what happened to me hello my name's michael um i'm originally from the united kingdom from a place called liverpool um i migrated and i now live in perth western australia um <clears throat> I'd like to tell you 
what happened to me and my girlfriend at the time who went on to become my wife. Um, the event took place in 1997. I actually know precisely when it took place. It was the 28th of March. Um, I'll tell you a bit more about that, why I know the date a little bit later. Um, what happened was we were in a car traveling between um, Formby and Southport in West Lancashire in the United Kingdom. Um, we were on the way to a party. It was about, it was like early evening, it was still light, but it was starting to um, go dark and we were quite excited. We hadn't been drinking or anything. We were just on the way to the party because we were driving. Um, and we were on like quite a, it, it's quite a rural road because it's, it's on the coast and Southport's like a sea, seaside town. Um, as we're driving, I was listening to the radio and it mentioned that Hal's Bob Comet would be visible in the Northern Hemisphere skies um, that night. And I was intrigued by that, mostly because several days beforehand, um, the cult members from the Heaven's Gate sect had committed suicide. And for those of you who remember, or for the, those of you who don't, the story goes that the cult members committed suicide because they believed that they were going to be transported onto a UFO that was hidden in Hal's Bob Comet. Now, I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm, I'm just letting you know what I saw anyway. But I was intrigued by that anyway. And that's the one of the reasons why I, I was interested to see whether I could see this particular comet. So as we're driving... I started looking out the window um, just to see if I could see anything as we were driving driving past. And then, as, would, as my wife was driving, I, I was in the passenger seat, I noticed something out the side window and I could see quite a large object in the sky kind of coming into view. So... I couldn't quite make it out, so I asked my wife to pull over so I could get a better look. So we pulled over at the side of the road. And literally, it was, it was quite bizarre because I distinctly remember looking, trying to make out what I could see. And it was quite an overcast day. March days in the UK can be quite wintry, and it was quite overcast, so there was a lot of cloud cover. But the clouds just opened up. To reveal, I couldn't see the whole object. I could only see one side of it. But it was just enormous. I mean, gigantic. <laughs> like, people have asked me to explain how big. I I'm talking like half a mile to a mile across. I mean, this thing was enormous. And I couldn't see all of it because some of it was still hidden in the cloud I did make a report of this many years later to a UFO site and I've 
looked at it and I've I've mentioned on that that it was cigar shaped. That's not a memory I have now. I may have thought one side of it was cigar shaped, but I couldn't see the whole object anyway. I couldn't I couldn't make out any distinctive features of the object. I couldn't make out whether it was metal, what it was made of. It, it was grey in colour, very bland looking. But what I certainly could see is three-dimensional structure and I could see it was an object and it wasn't moving. And I remember looking and thinking, how is that object able to stay perfectly still and not move. My wife was was seeing exactly the same as what I was seeing, so it wasn't like a delusion or a mirage. We were talking while we were while we were looking at it. How how high was it? It was quite high, I'd say at least ten thousand feet, maybe fifteen thousand feet. It was right up there. But it was just giant. The strange thing was that whilst we're watching it, we noticed that there was, I think there was three orbs, like light-coloured small objects, very bright, very intense coloured. I think one was green, one was red, and one was yellow. I'm not 100% sure now on the colours, but they were definitely kind of connected to the main craft in the sense that they were interacting with it and the the interesting thing was they were basically darting haphazardly across the horizon the panoramic horizon and the speed that they were moving literally one would go from one end of the horizon to the the other in a blink of an, an eye and I remember thinking at the time, that's not physically possible to move with that speed. It was almost like at the speed of light. It, I mean, it was just incredible speeds. It was just, these things were just darting around the main craft. Again, they look like solid objects. They weren't lasers. It was difficult to kind of work out how big they were they were quite small in comparison to the big craft but that doesn't mean to say that they were they were tiny either it was just difficult to to work out they were circular very orb orb like kind of objects we observed this i was i'll be honest with you i was freaking out i was so excited my wife was getting scared. My, my, my girlfriend, who went on to be my wife, was getting quite scared, and she was urging me to leave um, because we were going to be late for the party. I really didn't want to go, but eventually, after five or ten minutes of watching this show, I couldn't wait to get back into the car because I wanted to get to the party and tell everyone what was going on. We got back into the car. We started driving towards Southport, as we're driving, it was probably five, ten minutes and it was starting to go dark. We were coming into the outskirts of Southport, which is like a, quite a small town, really. Um, and we were hitting some busier roads. And all of a sudden, 
as we're talking about what we'd seen, there was an enormous flash of instantaneous light within the car itself, which basically blinded us because it felt as if it came in either through the sunroof or the the windscreen. It lasted about a second or so. My wife, who was driving, was completely blinded and had to do an emergency stop. But then as soon as it hit the car and hit us, the light was gone. It lasted like a second. And afterwards, we I was just I just looked at my wife and said, Did you did you just witness what I've just witnessed? And she just burst out crying. I mean it was the there's the interesting thing about what happened to us is these are the two most extraordinary things that have ever happened to me in my life and they happened within a 10 minute period I'm absolutely certain that whatever came into the car it wasn't like a a faulty speed camera or whatever Um, it wasn't it wasn't like a a laser this thing took over the centre that the whole car inside the car we couldn't see anything we were absolutely blinded by the most intense white light i've ever witnessed and as i say after it went after it had finished it, it it was gone my wife i was so excited i wanted to get to the party and tell everyone my wife begged me not to talk about it because she thought we'd be ridiculed because of the taboo nature of this phenomenon and for some reason people are just not willing to accept that these things happen this thing has stayed with me and um, my wife uh, when we're no longer together now unfortunately although we've got a good relationship for over 20 years 20, what 30 years and it it still strikes me as the most bizarre episode in my life um she won't talk about it i've tried to get her to talk about it i think because she doesn't quite understand what happened she'd rather not think about it because it doesn't fit into the way she wants the world to work what do i think it was um i don't know i i, I don't think it was um of this world because i don't see how anything that I saw we've got that sort of technology and the speeds that I saw on that day and then what happened afterwards um, there was an element after that we both said that we felt as if we'd been probed and we felt a little bit weird afterwards there wasn't any time distortion or anything it was just the light came and then it went um, I, I tried to kind of scour and do some research to see if anybody else had seen anything similar that night, but I wasn't able to find any, anything um, that recorded this particular event. As I say, it took place on, I believe, I think it was a Saturday night because we were going to a party. It's the 28th of March, 1997, the Heaven's Gate 
cult members had committed suicide, I believe, a couple of days earlier. And um, it was at the time when Hal's Bob um, Comet was was still um, in in the area. Um, I hope you enjoyed the story. Um, it certainly changed my life. It gave me a fresh perspective on kind of what is important in life. I certainly am a believer that we're not the only um, life force in this universe. And um, thank you, Ryan, for giving me the opportunity to tell this story. Hey, how's it going, Ryan? And uh, Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Uh, My name is Roz, and uh, this is my story. So it begins when I was around 16 years old and uh, I was at a buddy's house of mine and um, we were, we were just watching a movie um, in his living room. It was, it was around nine o'clock at night, winter time. So it was pretty cold out uh, and it had been dark for a while and we were, we were in his uh, living room watching a movie, all the lights out and um, the way his living room is oriented uh you have, you know, the couch is facing the TV and then the TV has two windows behind it. So we were looking at the TV along with facing these windows and the windows had the blinds down. So we're sitting there and then a freaking super bright light that was moving um, started to come through the windows behind the TV with the blinds down. That's how bright it was. So we were like, you know, what the heck is that? Um... And the, the, where my friend lived, he uh, it was pretty rural, and he had a field right behind his house. So our first thought was, did a tractor turn on its headlights or something, and they're coming through into the the, uh, the living room? But we got up, you know this this took place within seconds, and um, so we immediately popped up and, and went out his back door to go check out what it was. And uh, in the sky, around, I want to say two football fields away, is a fireball. It is, I, I always said it was it was around the size of a, an SUV. And this fireball, it almost looked like your cliche picture of the sun, just shrink down to the size of a minivan. And uh, it was so close. It was actually unbelievable. And it was moving slowly across the sky not doing anything just moving uh and we we went to a we went to school with uh a friend of ours who lived down the street from my buddy and we immediately called her up because it was actually heading right in the direction of her house so we called her and uh we told her you know you got to go outside and, and look what's coming over your house right now and as she uh as she was about to go outside the best way i can describe it the the fireball collapsed in on itself um, and was gone. Um, so yeah, that that is that is the the story. Um, and I know you wanted to uh, wanted me to include how it made me feel. And I think the best way I can describe it is it made me pretty excited. Like I said, this happened when I was around sixteen, so it was definitely the event that pushed me into getting super interested in the whole in the whole UFO subject. And, uh, yeah, it made me, it made me pretty happy because I love UFOs so much and I'm lucky to be able to have a story of my own. So 
that is that is everything. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, uh, Somewhere in the Skies podcast. Hi, Ryan. This is Sean and my oldest daughter, Ava, who's 11 years old. Uh, we're from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And on August 8th of this year, we were camping. And we were in Rocky Mountain House, which is a couple hours north of us. And we were heading north towards our campsite uh, when my daughter saw uh, what she thought was an airplane. But she said it looked weird. So she yelled, What is that? Because I was tracking it from when it was in the middle of our windshield to where it was pretty much directly uh, beside me. And uh, so I looked at it, and sure enough, I could see it, and it was about 3,000 feet above us, um, and it was uh, about the size of an airplane, easily, uh, but it was going really, really fast, and I was shocked. I just didn't know what to do. I, there was no one else on the road. It was, it was unbelievable. I had never seen anything like it. Uh, it was completely white. It looked exactly like a, what you would think a double-sided egg would look like, you know, if it had a, the thin end on both ends instead of, like, a thin and thick. Um, it was at about... It was flying at a 30 degree angle kind of like almost like belly up and it was moving hella fast um and it kind of slowed down uh once we saw it and it had a shimmery look to it almost kind of like it was blurry so it was traveling directly west we went uh i tried to find a spot to pull over i asked my daughter to grab the binoculars that were right beside her she went reached over to grab them and she turned back and she saw it drop a thousand feet straight down and I found a spot to pull over uh, and I went to reach over to grab my cell phone um, but as I was l- grabbing my cell phone I was looking left I, s- I saw it actually do a hard 90 straight north into a cloud and then I grabbed my cell phone I was going to take a video now that we were parked and we looked at it and we couldn't find it anymore and uh, my wife for whatever reason her she just could not look up she said she just had this compulsion to look straight down same with my other daughter she just they both just could not look at it for some reason like sarah said it was a plane and uh she couldn't look up she couldn't even look at it for some reason and now every time we talk about it she's quite uneasy um and then hannah yeah for same same reason uh she just literally couldn't look up for some reason so it was, it was kind of weird. So Ava and I were the only ones that got to see that particular egg. Uh, so then that was neat. We were just shocked. C- couldn't believe we had seen that. Uh, so then we continued on to the campsite and we got to the campsite and we told uh, my parents who were camping with us and asked. Uh, we started asking my mom about her experience, which was back in uh, when she was nine or ten. And eight? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she had a close encounter with the third kind, and she said how the way we were reacting was exactly how, how she reacted when she was a, a young child. And then uh, Ava and I decided to draw uh, a picture separately of what we saw, and we drew the same thing, like a double-sided egg, almost like a tic-tac, but fat in the middle. And uh, we even drew, I drew like little squigglies around it, and so did she. So yeah, that was our, that's our story. And then as far as, like, feelings, uh, I've had this obsessive, like, compulsion now to constantly look in the sky. I've had another experience since then, and Ava's had... How many have you had now? I've had five. Five experiences? Yeah. 
since then. Uh, my recent one was when we were, I went out hunting um, up by White Court in November, uh, third week of November, and we were sleeping in a tent. It was minus 20, and we heard... I Everybody was asleep. It was about 2 or 3 in the morning. I woke up, and I f- heard this... What's, what sounded to me like a swooshing sound, I thought it was a plane, but it was like a, a swoosh instead, like er, the air was swooshing, and it came over top of the the tent, I could hear it just stop above us, and then I fell asleep, and then uh, when we w- woke up, I remembered it, but that's all I remembered, and I asked everybody, normally everyone gets up to go pee in the middle of the night at uh, out uh, hunting, because everyone's had a, a few drinks, and no one actually woke up that night. Everyone said they slept the greatest they've slept in a couple of years. And it's been really weird. It felt like like uh, these two experiences have made me feel like it. it's almost like watching. But uh, I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know how you feel. I feel fine. It's, it's weird because my dad's like was scared and I was didn't feel anything. Like, I felt normal when they showed when they were here. Hi, Ryan. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to tell my story. My UFO sighting happened, I think it was like 1997. I was a social worker working in a camp that was for kids. It was basically, I mean, it was basically like a detention center. Um, but it was out in the middle of the desert. Um, it was in Alfreda, Arizona, which is very close to the border of Mexico and really just out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so the kids lived at the camp and the staff lived at the camp. And the way it was set up, there was an area where the kids stayed. And then there was like the dorms or whatever where the staff lived and there was a little path that went from uh, the the staff housing to the area where the kids lived and that path was not lit it was pretty dark Um, like I said it was the desert but there was a little path that went between the two places so uh, I was walking with another staff member along this path and I'm just telling you it it's really dark um you can see every star in the sky um it's just I don't know I've never I've it's never I've never lived in a place where the sky was really that clear because it's the desert there's no clouds um and I live in Washington now so there's always clouds (laughs) but uh but it's out in the middle of nowhere and The sky is just really clear. You can see all the stars. So I'm walking along with this other staff member, and we're talking. I have no idea what we were talking about. And then, for whatever reason, um, we stopped, and we looked up. And I don't know why we did that, but we did. (laughs) And there were three lights in the sky, and they were very, very far away. So, you know, we could tell immediately that it it wasn't planes, Um, or a plane at the time I thought it was one, I thought it was one aircraft. Um, and that's where these lights were coming from. But then they, the, the three lights moved away from each other. And so 
that was very strange. It was like, wait a minute. And we were both looking at us. We were like, what, what is that? Because they, they moved away from each other. So unless it was like an aircraft that was like stretching, I don't know. I don't know of any aircraft that does that. Um, it just didn't make any sense. So then we knew at that point that we were looking at three separate aircrafts or whatever we were seeing in the sky. So at this point, we're just kind of standing there and we're not really saying anything. And or at least I don't remember that we were saying anything. And then all of a sudden, um, the lights go back into a triangular formation and they just take off across the sky. And we're like, okay. And I, I don't remember what we said. I don't think we said like, I, I just don't, we didn't say anything of, of significance. I remember the feeling that I had that was like, oh my goodness, like what, what did I just see? It was like, it was like confusion basically. And uh, we just started walking and back to, we were walking, actually we, we started making our way towards the camp, which where the kids were, which is where we were going in the first place. So as we came up to the clearing where the kids were, um, a few of the kids came running up and I remember one of them came and these are like teenagers. Um, and they're like teenagers from the inner city, kids that are there because they had committed serious crimes. Some of them, some of them very serious. And one of the kids came up and he was like, Miss D, uh, did you see that UFO? And I'm like, yes. And the other kids are like, did you see it? Did you see that UFO across the sky? And I'm like, yes. And there, there was just like a feeling of a little bit of excitement in the camp. But to be very honest, um, it wasn't like what you would think where people would just be like, I don't even know, like freaking out about it. Uh, they really weren't. It, it was it was like this really subdued feeling of just like, wow, like what did we just see? And also, you know, no matter I, I think what it is, is that, you know, no matter what we saw, we were still in the situation where these kids were um, incarcerated and we were working with them and it was a very difficult situation. And so there was this feeling of like, well, we just saw a UFO in the sky, but it doesn't it doesn't really change our situation. And so it's interesting because, you know, one of the questions that you ask is like, how did you feel about it? And I have to be honest and say, like, I, I, I really have wanted to and been curious. I, I have wanted my whole life to see a UFO. And I've always been curious about them. But in this moment when we had actually seen one, I, I, I don't know how to describe how I felt about it because it was almost like, okay, yeah, like, okay, yeah, there was like a UFO in the sky. And of course there was. And, and, and that was kind of the feeling. It wasn't anything like this big amazement where we're, we're all just like freaking out all night over it. It was like, 
it was like it was always supposed to be there and we were supposed to see it. And now we just have to get back to this difficult life that we were living at that time. Um, looking back at it now uh, and just thinking about the situation I was in, because I will just say that this camp that I was working at was absolutely a horrible place. And um, there was a lot of abuse there. There was racism there. Um, it was a terrible, terrible situation. And I believe that they are not there anymore, um, which is a good thing. Um, but it was such a bad situation that there was always this feeling that the staff or the people, not the staff, not the regular staff, but the people that were running the place were constantly trying to dehumanize the kids. I mean, basically so that they could justify how they were being treated there. And my job was to advocate for them, which was a very, very difficult job. So now looking back at it, it just really makes me feel their humanity um, even more than I did before because we were all in the situation like we were all we were all in this terrible situation where there were there were these very clear roles there were like the kids who you know we were supposed to control and you know their humanity was always being taken away and then there was the staff and they had like this real dominant position over the kids, but ultimately we were all human beings. And just looking back at it, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of our humanity. That, you know, even though we were in this, this little universe together where things were really awful and the roles were really, uh, really unjust, we were still just little tiny humans on the earth looking up in the sky and seeing something that we didn't understand. So that's how that's how I feel about it now, looking back. Um, thank you, Ryan, for giving me a chance to tell my story. And I love your podcast. It makes me feel like I'm less alone in this world. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me to share my story. My name is Ashley. I'm 34 years old and I currently live in Ontario, Canada. When this event took place in 1997, I was 11 years old and I lived with my family in Hamilton. Uh, one night I went to the corner store and as I stood at the crosswalk waiting for the light to change, I looked up at the sky. I noticed that the sky was totally black and that there weren't any stars. When I looked all the way up, that's when I saw these lights that immediately registered as being unnatural. There were about five or six of them. They were stationary, a little bit bigger than stars, off in color like a soft orange, and they formed a very large half circle. My best guess would be that I would be able to place my adult hand between each of these lights. Um, I had no idea what it was. All I knew was that the longer I looked at it, the more terrified I felt. So I ran across the street into the store and wandered around until I felt comfortable enough to leave. I couldn't have been more than five minutes. 
when I left and crossed the street, I made a point of stopping where I saw the lights and looking up, but the lights were gone. <clears throat> My mom doesn't ever recall talking to me about it, and I guess I just forgot about it for a while. I'd always been into ghosts and the paranormal when I was a kid, and any idea I had on UFOs at the time was based off of the odd story in a book that I could take out from the school library or watching the X-Files with my parents. That's until the internet came along, and then I had even more access to information to expand my interests. So one day in 2000-2001, I was bored and started searching for UFO photos. And I found this website about the famous Phoenix Light sighting that took place in 1997. And when I got to the photos, I just remember getting chills. Because those photographs showed the exact same thing that I saw a few years prior. And I remember just sitting there thinking about it like, what are the odds that at 11 years old with no knowledge that the event in Phoenix took place, would I experience the same thing a couple of months later? I have no doubts in my mind that I witnessed a UFO that night. I wouldn't know how else to explain it. Hello, Ryan. Ron Zlotnick here, a loyal Patreon member and longtime follower of your work, and I'm always inspired by the standout investigative work that you do as a strong voice in our community for the rest of us who have not had the opportunity to become a prominent figure in the UFO UAP community. So thank you very much for the role that you play on all of our behalfs. So I appreciate this honor and privilege to lend my voice for once to tell of my encounters and share with you and the rest of our clan. As an introduction, I'm originally from a little town called Windsor, Ontario, Canada, which is basically like a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, USA. I grew up in this town until I moved to Michigan in my 40s. Now, nothing really big comes out of Windsor, and thus for making it a little difficult to find a lot of UFO reports from there. However, as you well know, UFOs don't really know political boundaries, nor do they care about political boundaries. My first encounter was when I was extremely young, so this first account is less detailed than my second account will be. However, it was no less real to me, and I do have some memories of it. So Windsor, being that small town I mentioned, uh, is overshadowed by Detroit's international airport, so we have a lot less air traffic on our local city's own airport. That being said, one evening when the sun was nearly down, I must have been roughly, I don't know, five or six years old, yeah, a long time ago, <laughs> and I recall a bit of unrest around the neighborhood when a lot of people were on the street looking towards our local airport. You could kind of see the runway in that from there. Uh, and I recall that there was an elongated oval, yellowish metallic object that seemed to be kind of hovering over the runway, around, you know, higher than the air traffic controller tower, but not too much higher. Um, probably about the size of a, a couple of 747 jets end-to-end. -end. So it was definitely something that uh, shouldn't be there. It doesn't belong there. Uh, at this point in my life, you know, there was no internet or MUFON or any easy way to report it. And a lot of the neighbors were pointing and talking about it uh, with some fear and worry. Um, and of course, there was no uh, quick snap smartphones able to take pictures. 
So we were at a loss for any way of really recording this very well. But, uh, you know, it was just about people calling like local news or someone at the airport trying to get information. Uh, they said, all they said was, uh, we're looking into it. But you could see this thing was hovering in a way it was kind of preventing planes from like landing or taking off and that. Um, my parents were, were there as well. So my father had, you know, ushered me into the house before I could really see too much other than what I had saw. And it seemed to have been hovering there for like several minutes, probably 10 or 20 minutes. Um, I never really found out the outcome of that because, like I said, my parents kind of ushered me into the house and then they went back in. Uh, we haven't really discussed it ever since then, um, but my parents have always been open believers and have always been into like sci-fi and that because I think uh, that definitely sparked something in them as well. But like I said, we don't really talk about it. My second incident is a lot more clear and personal to me, and I fully recount it. Also, I gotta say that after listening to uh, years of your podcast and various witness encounters and documented stories and videos, you know, there's handfuls of common types of themes of accounts, but I haven't come across one with the same matched unique trait, and I've always searched to see if somebody had seen something similar. So, yeah, I find this one particularly interesting because of that. So when I was about 13 years old, we were living in a different house from my earlier account. Behind my house was a really large field, and it was underdeveloped, even though we were in the city. On the other side of the field, kind of kitty corner, was a 7-Eleven store. And in that day and age, it wasn't uncommon for parents to send their kids to buy them cigarettes. Yeah, I feel old, I know. So my father would regularly send him, send me on runs to grab him cigarettes, and since, you know, obviously I uh, always had my head in the clouds in the night sky there, I would always be gazing, looking for something somewhere in the skies as uh, I would go along this long walk through the field. And it always felt like a split second with my mind racing. So on this one particular night, when I was more than halfway across the field um, on one of my cigarette missions, I'm looking at a wide field of stars and uh, I notice a seemingly plain star that had not moved previously. And then suddenly it started moving and drifting across the sky in a slow, rhythmic fashion, sort of how you would see like a, a modern day satellite in orbit. That's kind of how it looked. So after a few seconds of that constant motion, it sped up a bit. And then after it seemed to traverse about a quarter of the sky, and then it would stop suddenly again. It was now hovering motionless in place, and I completely stopped walking as my gaze was frozen on this little star dot. I noticed uh, there was no noticeable sounds or anything like that, you know, a kind of common theme. Um, I didn't feel anything strange. It was just, it just seemed like a star that wasn't moving, then it was moving, and then it wasn't moving again, which is very peculiar. So then staring at it after about oh, 10, 15 seconds of nothing happening, I'm still locked in on it, but then I saw the strangest thing. I saw what appeared to be a beam of faint white light slowly kind of growing out of the star, um, looking, well, the star looking dot, and that light kind of reminded me of how like a, a lightsaber <laughs> turns on, so it just kind of grew, you know, coming out of that dot, and when it was about, I'll say, an inch long from my perspective on the ground uh, against the length of the sky, the entire beam then started to spin around the central dot. And as it spun, the colors oscillated through all the various colors of the rainbow. 
but like in no particular order of color. It seemed to be just kind of random as it spun around and around and around. So it, it spun around this dot about oh, a dozen-ish times or so, and then it abruptly stopped again, and then slowly retracted back into the center of the dot like somebody turned off the lightsaber. So at this point, I'm just completely in shock and awe and frozen in place. Uh, you know, about five, ten more seconds pass with nothing happening, and that same familiar ending to most sightings happened. And that dot just shot off across the sky at like warp 20, and it was gone. That was the end of it. I was completely frozen in place for like a couple of minutes after that, just scanning the sky and feeling a little bit shaken with a mix of uh, feelings of both fear and amazement. And then I finally came to my senses. Once my head came back to ground level and with the cigarette money in my hand still, I just turned around and beelined it back home, came crashing through the door and threw the money at my father as I ran past him screaming, get your own damn cigarettes. Ran into my room and slammed the door. My father was obviously pretty taken by surprise by that, you know, a little uh, WTF moment that was definitely not my normal behavior, especially for a 13 year old. So you can imagine he wanted to know what the hell was going on. And I told him. He kind of listened and, and didn't make too much out of it, but I know in his heart he, he knows it was something. Looking back, um, you know, it's it, it seems funny now, but at the time I was pretty shaken by it and it definitely solidified my curiosity and interest for a very long time um, until I find those answers but needless to say I didn't go get cigarettes for him for a long time after that night based on my life's experiences and the curiosities that were sparked inside me by everything I've seen and experienced and read up on um, my feelings are, are, are pretty solid in the matter um, very similar to your own from listening to your account and, and knowing your own views, Ryan, from many podcasts that you've shared, you know, as, as we all well know, there are, you know, billions and billions of stars out there and, and it's mathematically impossible that we're the only ones, you know, I want to keep religion out of this, but you know, if, if religion suggests that, you know, the God created the universe, the heavens and the earth and that it should be all there to kind of service us. But I got to admit, I'm I'm not a strong believer in that philosophy. I'm very much into astrophysics and understanding the uh, metaphysical nature of the universe and the cosmos. And whether or not I feel that we're being visited by aliens in spacecrafts versus our UFOs or UAPs, as they're called now, simply um, higher technology from foreign adversaries, which I genuinely believe is not the case, um, that any current Earth-based adversary would have that kind of level of technology far ahead of us. But, you know, this is overlapping that uh, all the things that have happened in the last month or so about the UAP task force report, which we won't go, go into. Um, could it be, you know, interdimensional? Could it be time travelers, you know, us visiting ourselves uh, from the future, looking back? Anything is possible. I'm not going to sit there and put that hat on and say, yep, UFOs are aliens, but I'm certainly not going to discount it either. Is there a current Earth-based technology um, concept that's proven that shows faster-than-light travel, which would be required to traverse the distances even to our closest neighbor star at like four light years away? Um, 
not currently. There's certainly philosophical uh, concepts, astrophysical ideas and constructs. But I do believe that considering the universe is created and expanded out, that there could definitely be civilizations that were developed, you know, millennia ahead of us um, that may have had a heck of a lot longer to develop technology that could possibly have allowed them to unlock a way to um, travel this far. But on the other hand, if not, then it's also feasibly impossible to suggest that people from another world could have reached us uh, in their lifetimes unless it was, you know, drone automated uh, probes like we've got the Voyager probe sent out, you know, a millennia ago by the time it reached us uh, with a civilization that's long gone. Regardless, those are my feelings on the topic and that's where I stand on everything. Thanks for giving me this opportunity and uh, thank you very much, Ryan. Keep fighting the good fight on our, all of our behalfs. Hey, Ryan, I appreciate the opportunity to um, kind of tell what I saw, man. Um, in 2018 BC, before COVID, I was um, out with my family on Halloween night. And we've got a, you know, fairly good sized neighborhood. There's a lot of families, a lot of kids. There's probably a hundred people walking around, you know, in the neighborhood. And as we're approaching one of the houses, my son's running to the front door to go get some candy and all that good stuff. And I noticed, you know, two gentlemen standing off to the side and they're looking up in the sky, kind of looking around a tree, looking over the roof of the house. Like they're just looking at something. And I can hear one of them say, you know, oh, it's, you know, look at that and da 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 da. So super curious, want to know what's happening. I walk up, you know, what, what are y'all seeing? The guy says, man, you know, there, I think there's a UFO in the sky. And I'm like, where? Immediately. And he kind of points to the western sky and he says, you know, if you can look straight ahead, you see that bright, bright star. And I look up, I see the star. He goes, look to the left of it. So I look to the left of the star and there's a white glowing object in the sky um, hovering. And then like right after that it just starts to move through the sky from this west to north and it didn't make a sound it solid white um, kind of stopped and then started back up moving from like a dead stop to, to start um, we watched it for a minute maybe a full minute um it was like it was unlike anything I've ever seen. I, we live in a military town in Florida. We see planes, we see helicopters. Um, you know, I've seen the Starlink satellites. I've seen the ISS. It wasn't any of these things. Um, the most amazing part of it is when it was all over, and as it was sinking in, I realized that I didn't reach for my phone. I. I I couldn't even think that fast enough. And so I get that now. I get why we don't see these pictures of things. Because as soon as you see it, you're, you're so focused on trying to figure out what it is, process it, you don't even think about capturing it. And so that was the biggest takeaway, I think, for me. As amazing as it was to see the object and, and, and 
as cool as it was to see it, the thing that stuck with me is the fact that I, I didn't, I couldn't get it documented because my brain just did not work that way. Um, so I get that now. And I, that really helped me because, you know, now when I hear things and I hear criticism and I hear skeptics and, you know, the question is, well, why don't we see pictures and videos? Well, that's why folks, it, it's just not, it doesn't work like that. You know, it just does not work like that. Um, that's it, man. It, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I, I truly hope I get to see another one. And, uh, that's it, man. I appreciate the time. And, uh, thanks for everything you do. Hi, my name's Randy. I'm 45 years old. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, but the event I'm going to tell you about took place almost 26 years ago when I still lived in my hometown of Palm Springs, California. I first recounted this event to Ryan back in 2018, uh, but I figured it was finally time to get it on the record. So for some setup here, it was Halloween night 1995. It was technically the early morning of November 1st. I'd driven to LA for a concert on Halloween with three of my friends, and we were headed home. It was close to 3 a.m., and we were about 20 miles outside of Palm Springs, heading east on Interstate 10. We were in Cabazon. That's the location of the world-famous life-size dinosaurs that you'll see now and again on uh, movies and on TV. That was the point when I first noticed the light in the sky ahead of us. We were still miles away from it, but you could see this light. It was directly ahead of us. It was a bit below the top of the windshield, so it was in my line of sight. So it first caught my attention about this light was the brightness. It was directly ahead of us. It looked like stadium lights or a large airliner coming into land. And now there's no stadium in that part of the desert outside of Palm Springs. There wasn't at that time and there isn't now. There were no large light poles with lights on top of them this tall. There was also no major airport. Palm Springs Airport, that was to the southeast of where this was. There was a small municipal landing strip that was due west of this location, but an airplane of this size, at least from what I could tell, would not be able to land at this airfield. So basically, there was this large light in the sky. It wasn't just the brightness of this light, it was the quality of the light and the fact that it was changing that really held my interest. Now, when I say the quality of the light, it was very bright, but it was also cold looking. It was this cold bluish white And in addition to this, it was cycling between what I say are low beams and high beams. So basically dimming and intensifying at a consistent pace. Dim, bright, dim, bright. It would stay dim for maybe a five count, get bright for maybe another five seconds, and so on. When the light was at its brightest, it almost looked like three horizontal diamonds in the sky. They bled out horizontally, almost like lens flare in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. I didn't wear glasses at the time, but I could still see this very intensely bright light. The other thing that kept my attention was the fact that this light didn't seem to be moving towards us, or away from us, or moving at all, in fact. We were moving towards it, so we were getting closer, but it was just staying in the same place. So... After taking this in for 30 seconds or a minute or so, I pointed it out to my best friend, Paul, uh, who was in the passenger seat and was awake. My other two friends were in the backseat, passed out. Again, it was 3 a.m., and we'd just been uh, to a concert that night. So talking with Paul, he and I thought for a moment that this could be 
maybe the light on the summit station of the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway, uh, which is at the top of Mount San Jacinto. But that's not actually visible from the eastern side of the mountain range, which is where we were. So we kept our eye on this thing. We weren't really talking about it that much, just sort of, let's keep an eye on this thing. We kept driving as normal. We were maybe driving a little bit under the speed limit because we were just focusing on this strange, motionless light in the sky ahead of us that we were, you know, fairly quickly approaching. So as we got closer and closer, maybe just a couple of minutes away from the light, which was getting larger because it was staying in the same place, but we were getting closer to it, we slowed even more because we needed to take the turn off for Highway 111 that takes you into Palm Springs. So at this point, we were about 10 miles down the highway, 10 miles east on the highway from where we first spotted the light and rapidly approaching it. At this point, myself, uh, my friend Paul, we were were both experiencing and communicating to each other this legitimate sense of disbelief. And I would say awe and shock. But I'd have to say, you know, I didn't feel any fear. I wasn't anxious. I was just completely wrapped in attention towards this object, whatever it was, because it was so unusual to see something this bright with this quality of light and just sitting there in the sky. If anything, I was beside myself at this point, just trying to kind of process what I was seeing. So we were looking at something that was emitting this strange otherworldly light. And not only that, but it was stuck just a couple hundred feet in the air above a rest stop on the side of the freeway. It's actually called the Whitewater Rest Stop. There's one on each side of the freeway. It was on the southern side of the freeway. And so when I say stuck, I mean, it's like whatever this was, was sitting on a shelf in the sky or on a pole. So like I said, it could kind of be described as looking like an intensely bright stadium light from like a NFL stadium. It wasn't moving an inch, and that was something you could tell from the direction of the lights as they dimmed and brightened. They were they tent, they looked like they were facing in the same direction the entire time. Now, at this point, I should say that we weren't alone on the freeway. I recall that we were moving slower than the rest of the traffic because we were actually looking at this thing. There were a handful of other cars on the road. It was 3 a.m. again on, on Halloween night, but there definitely was, was other traffic. It didn't really seem that anyone else was slowing down or noticing this light, but someone must have seen what we saw. But if they did, they they weren't reacting to it. So as we approach the turnoff to Highway 111, there's a ramp that leads up and over a flood basin before heading southeast and then east out to Palm Springs. So because of this ramp, we were able to climb about 20 feet up towards the object and got an unobstructed view of it there sitting in the sky. And so it was hovering, sitting, whatever you want to say, in the sky above this rest stop location. Again, about a couple hundred feet up in the air looking, you know, kind of straight up and at an angle towards it. I'd practically taken my foot off the gas at this point. We were just coasting at the top of this off-ramp, looking to the left at this object. So it was at this point that the object began to move towards us. It moved at an angle down towards the southwest towards us. It moved over the highway, over our car. We'd rolled down our windows. There was absolutely no sound outside, except maybe a little bit of wind. I craned my head out the driver's side window and looked up at the object. My friend Paul was doing the same on the passenger side. What I saw a couple hundred feet above us now were three pale lights of the same cold quality that I'd seen from a distance, but they were arranged in an equilateral triangle, and they were silently drifting across the highway above our car that was coasting. So I could tell that these lights were at the points of an actual object, a physical object, because I could make out the object's triangular shape against the starlit sky. And so it was a crystal clear night. The skies of the desert are filled with stars, and there was some moonlight. 
I was mostly able to make out the shape because the object was covering the stars as it crept over us, but also because its surface was so much darker than the night sky around it. I can only describe the quality of the surface by comparing it to something like Vanta Black, which is the darkest black that we've been able to create. It essentially reflected no visible light to the point that the lights on the object weren't revealing any details of its surface. If you've seen an airplane flying at night with its landing lights on, you know what it looks like when the light reflects off the fuselage, reflects off the wings. It very clearly illuminates the aircraft. In this case, it didn't. And so there were no visible seams or bolts or markings, things that you should have been able to see at such a close distance. This thing was just a void in the sky, perhaps guessing here 50 to 80 feet on each side with these cold blue lights at each corner. So the object passed over us to the southwest. My friend Paul lost sight of it. He told me it looked like it blinked out. It was just gone. It was around this point that our two friends in the backseat were finally waking up due to all the shouting and, and sound that my friend Paul and I were making. So they hadn't actually seen anything. I kept driving, and I dropped my friends off, then headed home. Along the way, Paul and I recounted in detail what had just taken place to our friends who'd been sleeping. They were basically both incredulous about everything. They thought maybe it was a plane or a helicopter, despite the fact that it was so early in the morning, the low altitude, the location, it just didn't make sense to us. So when I finally got home around 4 a.m., I woke up my parents to tell them what I'd seen, and they seemed somewhat interested, but not that concerned. I chalked up their lack of excitement to the fact that their son had just woken them up at 4 a.m. to tell them he'd seen a UFO. But my dad was into the subject. We used to watch the X-Files together. My mom had seen some strange things from many a night spent sitting on a patio out in the desert. So I went to bed still thinking about what we'd seen. I remember my overriding thought at the time was that if we'd seen a quote-unquote real UFO, that what else could be real? What else out there that we'd been told didn't exist or couldn't exist could actually exist. And that's a thought that's been with me ever since. I've been interested in UFOs since a really young age. I've always loved science fiction, always fascinated by tales of UFOs from shows like In Search Of. One of the defining moments of my childhood was the release of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which absolutely captivated me. But to say that this event has stuck with me would be a massive understatement. I think about it practically every day, and it's driven me to study the subject, although I wouldn't say that it's to a level of a dedicated researcher yet. Nevertheless, I'd classify this as a true life-changing event. My friend Paul and I discuss it regularly, and we've traded theories over the years. Neither of us is convinced that it was truly otherworldly, but we do believe that it wasn't technology that existed in the civilian world in 1995 or at any point since. There was zero movement when it sat in the sky for 15 to 20 minutes as we observed it before passing under it or it passing over us. It didn't make any sound. It didn't have any downwash like a helicopter. If it had been some sort of lighter-than-aircraft or some sort of military dirigible like we've seen in subsequent years, it surely would have drifted some. But it was just completely fixed in the sky. We've also talked about the fact that if this were some true anti-gravitic technology, that you'd probably need to draw upon a lot of energy to make it work. So nuclear or maybe something even more exotic that could pose a danger to the nearby city or the motorists below. It's basically civilians. That's just something we're not sure humans are really capable of, given the dangers of fission reactors and events like Chernobyl. So to this day, I remain certain that what we saw was no traditional aircraft that's ever been in the public eye, from its flight characteristics to the quality of its lighting to the surface material I described. I've spent nearly 26 years since that night searching the skies, hoping for another chance to see what I saw again or something like it. 
I reported my sighting to the National UFO Reporting Center a few years after the event, partly to ensure that I didn't forget any details. Unfortunately, I seem to have been the only person who experienced this event and reported it at least. If anyone's had a similar experience, I encourage you to share your story with Ryan and the world. If you'd like to get in touch with me because you've had a similar experience or maybe you were even there that night and saw the same thing that I did, I'd love to hear from you and Ryan has my details. Thanks so much for the opportunity to finally share my story with others, Ryan, and for creating this amazing platform where others can do the same. Keep watching the skies. Okay, this is Ronnie LeBlanc from Expedition Bigfoot and Paranormal Caught on Camera. Uh, some of you may know I've had a lot of uh, UFO experiences since I was a kid, and uh, my wife has as well. <clears throat> and so last night, uh, this is the morning after, last night, June 5th, 9.45-ish, we were uh, in our garage and we were talking and I'll mention something in a moment, but we walked out and we're walking to the house and I looked up above the roof of the house and there I saw, it was unmistakable, uh, two UFOs, unidentified flying objects. One was red, one was green and not like a, a flying saucer, but almost like an orb that was kind of shape shifting and changing but these things were chasing each other in the sky, uh, up and down, almost like dolphins in the water. And I just got this thought of like Thunderbirds or almost a biological creature more than a craft seeing this. So my wife is seeing this. She's trying to get her a phone. And I didn't want to film this at all. I was, I was just experiencing this. Um, <clears throat> they moved across and pass some trees so that we couldn't really see them, but they were low enough and made no sound, uh, low enough that you could see them and know that this was not a drone. <clears throat> this was not a plane. This was st straight up UFOs. So what often happens in my experience is a couple of things. I started feeling euphoric, like uh, just super excited watching this because I knew this was something extraordinary. But also when I have these sightings, typically there seems to be almost like this, uh, you know, I live really close to Lemister State Forest and Monsterland, which my books are based on uh, with all this strange activity. But when we have a UFO sighting like this, typically there's another one or several others that come in after this one in the same trajectory. So I started talking to my wife, like, let's look where this came from. It came from um, east to west, in my estimation. And uh, sure enough, another one came. And this one was like this bluish kind of green. It did the same thing. It wasn't like up and down, like kind of changing direction like this, this last two. But it moved in the same way, silent. <clears throat> it was spinning. And you can hear me at the beginning of the video. That was me talking about that that second UFO coming in, it was spinning and like almost changing shape. Uh, it was, and, and again, it went the same way where it went <clears throat> beyond some trees and I couldn't get it unless I went deep in the backyard. And you can see we have some different um, lights out uh, in the front of the driveway. It creates some light pollution, but you could still see this. So then my wife finally gets her camera up and we're looking in the path, waiting for another one to come. And I, I could feel like it was coming. 
uh, which sounds crazy. But anyways, here it comes and you can see it moving. And this one moved very differently, just like the other ones, but differently than any type of plane or anything. And you could see planes flying by. We could see those. It was very uh, distinctive what a plane was, what a drone is. I know that stuff. So seeing this and it flew right over our heads and the video really doesn't give it any justice. Um, I, I just, it was green. Um, okay. <clears throat> so the crazy thing is a minute or so before these sightings had occurred, as we're sitting in our garage, my wife was touched three times on her leg like a ghost, like she felt like something was in the garage with us. And I just kind of chuckled and laughed and we're sitting close to each other. Uh, I just kind of laughed about it, but this happened three times. And isn't it significant that we saw four UFOs three separate times, one after another. At this same time, we were, you know, blown away. One of the most amazing things, if not the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And that video does not give it friggin' justice. But <clears throat> after this had occurred and we're outside and we're just like blown away, my head's spinning, the energy was off the charts and, and what I was feeling, it was so exciting. I wasn't afraid, it was exciting. Uh, my son, who's 10 years old, was in the house um, and he said he felt a presence behind him. As we were kind of like, talking and stuff. He could hear us from outside as the UFO setting was happening. So I find that extremely significant. And I also find it funny that my wife went grocery shopping and picked up a deck of cards. And, uh, as I was grabbing the, the, uh, the trash, <laughs> uh, one of these, this deck of cards came out and it was called stargazer on it. And it just kind of funny. I always look at signs and synchronicities and this was one of those things. And here we are. We have the UFO report that just came out. Uh, the government saying <clears throat> these are not our technology. That's confirmed. Great step forward. But again, they're not going to say that these things are alien. And I can tell you right now, what I saw uh, was not human. It was not a physical uh, craft in a way. Like if it was, we were seeing portions of it like it just seemed to shape shift and change and seemed to be more biological than, than a physical craft. Uh, and I'm sure it was a craft of some, uh, the way it moved was just inc incredible. There's no way a plane could sustain these movements. Like I said, it looked like, <clears throat> and I describe it in the video, it moves like a bird. It seemed to kind of like float and flutter and kind of change direction and move very, uh, just animalistic. But I did file a uh, MUFON report last night within 20 minutes of this as it was fresh. But there's these other details that I know will get leaved out of the report, but they lead into the UFO sighting, having this paranormal experience. Oh, and by the way, um, I <clears throat> am getting back into meditating and I'm focusing on remote viewing. So earlier in the day, I did have a literally short five minute meditation session trying to bring them in and I've done this before a couple years ago at Cape Cod and had orange orbs come in but I've never had craft like this 
So now I am just um, super intrigued. I did not want to go to sleep, and I'm now I'm like on fire. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's definitely a spiritual, a paranormal. Yeah, there's a spiritual and a paranormal kind of connection to all of this because of what happened prior, the feeling of a presence, um, not only for my wife but my son, <clears throat> as uh, before this happened, and weirdly enough. The third UFO that came through that looked very similar to the fourth one, kind of different coloring, I got the feeling it was the same one, kind of coming in again to, to show us. And my wife had that same feeling. Interesting stuff. But uh, there was a report that someone saw something a couple weeks ago in the same vicinity, and this was right in front of the Big Dipper. And that's where they said they had their sighting as well. So I find that very, very interesting. Thanks, Ryan. Hey Ryan, uh, my name's Jazz, you and I already know each other, for your latest installment of Witness Testimony, I decided to talk about something that happened very recently, um, I went, personally, I've always been interested in the whole UAP topic, I've been writing about it for years, but it's always been sort of hypothetical, a topic of great interest, and that started to change last year. In November of last year, uh, my wife and I had two sightings that were not really very conclusive. Uh, it happened in a period of one week. Um, we saw a couple of things and filmed them and put them up on YouTube. Not really conclusive. One of them was sort of a orb of different changing colors. Happened over a ridge to the uh, east of our house. Uh, the second one my wife filmed that was more interesting, it looked kind of like a really big triangle uh, in the dark with some weird lights on it. But again, nothing too conclusive. That really changed this year. I had two sightings personally that really shook up my entire view of the whole subject. Uh, in June of 2021, um, third week of June, I was out on the back deck of my house, middle of the day, beautiful day, blue sky, a few fluffy clouds, and I was watching two planes from a local airport going overhead, which happens every day because we're not too far from a regional airport, uh, going east-west. But underneath them, well below them, uh, and below cloud level, I suddenly saw something else. It was a white oblong shape that everybody who follows the subject already knows. I, I immediately, well, within a couple of seconds, I thought, holy cow, that's a tic-tac. Because it had no wings, nothing else. It was just silently gliding along. And... I immediately reached for my pocket to grab my phone to get a video, thereupon realizing that my phone, which had been at like 15% or something, was in my den recharging. I went crashing through the house, screaming for my wife to grab her phone and run out front to catch it on the other side as it went by. And she did, later telling me she was worried that I was, she was afraid the house was on fire or something. Um, we got out front 
And she said that she momentarily saw, might have seen something white in the sky, but didn't catch anything else. I got 19 minutes of beautiful footage of a blue sky with nothing in it. It had disappeared. But before I crashed through the house, I mean, it was there. It was very clear. It was obviously just this capsule-shaped thing that was going across the sky that disappeared. That had a big impact on us because it sort of sent me on this negative spiral of being out there all the time, watching and wanting her to be out there when she was home, you know, and nothing else happened until the past week. And at the time of this recording, we're talking about um, the beginning of August of 2021. And I was once again out on my back deck and the exact same thing showed up in the sky. There were no planes at the time, but it was, again, this oblong shape that was traveling from west to east uh, a little ways to the north of my house, you know, pretty much right above us. And this time I had my phone and I pulled it out and I got, it, it took a, probably five, six seconds to register and then get the phone out and start recording. But I did manage to get three to four seconds recorded that a videographer took for me and got the source code from my phone. And it was, once again, it was this object that looked like a Tic Tac. And it had been moving, but by the time I got the phone out and the videographer confirmed this, it had just stopped. And it was just hanging there in the sky. And I managed to film it for, like I said, three to four seconds. And while I still had the phone pointed at it and recording it, it disappeared. It didn't fly away. It looked, to me, it doesn't really show up on what there is in the video. But visually, it looked like it had started to elongate a bit, like it became a bit longer. I, I don't know. That's just my memory. And then it just in less than a second it just faded out it vanished so that was twice I saw these objects sailing across the sky that have no explanation for me and prior to this I was always interested as I said in the topic and it's like people see all these wild things and it's really crazy and it's fun to talk about and but it was a significant moment. It has really changed things in our house and in our life because it goes from a hypothetical discussion to the point where now it's like, what was that? Nothing should be able to do that. It, it, it seemed impossible. And it, it really has changed my outlook on this. So since you like doing these shows and people sharing their experiences this was a in a significant way I will say a somewhat life changing experience because I'm no longer looking at it as well what are these people talking about and it's like oh I get it I say okay and now it's real doesn't mean I know what the answers are I, <laughs> I don't know what it was where it came from but that was something that definitely shouldn't have been there it shouldn't have been doing what it was doing. And it's really opened my eyes 
in a number of ways. Thanks for doing what you do, man. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for allowing us to share our stories with you. I've personally experienced two separate sightings of the same red orb in my childhood, once when I was very young and once again as a teenager. Both instances occurred on the same property in rural Minnesota. My first experience was when I was about five or six years old. It was maybe nine or ten o'clock at night, and my mother and baby sister were sleeping in my parents' room, but I was still awake to wait up for my father to come home from work. It was either late spring or summer, and I was watching out the window for my father's vehicle to come up the county road that leads to our driveway. The lights were off because I didn't want to wake up my mother, so I was standing in a completely dark room looking out over a completely dark landscape. I remember not being afraid, but immediately curious about this large red orb that appeared to ascend out of a distant field. This window faces roughly northeast, and the area is so rural that there are no city lights whatsoever, just farmers' fields and woods. We have the most beautiful clear skies in rural Minnesota, and an immensely gorgeous view of the Milky Way at the right night, at the right time of year. I usually stayed up as late as I could for my father to come home, so this wasn't a strange thing to wait by the window where I could see the road. But I had never witnessed a red orb before. It didn't have a definitive shape besides vaguely round, but it definitely didn't come up over the horizon. This red light really did seem large and bright and ascending out of a farmer's field at minimum a few miles away. It moved relatively quickly too and steady as it went up into the sky. It may have only taken a minute or two to completely disappear at the steady pace it was traveling. Again, I wasn't afraid, but I do recall how vivid the experience was watching this large red light while standing at the window. One specific thing about this encounter that I remember telling to my father when he arrived home a short time later was that I thought it could have been an air balloon, because it seemed to glow with you know from within. It didn't vary course, it didn't change speeds or colors rapidly, didn't change speed or colors at all. It just seemed to drift up, completely straight into the sky, until it disappeared entirely. I waited for that orb for a very long time after that, but I didn't see it again until I was a teenager in the early 2000s. My sister and I didn't want to keep sharing a bedroom, but my room downstairs in the basement wasn't finished yet, so I slept on the couch the majority of one summer. And I really liked it, actually, because I could look out of a large picture window facing east while I was resting on the couch. Again, no city lights, just farmer's fields and strips of woods, with one county road to which our driveway was attached. No light, absolutely no light whatsoever, besides starlight. This particular night, I was almost asleep. Still looking out the window, though, when I saw a large red orb again begin to ascend out of a tree line just a few miles away from the house. This time, I was really spooked. Over the years, since I saw that first red orb, my father and I would talk about it sometimes and wonder what that could have been. The rest of the house was asleep, but I bolted off the couch and went to wake up my father, who wasn't thrilled about being woken up. But I knew I sounded panicked enough that he did come into the living room to take a look out the window. I remember being worried that he wouldn't come fast enough to see the light before it disappeared. In the time it took between when I first saw it coming out of the tree line to when I got back to the window, after waking up my father, it had ascended quite high already. We watched together for the minute or so that it continued to ascend before it completely disappeared. We watched it in silence, and it was a really special moment in a way to see this with my father. The sighting became kind of a family joke, though, in a good way, because his reaction after the orb finally disappeared in our moment of shared silence was, I don't know what that was. 
go to sleep. So we all laugh about it to this day that here I had this kind of shocking encounter with the red orb again years after my first sighting. And my father's reaction was, go to sleep. After an, I don't know what that was. My father knows pretty much everything about the property I grew up on because he grew up on the same land. He knows the woods and the fields better than anyone else in this area. And he could probably find his way home in the dark from miles away. He's seen it all. And here was a thing he didn't know how to explain. It didn't bother him the way it bothered me, though. He went back to bed, and I went back to the couch, and I know I did not sleep the rest of the night. And to the day I moved out and moved away, I watched for that red orb. I still check up on the reports from that region once in a while, and red orbs and black triangles are apparently pretty common sightings out there. The second encounter felt very different from my first, even though the red orb was practically identical in both situations. I think I saw the red orb with a true sense of childlike wonder the first time, that here was this strange thing that had never happened before and didn't happen again till years later. The second sighting of the red orb was frightening. I was legitimately afraid of it, because I think I had spent years wondering if it would come back, and then there it was, unexpectedly. Because of living in the country and loving stargazing, I had read plenty of books in the library about stars and planets and knew how certain things moved in the sky. If you watch the sky every night, you know how fast or slow normal things are and what to expect throughout the seasons. This was definitely unlike any star or planet I was used to watching, and I looked out at that sky nearly every night of my childhood. I don't think it helped that I had been rereading and rereading and rereading the same book about UFOs as a kid, years after my first sighting, but well before my second, and my father had asked me, what if they're not here to do good things, these things and the UFOs? People don't always have good experiences with them. And I think that shifted my perspective that then influenced my reaction when I did finally see that red orb again as a teenager. My grandfather, well before I was born, allegedly saw a strange object emerge from a field relatively close by. He was looking out over the woods after coming back from the fields in the early evening and saw something he couldn't explain. Once my father pointed out the part of the property my grandfather thought this thing emerged from, I couldn't walk by it or drive by it without thinking about it. My father himself has shared some strange sightings he's had in his life on this property. He said he didn't tell me when I was a child because he didn't want to scare me. They're not my stories to tell, but at least I'm assured I'm not the only member of my family to see things we couldn't explain. Thank you for the opportunity to share my stories, and thank you for the wonderful podcast we all enjoy. My name is Abe Alley. I've told this story a few times in my life, and there, this is the, the craziest thing that's ever happened to me, so I want to share it with everybody and everything else in between. So back in 1992, I was going to be 10 years old in December. So I was 9 years old at the time, and it was a crisp fall evening. I'm not sure if it was like an August or a September night, but my dad used to like taking me and my brother for joy rides in the evening. And when I say the evening, I'm talking about 9.30, 10.30 p.m. And he always liked to, you know, just talk to us and, you know, because it was just me and my brother and. Uh, you know, I guess that was a good way of kind of spending time with dad. But this one evening, my brother was sitting in the front seat with my dad, and I was sitting in the back seat of the car. And we took a ride down to Cape Split. Um, 
I'm from the great state of Maine, and Cape Split is right on the coast, Atlantic Ocean of Maine. And this is where we were. I grew up in a lobster fishing community. So we were taking a ride, and we were parked right on the shoreline. There was a turnout in Cape Split. So we were sitting there in the car, and I remember the radio turning static. And my father was looking out over the ocean, and there were three islands, wide open ocean, bright night, no clouds. And my dad was telling us to look over to the left because there were these two bright lights coming up over the center island. There were three islands. These two bright lights were coming up over the islands, and the islands were about a mile away from us. And I still have the image in my head. My father had the window rolled down all the way. There was no sound. Just obviously the waves crashing onto the rocks and on the sand beach. A typical Atlantic Ocean sound. And I remember my brother starting to go crazy in the front seat because... I don't know if he was scared. I don't know what was going on. But he started, like, kicking and screaming and punching the window and all kinds of stuff. My dad was telling him, calm down, calm down, you know, calm down. Relax, 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 calm down, BJ, BJ. That's his name. That's my brother's name, BJ, Bernard Jr. And the radio was static. It wasn't static before this. But when I looked and saw these two bright lights hovering over this island, the radio went static. So I was intrigued. Nine years old. What, what was I looking at? What were we seeing? Like I said, there wasn't any sound. We sat there and watched these things for probably 10 to 15 minutes. If You know, as much as I can recall. This was back in 1992, so... <laughs> Uh, almost 30 years ago and I was looking and it was like an amber two amber lights and they were bright but then they started going up the the river the Addison River Pleasant River I guess you could call it and so we decided to follow these things I remember looking down at the speedometer and we were going like 75 miles an hour. And my dad couldn't catch up with these things. So we were going pretty fast. And these things were moving pretty good. And I remember seeing these bright lights through the trees when we were on the Basin Road. I remember looking out and kind of seeing the lights through the trees every once in a while. And then we came up up to the Addison Bridge which was about four miles away from Cape Split maybe five and we came up to the Addison Bridge and parked there I remember my father opened the door and we were looking to our left because we knew these things were coming up the river so we were kind of waiting for them to see if we could see anything else I remember sitting in the back seat just looking down at the river. A couple minutes passed by, these lights were coming at us. At this time, they were about a half a mile away from us. 
I have photos and I have documentation of this incident, which I'll tell you about after I tell you my story. There's another spin to this story that you guys are going to be very, very intrigued about. And I can't believe it, actually. What are the odds of this? (laughs) So let me finish my story first, and then I'll get into that. Here come these two lights coming towards us about a half a mile away. They're about 250 feet off of the ground. So that's not very high. They were very low, and there was no sound. Zero sound whatsoever. We were looking, and all of a sudden, they got within... I would say maybe an eighth of a mile to us. And all I remember was, boom, they were gone within a split second. And I remember seeing, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I'm seriously getting chills. These things disappeared within a second. They were absolutely gone. I heard a sonic boom. They broke the sound barrier. Both of them were absolutely gone. Disappeared gone and I remember looking up you could see like a streak streak of light go up when they disappeared up into the stars and I remember looking up at the stars and I couldn't tell which star was there and which one wasn't these things were gone in a matter of a millisecond it was over it was unbelievable in my experience I think about it all the time I don't know if anybody else has experienced the same thing that I've experienced, but that's pretty extraordinary. It's crazy. Now, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to ask you something. Were those human? Were those alien? Was that something our government has created? I don't know. All I know is what I saw and what I heard. That's all I can tell you. And I was nine years old. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. I remember talking to my dad and my brother about this incident. My brother is still alive. We talk about it every once in a while. He remembers it very vividly like I do. My dad since has passed. He passed away in 2007. But when I became an adult, I never really asked him about that night I wish I would have the other part that I wanted to tell you about is that I'm a wedding DJ and I was doing a wedding back in 2012 and I had just posted a YouTube video of my experience I since now have deleted it I kind of wish I didn't But I just posted my experience on YouTube. It was uh, like a 10-minute video. And I was going with the flow at this wedding reception, doing all the announcements, entertaining the people with everything that we were supposed to be doing. And I had a gentleman come up to me. And what are the odds of this? I had a gentleman come up to me with his iPad in his hand and look at me and say, Is this you? And he had my YouTube video on his iPad. He was sitting at one of the tables with his iPad showing like eight people at his table. Showing them my video and me talking about my experience down in Addison, Maine in Cape Split. Later on, after talking with him, 
the gentleman had a home down in Cape Split in 1992, right next to where my car, well, our car was parked the night we saw these lights come up over that island. And he took pictures of these lights. And he has now sent those pictures to me. And I'm so unbelievably grateful that I could have all of this stuff and have this proof because it's 100% true. What are the odds of somebody capturing those pictures the same night me, my dad, and my brother were sitting there in a car watching these things? This gentleman talked to me for over three hours on the phone one day because he couldn't believe that other people had seen what he had been seeing that night. He sent me the pictures, and wow, I can't explain to you how they make me feel. They bring me back to the night we were there. Ladies and gentlemen, that is my story, a UFO sighting, and the experience I had back in 1992 when I was nine years old. I'm very grateful and very happy to share it with you guys. And I want to thank you guys for sitting here and listening to my story. Hi, Ryan. This is Robbie. I'm an Air Force veteran from the 1970s. I enjoyed my time in the Air Force. Um, I was stationed at Shepard Air Force Base in uh, 1974, 1975. On a Saturday night, around midnight, myself and two uh, other airmen friends of mine, we were uh, sitting heading east. Um, we didn't have any money, so we hadn't been drinking or anything. Uh, we were just southwest of uh, Shepherd Air Force Base, um, low, overcast skies. We could see the, uh, the kind of the glow of uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, off the bottom of the clouds. Um, traveling west to east, kind of over our right shoulder, uh, two lights came into view, about as bright as uh, 1970s headlights. You know, each one was about bright as a headlight. Uh, traveling west to east. The first one, uh, I'd say it was doing 100 miles an hour. Second one doing maybe 200 miles an hour. Um, they were, I'm guessing, a thousand foot above the ground. Uh, we didn't think much of it. Uh, it was common to see uh, aircraft in the uh, in the area, especially you know around Shepard. We figured they might be T-38s. Uh, they travel together often. Anyway, we didn't observe any uh, strobes or nav lights, the red, green navs that the aircraft have. Anyway, uh, we just kind of watched it. We weren't thinking much of it, just talking. Well, the instant that the second light, which was traveling approximately twice as fast as the lead light, uh, the instant that the second light caught up with the first, it became one light, not any brighter, about the same uh, as a as a headlight, but also at that instant, it shot straight up vertical from a zero vertical speed to thousands of miles an hour. 
I've worked around all kind of uh, supersonic aircraft and, and high-tech weapons. I have never seen anything in all the years travel nearly that speed. Nothing, nothing at all. Um, we talked about it briefly, uh, kind of what is that? Um, and then we didn't report it because we didn't know how to or where to. And, you know, we were just young airmen. And, um, since that time, I've been in aviation all my life. Um, I've met other airmen, uh, Air Force and, uh, and Navy, that have similar and some far more spectacular stories um, than that. I do want to share that I was uh, stationed at Cannon uh, in 75. I, I went from Shepard to Cannon Air Force Base in January 1976. I did not observe this, but I was uh, friends with some of the security police, the Air Force security police, the SPs. And uh, they would come stay at my place. I had a little place out the back gate and, you know, we'd come, they'd hang out. Uh, we became fairly good friends. Anyway, they observed in January 1976 UFOs on the flight line. Spectacular. Uh, my vision of it, as they described it, is like what we saw in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, the, that size, that kind of lights. Um, this was multiple nights. It was reported by uh, Cannon Air Force Base uh, Command to Washington, D.C. It made the local newspapers, you know, um, but it was the stories of the SPs who actually witnessed it, and it was their terror that, uh, that I remember. Uh, they got into heated debates. Some were angry that uh, had been turned in because it was devastating to their career. There was a horrible stigma about reporting these things. Uh, my lifetime of dealing with pilots, Air Force pilots especially, whenever you brought up the conversation of, hey, have you ever seen a UFO, UAP? There's a look on their face that comes across that it's not right. It, you can see they, their eyes divert, and uh, it's been that way my whole life dealing with uh, former military pilots. It's, I don't know what it is. I, again, it's the stigma. But, you know, I don't know what the Air Force or Navy tells them. Anyway, uh, that's the... Uh, I absolutely believe those SPs, and uh, I wish someone would kind of look into that. I, I don't understand why... Um, so many of these UAPs, UFOs, have what appears to be NAV lights. You know, I mean, do they have to follow FAA regulations? Um, are they, uh, if they're human, I don't understand how we did it because, you know, the maneuvers defy physics, as I believe humans understand it today. And it's been going on since at least the 40s and really probably long before that. So, uh, but if, it's not, let's just say, humans that we know. Um, there must be some kind of rules that say they got to have not have lights also. It's kind of kind of weird uh, that the UFOs that reported that Canon uh, did have lights and that these documents are available, I've, I've found recently, online. So, uh, you know, the description of the UFOs and, and the newspaper clippings and that kind of stuff. Anyway, Ryan, uh, I was never scared. It makes me curious more than anything. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, the great shows. I really love your 
uh, sincerity and uh, your eagerness and your interest. Uh, it really shows. Look forward to uh, listening and uh, to further shows. Again, Ron, thank you so much. Hi, Ryan. My name is Vivian. I'm 34 years old and I currently live in China, but the event I'm about to describe happened in a place called Black River, which is a rural, sparsely populated suburb about 50 minutes drive from the little town I grew up in in North Queensland on the east coast of Australia. I think it was the year 1997, because I remember around this time was when Princess Diana was killed in Paris, so I believe this could be correct, and if so, that puts me at 10 years old at the time. So this happened one early evening, I think it must have been in the winter, so around June or July, because I remember it was getting dark early in the day. I was with my mum and my dad and we were getting ready to leave the large property our horses were kept on. This property was quite remote, reached only by a dirt road, and the property itself was just bush and backed onto government land. There were no houses on it or around it. Um, and the property had no electricity and there were no street lights, so it was quite dark at night. On this particular evening, we were waiting for our two horses to finish eating their food so we could pack up their feed buckets and head home, and I remember we were just standing around our car at the entrance to the property, just talking and brushing the horses. I remember it was a clear, dark night. There must not have been much moon because I remember it was very dark, but the sky was very clear and full of stars. As we were standing there, one of my parents, I'm not sure now if it was my mum or my dad, said, what do you suppose that is? And I looked up and saw a reddish-orange ball of light hovering above Mount Black, which is a pyramid-shaped small mountain visible and not too far from the property. It's hard for me to say how far away the light was or how far above Mount Black it was, but it appeared to be larger than the lights of a plane or a helicopter at that distance. I remember describing it later like a miniature sun. It was so bright. It was hovering above the top of the mountain and stationary. We watched it for some minutes before things started to get weird. So after a while it started to move, but not in the way that any aerial craft at the time moved. The best way I can describe it is that it zipped along. It zipped across some and then would stop, and then it would zip straight up and stop then it would zip down again but on a diagonal and then it would stop. It was able to accelerate from a stationary position to an incredible speed so fast and also to stop so suddenly it didn't seem to be affected by inertia at all. So it carried on with these movements for maybe five or so minutes. It was almost as if it was making some kind of shape or pattern in the sky with the movements. We were watching it the whole time, and I mean, my eyes were glued to this thing because even though I didn't really know about UFOs at that time, I knew intuitively that what I was seeing was something that did not and could not be a conventional aircraft or a military craft. The speed at which it moved and the way it moved, I just knew we were watching something really special. And so we watched it zip along making these strange movements, and then it stopped and hovered completely stationary. Then, in less than a second, it shot straight up into the sky and was gone. And I mean, the speed it shot upwards was like, in the blink of an eye, it was that fast. When that happened, I remember my mum was like, okay, time to go, and we all pretty much ran for the car. I think my parents were pretty freaked out, and the whole drive home, I remember just sitting in the back seat, totally in shock, listening as my parents debated about what the heck we all just saw. 
Being around 10 at the time, I didn't really tell anyone about it until years later, though I did often talk about it with my parents. Memories stayed with me, though, as clear as day through all the years. It definitely ignited in me a desire to know more about the UFO phenomena and the universe in general. I have many times over the years searched databases and newspaper records to try and find any other accounts that match what I saw that night. It's definitely shaped the person that I am today and stirred in me a want of something more than just the acceptance of a mundane earthbound life. I do believe whatever or whoever was controlling that craft that night was not from this world and believing that actually brings me optimism. And I think that if humans could just think outside of our earthbound life, there could be an incredible potential for us to explore space and inch closer to understanding our place in the universe and how we got here. I have never had any doubt about what I saw. I never thought, oh, maybe we were wrong. Maybe it was a plane. No, um, what we witnessed that night was just so far beyond human capability that it wasn't even a question to me that what we saw was something other than a visiting UFO. So, yeah, that's my story. Um, To this day, I continue to search the skies no matter where I am in the world. And on a few occasions, I've seen things that made me wonder... But um, I've never seen anything again that matched what I saw that night in 1997. Though I hope one day maybe I will again. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. I'm Ralphie and uh, I want to talk about one of my singular specific experiences which I had many, many years ago. And... It is because I was a young child at the time, no more than seven years old, that I've always been very open-minded about the existence of unidentified flying objects and other phenomenon, similar phenomenon. Because when we're children, we're open-minded. We're not burdened by the baggage of self-censorship that adults are and I was basically a young kid, seven years old on holiday with a family and we're walking down a riverside path very very pleasant very attractive on our way to the beach and My brother ran ahead, my little brother, so my parents kind of ran on to catch up with him because he was the less responsible one, still is. And uh, I kind of fell behind because I was just fascinated by the flow of the river, the sound of the river, everything about it. Just rather like this river here. There's something magical about water, something significant that... Grown-ups tend to censor out, but young children are much more aware of, which is probably why they go splashing in puddles and paddling in rivers and throwing stones in rivers, all these sorts of wonderful things. And suddenly the atmosphere around me changed. I felt completely on my own in the environment without anybody else being there, and a small spherical sphere it was glowing with tiny minuscule sparks emanating from it completely silent floated down the middle of the river slowly 
suspended two feet off the water. So it was floating above the water. It just was drifting literally with the speed of the river flow. And it seemed to shimmer like a pearl. And I wasn't particularly frightened. I was just fascinated and I just stood and stared at it. And it traveled a bit further down the river, about 10 meters in front of me and then stopped. And then it drifted back, rising slightly as it came to what to a point where it was level with me and about six to eight feet above my head height. And I just felt that I was being communicated with in a way that I couldn't possibly understand. It's almost like some presence was just acknowledging this curious little humanoid child before it rapidly headed back down following the river and disappeared, completely disappeared. It's almost as if it was, as it, as it was fading away down the river, it was fading away from sight. And I've never forgotten that. It didn't last very long, but it, it left a very strong impression and particularly because I was a kid, seven-year-old kid, and nothing prepared me for it, and nothing warned me against it. I simply took the experience completely as it happened. So, I didn't even mention it to anybody at the time, but in later years, when the topic of conversation has turned round to more er esoteric things like UFO phenomenon, spirits, ghosts. I mean, this is a question I've always been asked as a funeral director. Do ghosts exist? And the answer is simply yes, they do. If you acknowledge them, they exist in some form. If they did not exist, we would not have a name for them, a word for them, or a concept of them. Simple as that. There's nothing fancy about it. And it's because I'm open-minded and when people, when the topic of conversation comes up and I say I believe that UFOs exist and I've seen UFOs and that was the first sighting, people start to open up a little bit. People who would normally keep quiet and say nothing and keep the lips sealed because of fear, being fearful of scorn ridicule and disbelief suddenly start to communicate and these communications are really quite articulate they certainly exist but one of the misunderstandings is that UFOs are unidentified aerial phenomenon are extraterrestrial is partly true there are also terrestrial aerial phenomenon which are not easily identified unless you communicate in certain circles. But that's the way of the world. That's what it is. One of the skills in life is to accept what we must 
learn what we can and change what we need to. Bye-bye. The incident I had happened in late 1980. I was sitting around the kitchen table with three other people. We were actually playing a game back in the 80s called Masterpiece. I was facing the window which looked south towards a forest and about 100 yards away and probably a mile of cemetery on the other side of this forest. As uh, I looked up, I could see two orange pea-sized lights about two miles away uh, over the cemetery. Uh, I thought this was odd because there was never any planes or any type of air traffic in that area. Uh, I said to everybody sitting around the table, Oh, look, there's a helicopter over top of the forest. Nobody really seemed to take note of it. As I went to play my card, I looked up again, and within a blink of an eye, those orange-colored P-shapes became huge basketball lights within a second, hovering just over the edge of the treetops. I, I stood up, looked, and the left one blinked out, and then the right one blinked out just like a light switch. I said to, to everybody, what the hell was that? We ran outside, took a look, nothing in the air. There was no sound. The orange lights were were, were almost spinning. Like what I, what I thought of was the Enterprise on Star Trek when their lights spin and there's that orange swirl. That's what these look like for the second that they were sitting there. It was fascinating. It's It's been in my mind for 40 years trying to figure out what that was. Um, the biggest thing was how quick it moved from, from P-shape to huge basketball shape. Like I said, in a blink of an eye, it was there. Just amazing. You know, from that point on, I, uh, I started to look up in the sky all the time. I was looking, I was trying to find something that maybe that I would see again. I haven't done that, haven't seen another thing, but I'm hopefully one day that I, that I would. It was very exhilarating to see that. And I'm always looking up in the sky and seeing if there is, is something somewhere in the sky that I could see. It was quite the experience. Hello. I've been wanting to tell this story for forever, and why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot of people, basically nobody that I know see this coming from me because... Um, I'm seen as a reasonable person in my circle of friends or like anyone for that matter sees me like a reasonable person, like a really rational and driven human being. So when I tell them that I saw a UFO and like crazy, like, were you okay? Like, did you do drugs? Did you smoke? Like, what? What did you do? That's not you. I know it doesn't sound like me, if you know me, but this happened to me. I'm, I'm not making this up. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. So, hence I also have another witness. But the tricky thing is that. The, the, the other witness, aka my mom, has a slightly different version from me. I know what I saw. I saw what I saw. I know that was real. If my mom saw, saw something else, like something more, I don't know. I don't know if I didn't see it. So I just know what I saw. This happened in the island of Ischia that... I don't know if you know what is an island in the uh, Gulf of Naples in southern Italy and it's a, a terribly beautiful place like it's a breathtaking place I, I do recommend you to go there on vacation and it's no stranger to UFO sightings so yeah, me and my mom were on vacation in Ischia and Every night we like to take a stroll down the streets of the island because it's uh, it's it's safer. And so we were like walking down the street and we walked all the way to um, Castello Aragonese. Uh, I think I can translate it as Aragonese Castle. It's basically a castle that's in the, in the middle of the sea. It's connected to the ground with a bridge with a, a stone bridge and so like you can walk your way from the the island to this uh, smaller island where the castle is and a lot of people go there at night because the castle is is closed at night but it's lit up it's it looks beautiful and so yeah me and my mom we walked all the way there 
and we were like on the stone bridge because a lot of people go there at night. It's a very romantic place, really cute place. And then and there is a small seat all along the bridge. I was sitting on the top and, and I was looking at the sky and me and my mom, we were looking at the sky and also like the time. I, I want to say the time and the place so that I can, I don't know that maybe someone working in the field can figure out something like what happened on this freaking day it was in the Arnavisk it was Friday the 12th um, July of 2019 and the timing was around 10pm uh, me and my mom uh, we were sitting there and we were looking at the sky because where we live we, we live in the city, so, you know, it's a pretty big deal to see the sky at night, for real. And we were looking at the stars, and all of a sudden, the stars start moving. Like, we see a, a group of stars, like, moving in the sky, flying in formation, in a very mm, neat formation. It was a pretty oblong formation. They were really spaced out amongst one another and they were like, I can't remember how, I didn't count them, but maybe 12, 15, something like that. They were like a lot of them. And they were like traveling through the sky and they looked like stars and they looked like basically very, very, very high vehicles, like some, some kind of plane that was flying really high in the sky and so I was like who is flying at night in this formation at this time and we were like whoa we saw a UFO we saw some UFOs that was crazy that's a pretty big kind of sightning and boy we were in for a treat like we thought it was it wasn't, it was only just beginning because we looked again at the sky. I can't quite explain it. I, uh, we saw rings of lights. They were like connecting and snapping. They were like made of plasma, I look like. They were rings of lights floating in the sky I think they were really high and if I have to like think about the size I think that if they came down they would have taken maybe I don't know like maybe half or a quarter of the bay I think Loki but surely they would have they, they were bigger than the castle surely and they were like pretty high in the sky I think I think they were a little lower compared to the fleet we saw first but they were like I can't count count them either but it's and it's a very disorganized formation like they weren't flying in formation like the fleet it was just a a huge bundle of rings made of light like oval rings made of light and they were like connecting and snapping, connecting and snapping and floating and swimming through the sky and they were like getting into conglomerates, into, how can I say, like crumbs and then they were like separating because they were like two or three of them and then 
four, five, six all together and then snap and then snap. And there were also sparks flying through this big group of things. And it was like, you know when fireworks go off and there are those little sparks flying? Those little sparks, they were like emitting those little sparks. And uh, the cute thing is that they weren't like a plain white. They were they were really really colorful. They were like for me. This is where the, my story and my mom's story start diverging a little. I saw a prevalence of greens, reds, and yellows. My mom agrees, but she says that she also saw some blue and pink. I didn't see as much of a blue and pink in my opinion, but. I saw what I saw. I saw green, yellow, and red rings. And there were like at least two of them. There were like these two big groups of like connected rings. And then one of them like kind of dissipated and the other one instead kept being like... <laughs> I can't make up words. It, it, it kept itself together. And they were like, they looked like they were rolling or like swimming through the sky is like it was like the, f- the fleet we saw first like acted as a sort of bodyguards for these things in the sky and it did I, I was really confused and because I, I, I was like this is not surely this is not a a vehicle like these are not planes are these are not ships spaceships or whatever and neither they are living beings, right? Because the only way I can describe it is that they were living light, living plasma, because they didn't look like living conscious beings. They had nothing human or like animal-esque, if I can say so. They were literally rings of light, but they looked like they knew where to go. They were like flying together in this very disorganized uh, group formation. They were rolling and swimming through the sky. So it, to me, looked like they, they had a sort of, I don't know, intelligence. Like they were like, we go this way. But they didn't look anything like living creatures. It's, ah, ah, ah. And the closest thing that I can compare them to is a power-up that that you can find in a video game called Chicken Invaders and Invaders, Invaders, yeah, Invaders. And you will see, like, the first search, the first search result, the first pick is this, like, like I told you, this triangle made of uh, three... Uh, oval uh, rings of light connected red uh, yellow and green and that is exactly what I saw in the sky I and I'm not making this up because I showed it to my mom and my mom was like holy crap this is our UFO <laughs> and so like it's not that I that I'm like oh my god you saw it in the sky because you played the game no 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 like it's it's just a com- a very 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 neat comparison so, you can imagine how high I felt, but not how mom felt, because my mom, she was chill. She was so chill. She was like, oh, UFOs, aliens. I knew they existed. She was like, mom, hi. Hi, guys. She was chill. 
I was screaming. I was like, I, I scram. Like, I was saying, non lo accetto. Io questo non lo accetto. I was like, I don't accept it. I don't accept this. I was like screaming under the night sky and the, the aliens, whatever, whatever they were. I was like, I don't accept this. I don't accept this. That's, I, I, I was flabbergasted so I was screaming in disbelief like I don't accept this and I also like slowly made myself made made my way back a little lower like I told you I was sitting on this sort of bench let's call it bench and then it was there was a lower bench and I went from this to this because I was like I'm gonna fall I'm gonna legit fall onto the rocks and so I I, I said lower because I was like let me take a safer seat let me take it I, I, I'm not feeling well and so my mom whipped out her camera but our uh, tech gadgets back then and low-key now uh, sucked my mom has a very sucky camera when she took the camera and started recording like it came out out really sucky you can only see a bunch of lights and it doesn't look really you know it doesn't like you you don't see the ringlets in there you know their look how they actually did like you only see like some shiny dots in the sky it looks horrible and so uh we don't have basically anything to prove what we saw because the footage we took and the pics we took they suck and you can't literally tell anything like it's just like dark sky and some random sparkly dots so yeah only to make matters worse I regret uh, this, is a, this is a decision that I will regret my entire life to not scream people look up frick look the f up nobody was looking up i swear nobody like there there were a few people around us it wasn't crowded because at that moment in the night like it's pretty lonely and it's peaceful but at least a couple people like there were a couple people around us and i and my mom like we didn't scream people look up like there are literal UFOs over our heads. I, I didn't do nothing. I was in shock. But I still regret that I didn't do nothing and my mom didn't do nothing. And we say it all the time. We should have like scream to the top of our lungs. But we didn't do anything. And so yeah, this is our our secret, our our thing. Nobody else saw it. And it's ridiculous because in that spot of the bridge, it's lonely, but if you walk your way towards uh, the island, it, the bridge is really crowded, like a lot of people go there to, to party. And so like, how, how stupid humans are, like there is like a bunch of people there, nobody looks up to the sky to that monstrosity, like I, I swear it, it hits you really hard. and. They, they were actually really pretty and so yeah I don't I don't wanna no offense alien like I didn't say monstrosity as an offense <laughs> and yeah 
I was like also terrified. I was downright terrified because I was like, these are here and they are like they're so close to the earth and what are they going to do? Like I was like, are they gonna like laser me right now? Like I'm looking at them. Do they want me to look at them? Or like how are they gonna get defensive and like I said, like shoot a laser or anything? I was like, ugh So I, I also I think I also didn't scream because I was like uh, oh frick they're gonna they're gonna laser me <laughs> and yeah but they didn't and so since since then uh, I'm like I wish I I saw them again like I I wish that I will see them again one day because they look cute they look hella cute and and so yeah after this uh, really uh, chaotic moment of this uh, really shocking moment me and my mom, we went to a bar and we ordered two lava cakes and, <laughs> and tried to calm ourselves down in front of the chocolate lava cakes because that, that was like the right thing to do in that moment. So yeah, and that's the end of the story. Hey Ryan, what's up? My name's David. Alright, so first off, let's start this story off with a dream that I had back around 2016. I'm asleep and I wake up and it is cold and uh, I can feel the breeze all around and I, I open my eyes, I look up and the roof is gone. It's, it's just like it, it never existed it, it was almost like they built a house with no roof uh I, I could see this craft up above this this big bright circular disc object and i remember a beam coming down it was like whitish yellowish in color and it picked me up into the air i couldn't remember watching as, as I was gaining altitude, rising up in the ship, I was looking down, watching my feet dangling. I, I remember looking at my socks, and I remember how cold it was in the dream. Um, when I got into the craft, and, and I want to say this, I was so happy that, that they were here, you know, that the truth has finally came. Um, when I got into the craft, there was other people in there. They didn't know what was going on. I didn't either. But... The other people didn't have the feeling I had, that's for sure. Um, and, and I don't remember anything else about that dream, but it was cool, right? Um, let's fast forward a couple months. Uh, me and my girlfriend, Rose, at the time, right? We're driving through Hamilton, New Jersey, uh, where, where I'm from. And... We're going out towards Yardville, Bordentown area, and there's a spot that we used to go to because it was right off the road and nobody could see you. It was just like completely surrounded by trees because they were going to build uh, housing development, but they never did it back there. I guess, you know, the, the housing market or whatever, but it was just nothing you know there was about a quarter mile road that led down there just a strip surrounded by um woods 
So we used to go back there and we would sit in the back of the hatch of the car of the Honda and we would look up into the sky. We would watch the stars because we used to love doing that. Uh, that was something that we, we did often and, and we loved doing it. And we believe that there's something else out there, you know. Uh, I want to say that when I was younger, I didn't believe in anything like this. And I thought that anybody that did was crazy, you know. And I came to believe there's things going on that, that we don't know about or that, that we can't explain. And humans don't know and everything, you know. People act like they're God and that they know everything. And just because they can't see something, it doesn't exist. Well, you can't see oxygen, can you? But it keeps us alive. Uh, I, I sort of try to keep an open mind about things. Especially things that are reported all over the world by people uh, in in huge numbers. Uh, I, I think that's very alarming. I think it's scary. But um, I'm sorry. When when we were back in this area, uh, I remember that we saw these lights off in the distance. It. It looked like uh, a bright, like, white light, sort of like, maybe with like a yellowish tint at times. And we're like joking with each other because we're trying to figure out what it is. And we're like shooting each other's ideas down, you know, it can't be this because of this or that. And <laughs> I remember, um, you know, it was just something that we took notice of. Uh, there was a lot of other air traffic in the area because I do live by a lot of military bases. There was helicopters in the area also. Uh, passenger planes going by, big ones. Uh, but these objects were just sort of floating there for a long time too, it seemed like. And um, we actually noticed other ones often in other parts. And... and then we, we would sort of just not know where they went. I guess maybe we lost track of them. But uh, I remember that I was holding her. We were looking face to face. And, um, you know, it was an intimate moment because at the, the time I loved this, this girl. And I remember just looking in her eyes. She was beautiful that night. And, you know, it was, uh, it, it was a, <laughs> a good memory, you know. But as as I'm looking at her, I, I realize that there's lasers everywhere. And I'm like, what the F? What the F? I was like, Rose, Rose, look, look, look. Um, you can see these laser dots on top of tree lines, okay? So it, it wasn't coming from somebody on the ground, I can tell you that. Because you could see it on top of the tree lines. Uh... It, it was surrounding us literally about the size of like a football field in a 360 degree angle, okay? Um, it was really cool. Uh, I was I was really happy. We, we saw it and we were literally jumping up and down, shaking our hands in the airs like little kids in Christmas, you know? It just felt like such a cool thing. And, um, I remember that it didn't hurt our skin, it didn't burn our eyes, 
And I remember one thing, one thing that was alarming. I know that lasers can cause cancer and other type of damage. Um, I didn't get sick or anything like that or experience any type of pain or discomfort. But um, I, I swear I wanted to get out of there. I want to do, I'm sorry, I want to say that I acknowledged their presence by blinking my high beams on and off three times and then turning my lights on and off three times and then we uh drove out of there and we were driving back towards like trenton trenton makes world takes bridge and uh it felt like they were almost following us uh before that though before we went to the trenton makes world takes bridge around that area we were driving through hamilton square also and we could still see these lights which we thought that it could be these ones it, it almost felt like they were following us <laughs> and you know that's that's just the paranoia setting in because you know when you have an experience like that it's 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 really uh, something crazy and i don't know what it was you know i don't know what the craft was because i couldn't see the object i couldn't see what shape it was all i saw was the light and whatever was shining the laser on us what was amazing is that the lasers were still and we couldn't even see a craft anywhere near us at that point so that that was pretty crazy you know that's some pretty good technology uh, I gotta say so um yeah you know I I want to say also that around that time I had uh sleep paralysis uh experience and I could see something it felt like something was behind me okay and I still get creeped out even thinking about it and I couldn't see what it was because it was just a dark figure. It looked like I had a hood on. It looked like it was all black but with substance to it. And it was scary as anything. Okay, it's like something you... Just one of the worst feelings you could ever experience. And then you start worrying about other people in the house. Is this happening also at the same time? So... It's, it's disturbing, to say the least. But, um, yeah, I, I want to urge people, if you see something, say something. Because this is the most significant thing that we could think of, you know. And I, I believe that there's things being suppressed. I'm, I'm finally happy, at least, that the government's admitting to UFOs and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, where was this a military craft that sh shined, shined the laser on us? Um, if it was, why would they be doing that? What's the purpose of that? Is it maybe just like a training exercise for some type of bomber, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know. You know, I'd, I'd love to hear feedback on this. If, if anybody's had a similar experience, you know. But uh, I just want to say thank you for hearing my story. Uh, I think it's awesome what you're doing, man. 
you know, uh, keep up the great work, dude. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, be safe. These times are crazy right now. And it's, I want to say to everybody, keep your heads up through this and have the strength to keep moving on. All right. Hey, if anyone hasn't said it today, I love you. Thank you. Hi, Ryan. This is Paul from the UK. I want to tell you about two of my experiences that I've had um, with what I think is UAP, as far as I can tell. Uh, last year in June, I was at work um, out in the yard loading a lorry. That's what I do with my job, just forklift driver. That exciting. Um, it was a clear blue sky. It's June. It's lovely. Um, and I'm looking at the sky quite a bit because what's been going on in the past... Um, with all the UAP activity, you're always looking up, trying to find something, maybe see something. And there, going across the sky, nice steady pace. Is this, well, I'd say tic-tac, but that's obviously, I'm going to reference that because of the shape. But it was that shape, and it was moving slowly. It had no wings, had no tail. It was just moving slowly across the sky. So I took a couple of photographs with the iPhone, um, and thought afterwards, the, the wind was blowing behind me, which in our yard, it either blows up the yard or down the yard because we, we load empty boxes and the, and the wind's a real pain in the ass. So it either drives goes up the yard or down the yard, which is north-west. I think it's north-west or north-east and south-west, south-east, if you like. This thing was going across, across the yard. So the wind was blowing at it. It wasn't blowing with it. So, yeah, that that was a weird thing. The pictures, obviously, with an iPhone weren't great. Um, small, but you zoomed in. It was, it, you could see it's not a plane. Mick West did make a comment about it being a plane, a slow-moving plane, but, God, you can see there's no wings. There's, there's nothing. It's just, it was just a shape, and it was going across the sky. Anyway, that's what the first one was. Then a few weeks back, um, I was in the garden at home, um, just putting out some washing and I live in the countryside we live quite rural and I heard a, a, a big jet come in uh, it was quite low but I couldn't see it but I heard it it was coming across the so have a look see what it is and then there was this reverberating hard to describe really like a like that sort of thing almost like you get if a Chinook helicopter is going past that's kind of reverberation through the air you felt it in the air and I looked up this jet came over and flew across the garden, across my house. Not really low, but it was below the cloud. And right behind it was a sphere. And this sphere was maybe 15, 20 feet behind this jet. Now, this jet was like a 737. It was, it was, it was a fairly large jet. All white, plain white jet with a yellow insignia on the tail. That's all I remember is this yellow insignia on the tail. This thing flew across, and this thing had a sphere following behind it. It was following it. If, if, you just look at it, you, you, what's that? And the, the jet did a bank to the right as it came over the house. It banked to the right and then straightened up. And when it straightened up, this sphere went off to the right, away from it. And both the plane and the sphere ended up going through into the clouds. It was a sphere, man. I, I can't... I can't uh, for for, for the, the last month, all I've been thinking is, 
what caused that vibration? What was that vib- reverb? That sort of feeling in the air, that throbbing in the air. It was like a pulse. And then this plane came over, and then there's this 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 sphere. Follow it. It's a sphere. And the sphere must have been 10, 15 foot across. Must have been, because it was behind this jet, and it wasn't tiny. It was it was big. This you you could see it. Crazy, crazy, crazy thing. Um, the, the, my first last year, the the, the tic tac type thing is. I mean, I've got the pictures on the phone. I've got the, the small videos from the live setting on the phone. I've, I've always got that. I keep looking at that and thinking, is it? Could it be really? But it wasn't doing anything fantastic. It was just moving slowly across the sky. And I've seen other videos on um, Instagram and various other um, platforms of the same type of thing. Um, so other people have seen the same thing. But this, that, that, so that was cool. You know, I saw that. Was, well, it might have been a tic-tac. Maybe I saw, maybe I saw UAP. But this thing flying, that, look, this plane, the planes don't fly that low over my house. We have fighter jets over here occasionally, but this thing was like a 737. It was a, it was a big jet, and it came across from the across from. It's, I live in the in the Midlands, so from the Malvern Hills across to my place, and then it flew away towards Hereford, and this thing was following it. This was this was a sphere. It wasn't a plane. It wasn't a bird. It was following this jet, and then it veered off. <laughs> I've tried to find flight details or flight records. I've tried to find ways of finding out if this plane... Uh, was there a, fl- a flight flying over this? That's, I can't find anything. I can't even remember the exact date. It's just... <sighs> I, I wish I could have done. Because something was following that jet, and that jet was flying low for a reason, and they don't usually fly that low. So that's really cool. But it's the reverberation in the air. I, 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 was that, is that common? When something enters the atmosphere, when something happens like that, is it, could it have been caused by the plane, or could it have been something to do with this thing that was following? I don't know. Okay, Rome, that's all I've got to give you. But um, yeah, cool. Thank you very much. Hey, Ryan. Um, my name's James. I'm 35 years old. I live in Ontario, Canada, um, a few hours north of Toronto. Um, okay, so I have two sightings to share. My first sighting I shared with two friends, um, and it's sort of what got me into sort of sky watching, I guess, and uh, stargazing and stuff. Um, and that leads into my second sighting, which is a little bit more exciting than my first one, but uh, I'll tell you them both. So the first sighting um, happened in the spring of 2020 in my hometown here. Um, I was hanging out with two friends, um, both the same age as me, um, roughly. Uh, we were having like a band practice kind of thing, a little jam session. Went until maybe 12.30 or 1 in the morning, and then we started walking home. Um, we live in like a s- small town, population of like, I don't know, 15, 10 to 15,000 people. And this was during sort of the start of the pandemic so it was pretty deserted outside anyways so yeah we were walking home and we stopped in a parking lot kind of field thing on the outskirts of town um just to have a beer and sort of chit chat yeah and we were just sitting there i was facing sort of northwest um and my two friends were in front of me we were kind of in like a little circle and i just heard like a noise coming from behind me um the noise is sort of hard to describe 
At first, I thought it was an owl, um, sort of diving down uh, to get like a mouse or something. Um, just I heard something like sort of go- cutting through the air. So yeah, I thought it was an owl at first. This is all sort of happening like really, really quickly. Um, but yeah, at first I thought it was an owl, but the sound was was too steady. Um, it was too like pure, I guess, if that makes any sense. Um, it just sort of sounded like something metal or like something that wasn't changing in shape, like a bird or a ball or something like that, just cutting through the air. And it, it sounded like it was coming... It was getting louder and louder. It sounded like it was coming right towards us. So I just looked up to see what it was. And there were two lights above us, two white lights, um, not blinking, not flashing or anything like that. Both uniform with each other, like both the exact same. Um, about, I would say they were about two inches apart from each other. If you were to hold like an arm's length away, if you were to hold two inches, that's about how far the lights were away from each other. Um, and yeah, they just went, no noise other than that sort of noise I heard. Um, both, neither of my friends heard the noise, but as soon as I looked up, I saw these lights and they were moving west. So from east to west at just a high rate of speed. So I just said, yo, 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 yo. And my friends looked up. Um, my one friend responded, what the F is that? And within about five seconds, it had covered from straight above us to the horizon and disappeared. So a lot faster than a plane or satellites or anything like that. So yeah, we, we all kind of freaked out and chatted about it for a, for a while longer. And then we went home. Um, my one friend saw t- on his walk home, he saw two more lights. Um, one, uh, it just like it was coming like right at him, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it just disappeared. Um, and I can't remember what the, his second thing he saw was something similar to that anyways so that was like the impetus to me getting into ufos and coming to um r slash ufos on reddit that's where ryan i connected with you yeah so that was my first sighting so after my first sighting i was you know pretty shocked like it was pretty weird i have no idea what it was um so i spent a lot of time a lot of nights just star watching in my backyard, um, watching for satellites, you know, blah, 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 seeing if I could just see anything like that again. So last summer, my second, my second sighting was last summer, um, year of 2021. I was just in my backyard, um, stargazing, you know, it's probably midnight. I was looking sort of Southeast in the sky and, uh, something caught my attention to the North of me. So I turned and I saw two orbs or two lights in the sky. Um, one was a like bright white, pure white, and the other was an orange orb. The white orb was like they're both really high up in the sky. The white orb was above the orange orb, quite a bit above it, and they would sort of illuminate for maybe three seconds, go out for three seconds, illuminate for three seconds, go out for three seconds, and they were ascending so they were moving up in the sky in sort of like a corkscrew fashion it kind of looked like the white one was spinning one way and the orange one was doing the mirror opposite of that um they both would light up at the same time and yeah they're just sort of spiraling up as they light up and the orange orb was ascending faster than the white orb so it was it was cl- the gap between them was closing this sighting maybe lasted maybe 30 seconds. 
So yeah, these orbs are sort of spiraling and illuminating and going out. The orange orb is slowly closing in on the white orb. After maybe they did this four times, like illuminated and went out, the orange orb orb had merged with the white orb, and they just went out. Like, then just went totally out, and they were probably out for about ten seconds. After ten seconds, like, instantaneous acceleration. I've never seen anything accelerate that like this in my life. Um, just instantaneously shot like a bullet um, straight up and it left like a perfect streak white streak it looked like a, a perfectly straight lightning bolt that's the best way I can describe it and then after a few more seconds one shot the same thing happened but shot to the left so 90 degrees just and it went along the horizon and same thing just left this streak like a perfect bolt of lightning no noise or anything like that. No one else saw the second one with me. I instantly came inside and told my girlfriend and was kind of freaking out. Um, but that's it. That was exciting. It was just so shocking. It, it felt like I was seeing something that not that I'm not supposed to be seeing, but that isn't supposed to exist. You know, like I'm seeing this thing that I knew instantly when I tell my friends or anyone about it, they're going to look at me like I'm a weirdo or like I'm crazy or something but yeah that's how it made me feel it just sort of surreal um, and I don't know it was awesome too like I've never seen anything like that I'm familiar with fireworks and stuff like that and I don't think it was it definitely was not fireworks I've been researching maybe ball lightning maybe it was ball lightning but there doesn't seem to be even any definitive answer that ball lightning is even real just sort of witness accounts and I found a study from 2014 where they were able to make a what they think is ball lightning in like a lab I guess they made like a plasma ball but yeah so I don't know I don't know what it was but it was interesting it was cool I've never seen anything like that I hope to see something like that again and I've also been sort of chatting with people on reddit who have had similar stories and there's lots of people out there seeing these orbs that instantaneously accelerate and leave these you know this perfect streak of lightning anyway yeah that's my sighting yeah i hope uh someone finds it interesting and maybe someone has a similar experience i'm curious to see so yeah that's it thanks ryan um i appreciate what you're doing getting these stories out there and you know also connecting sort of people who have had similar sightings because it is nice to talk to people about it you know it's not something i can i talk to my friends and stuff about it but you know, there is that part of me that thinks that they just think I'm crazy. Anyways, so thanks, Ryan. Hello, this is Ryanie Horn. Today's date is Monday, April 4th, 2022. I have been on here before. This is my 11th sighting, in fact. The other 10 are on an episode uh, on Ryan's channel called The Lifetime of UFOs in British Columbia which uh, document the first 10. So anyway, this 11th one, I had just made uh, a report on, uh, I think, uh, Wednesday to MUFON, reporting one of the sightings and then filling in the comments section with uh, the other nine. 
And then uh, the next afternoon, Thursday, I was sitting outside wondering, eh, I wonder if I'll ever see these again. And sure enough, that night I did. So the, I was sitting out on the back deck around uh, well, near 11.30. There was uh, two white cigars about a half inch in length each and with about a half inch space in between them. I thought it was one at first when I first saw it to the uh, um, kind of southeast and it traveled directly overhead or they traveled directly overhead to the uh, kind of northwest and there was a roughly a half inch gap in between them I would say and they traveled edgeways not end to end and that lasted about uh, five yeah, about five to six seconds and so I went inside and grabbed my uh, cell phone off the coffee table and my clock said 11.24 so p.m. so I guess that would have been around 11.22 or 23 when it actually happened so I turned my camera on and went back out and uh, a couple minutes later there was uh, what I recognized as uh, Cloud Guy which you'll remember from the other video if you've listened to it basically just a roundish cloud with no shape traveling across the sky holding its shape no tail no sound no lights and uh, I only saw it for about two seconds when I looked down and tried to get my uh, camera ready to take a picture of something and then knocked it out of camera mode of course and fiddled with it and by the time I got back up it was gone I couldn't spot it with my eyes so nothing to film so I went downstairs and uh, the time actually the time of that one I note, noted was 11.30 so then I went downstairs and got my daughter to come hang out on the back deck with me and we sat on these uh, chairs in front of the barbecue just look at the stars and chatting and then uh, she spotted it first I guess because uh, when I said do you see that she goes yeah I'm looking right at it and so there's from behind us kind of the uh, northwest traveling back the same direction as the other two the first two I had seen but slightly to the south but still sort of a straight line east-ish and um, but I, I saw them as kind of like two dim sort of satellites not twinkling no tails and uh, one on the left was slightly brighter so I was keeping my eye on that but I did notice that there was a pair of them and uh, they were traveling straight and then took a curve about 30 degrees both of them toward the south like further to the south so that's the first time I've seen them change direction and my co-witness there she uh, stated the same thing that she had seen them curve the next day I had drawn a picture for my wife before she had gone out to dinner with uh, some friends of the first ones that I had seen these cigars and then later on my daughter kept referring to them as lines so I asked her to draw what she was talking about and what she drew was exactly what I had drawn for my wife these two little cigar white things side by side except that she said she saw them traveling end to end so I mean she's younger better eyeballs and she was wearing her glasses so I will trust her vision on that especially since they were exactly what I had drawn for my wife a few minutes before that. Anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. 
and um, we noted the time was 11.55, so it would have happened at around 11.53, we figured, p.m. So that's uh, it. Those are the three, and uh, I guess I'll keep you posted. I'm sure it will continue. Okay, take care. I'm going to talk about a, a thing I saw in the sky. On the way to my boyfriend's house to take Route 70 um, going west uh, towards Maple Shade, which I would have to get on 73, as you all know if you are from New Jersey or whatever. So, right at the cross section of where my town starts and Route 70 like can, um, intersects with it, I'm supposed to make a left. I mean a, a right. <laughs> Wow, this is so hard to explain. To make a right. And there's this cornfield to my left. And I saw this thing in the sky. It looked like... um, It looked like the North Star. Like, literally, it did. And um, it was, like... It was kind of light out. But the sun was gradually going down. And um, I was just staring at it. I was at the stoplight. And it kept getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and then you see these lights like um at the bottom of it like go around it was really spooky and it had three lights and they were all the same color so i'm like what is this and i was staring out and this light seemed like it lasted um two minutes but i know these lights only last like a minute a minute and a half And everyone else is staring at me in their car like, what is this girl staring at? I'm like, oh no. So I look over to see if the light changed. The light changed. I look back. It was gone. Nowhere to be found. So I got on my phone and I called my dad. I'm like, dad, oh my God, I think I just saw a UFO. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I think I just saw a UFO. He's like, well, describe it. So I described it. He's like, that sounds weird. Um, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just don't know what the heck just happened. And so on my way to my boyfriend's house, again, like, um, since I saw it in the sky, it's, uh, east, southeast of me, okay? Um, so I started going towards 73, and I saw it again. And this time I was in, like, heavy traffic, It was stop, go, stop, go. So I'm staring at it. And um, traffic starts moving again. So I keep staring at it, looking up, looking up. And it's doing the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, oh my god. So I looked up finally and it disappeared. (laughs) It was so freaky. I saw it twice in one night. And uh, my dad, I called my dad again saying I saw it again. And he's like, well, maybe they're after you. I'm like, I doubt that. And he's like, well, go outside tomorrow and see if you see it. And then they're definitely after you. (laughs) I'm like, that's not a joke. Like, seriously. I don't know what the heck that is. It was freaking me out. So, um, apparently I'm not the only one who has seen these things. Um, people in Pennsylvania have seen the same thing. And people in, uh, North Jersey have seen the same thing. So I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? I really want to know. I don't want to be the only one who has this insane story which no one believes. So, um, 
Yeah, that's my UFO story. So, uh, bye guys. Hi, Ryan. Uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity to tell this story. I've had a few few experiences, but I'll uh, tell the one of most significance, I'd say. Mm-hmm. My name's Josh. I'm 33 years old. And I'm from Glencoe, on the west coast of Scotland, in the Highlands. It was a November night back in 2007 or 8. can't quite remember the exact year, but about that time. Uh, my buddy had not long passed his test, not much else to do, so we used to just cruise around in his uh, Vauxhall Astra estate and listen to, to loud music, sort of talk nonsense. So this is uh, a night a night similar to to many others. Anyway, we're, we're driving. I miss the ad, sorry. And where I am in the West Coast, there's not a huge amount of light pollution, so uh, on a clear night, you know, away from any lights from the village, you can see all the stars. It's beautiful. You can also see the the sort of haze of the Milky Way with the naked eye when you go up the Glen, you know. So uh, quite fascinating. Just we used to sit and smoke cigarettes and watch the watch the night sky. Often, always seeing things like darting about, most likely satellites, you know. But, um, anyway, this night in particular, we were we were driving along this straight. It's probably like a 10 mile stretch of road that's in the middle of a glen uh, not too close to either of the mountain either of the mountain ranges either side of you so a fairly open bit um, this particular night was quite cloudy uh, a, the odd patch of stars would shine through you know you could see through anyway we we're, were driving along and I saw this sort of I guess peach would be the best way to describe the colour this pinky orange light coming from one of the mountains like Initially, we were like, oh, there's a flare. Uh, what do we do with that? There's obviously people trapped, stuck up there, and they're needing assistance. Uh, who do we call? Do we call police? What's the number for mountain rescue? Blah, blah, blah. We decided to go to the pub that was, you know, as I say, about eight miles away from where we were. Kind of in the, this loop that we would do. Uh, so we're heading towards this pub, and as, as we were driving along, music pumping, I kept my eye on this light because it was, it was weird. It didn't look... You know, flares are oh, all sorts of colours, I suppose, but this looked a bit weird. Or maybe I wanted it to look weird. <laughs> so I was watching it, um, and as I was watching it, it was, you know, a good minute or two. It was still lit, or like bright, and it was almost coming towards us. We were driving towards it, and it appeared to be coming towards us, and it got to a point it was maybe a mile or two away itself from the mountain it appeared to have come from uh, that in our experience of seeing flares and a lot of people get rescued off the mountains around here they don't really hang about like that so I decided to stick my head out the window because uh, you know I've got like lights from the dash and stuff in the car it's kind of hard to see through the window so I stuck my head out to sort of spot a, you know, a silhouette of a helicopter or something I couldn't see anything I just saw just the, this light I was like right told my buddy to pull over in the and the lay-by, cut the engine, music off. We sat there watching this light. Now, by this point, it had come, you know, almost parallel to us, uh, a good few hundred metres above the ground, and again, maybe four or five hundred metres away from us in a sort of horizontal direction, you know? So, close enough um, that you'd, if it was a helicopter, you would you would hear the, the rotors. 
Uh, there's nothing, absolutely nothing at this point. It's sort of like just hanging, hanging in the sky, uh, clouds above it. You can see the light of it re- reflecting off the cloud, so it's obviously fairly close to the cloud. And me and my buddy were, were joking, like, oh, a UFO or whatever. And as we were saying that, it shot upwards very, very, very quickly through the clouds. Um, so quick, it was almost unbelievable when it did it. You could see the light go through the cloud, you know, as it, as it went up and out. Uh, to which my buddy and I got a bit freaked out. And uh, jumped in the car and proceeded to go. <laughs> so, yeah, that was... That was that one. Another one, very quick one, was not too long. I believe it was after that. Uh, a few of my friends and I were sort of walking up and down the village as we would do, killing time on a, on a weekend, not much to do but drink and stuff like that. And uh, out of the corner of my eye and directly in front of my my other friend, uh, we saw this red, it was like a meteorite, you know, just like go flying behind this mountain. Um, again, the light would just like bounce off all the rocks of, of the mountain and disappear. And we waited, waited and waited and waited for some sort of like impact sound. Just nothing, nothing at all. So that was that was quite bizarre. But I don't know. That one's not so not so mysterious, really. I guess it could have just easily been a, a meteorite. And my third experience would be a place called Cool Bay very beautiful open part of a of a beach you know um, right at the sea right beside the loch uh, it was about four in the morning I believe my I was the only one awake at this point and I could hear this like you know <laughs> humming noise drone noise this was 2003 and to my knowledge I didn't know about drones of course remote RC planes and stuff like that. I didn't know anything about a drone then. Um, and this object, quite small, um, flew over over the top of my head. It was not in the shape of a plane. It was, I don't know how to describe it, semicircle. Made this weird high pitch humming noise. Uh, and appeared to be quite small, maybe the size of me, you know, uh, an adult, adult me now. Sort of flew above my head, a few hundred metres above my head. And I just initially thought, oh cool, someone's got an RC plane. And then it just kept going and going and going until it just like faded out, it faded out of my eyesight. Hey Ryan, hope you're doing well. My name's Jesse Brock, and I witnessed something that I cannot explain when I was in high school with my younger brother, and I'm here to tell that story. So when I was, I believe I was in the 10th grade, and my brother was in the 7th or 6th grade, um, we lived in an area that is not super rural, Tennessee, but it's definitely off the beaten path, and uh, it was a little bit of a nicer community, but we were sur- surrounded by a lot of trees. I think our the plot of land that my parents and I lived on was 10 acres or so, and um, there was a house maybe 100, 200 yards away. We couldn't hear the interstate, rarely heard any cars, 
outside of like delivery trucks for like UPS and FedEx. And occasionally a dump truck would come through the area, but there was not much else going on out there. Uh, that was unusual, very quiet, uh, nothing crazy. So one night, uh, my brother comes and knocks on my door probably shortly after midnight. And I remember (laughs) he would do this thing where he would just knock and wouldn't say who was there. And it would always freak me out. So I was like, hello. And then he was like, hey, it's me. And so I walk out and I meet him and I'm like, what's up? And he says to me, he says, there's something outside. And he's like, there's like a triangle in the sky. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll see. So we walked to his bedroom window a little bit of information about our yard. So there's a stretch of yard outside of his window that was probably about 20 yards or so uh, before the tree line started. And then it's solid woods for acres and acres. And I don't see the triangle that he saw, but he told me before he came and got me, he saw a triangle hovering over that area of yard up above the tree line with three orange lights on each of the corners and then one large orange light that was kind of glowing in the middle. Um, And he said it was huge and completely silent. So he came and got me at that point. At this point, we come back to his room and I don't see anything for a moment. He says, I know it'll come back. And then sure enough, a very large, bright orange light kind of appears above the tree line, kind of to our right. I can see it through the trees, and then it kind of comes above, very slowly moving, moves back over kind of in front of us, looking directly out the window, kind of goes over to the left, and then dis- disappears over the tree line near where there's a large ridge. Uh, completely quiet. I could tell it was a large shape. I couldn't see the three corners that he described, but I could tell it was a large shape of some sort. And he was, when we saw it, he said, that's it. That's it right there. And it came back, uh, crossed in front of us and then disappeared to our left over the tree line, completely silent. Uh, much like other, other UFO encounters, dead quiet. And, uh, and no noise at all, and that was that was the extent of it. I would describe myself as an avid UFO believer. I had always kind of been interested in the topic in high school. I was very into conspiracy theories and things I would read online, and uh, UFOs, I always thought UFOs were really interesting and interested in aliens and the prospect of life from somewhere else in the universe. Um, or even from another place on our planet. When I when I, I had that experience with my brother, I was blown away, and it really just solidified my, my belief. And I have uh, I have never had I've never wavered from it uh, since then. Uh, my brother and I don't share uh, the same beliefs. He's very skeptical, very open to. Uh, alternate interpretations. Um, he's just a bigger skeptic than I am. Um, but the, the important thing about our sighting is we've always told the same story. 
Um, he was unwilling to be a part of this, but he did. He still tells the same story that I tell, albeit he doesn't like to talk about it a, a ton. Um, as for how this experience made me feel, um, I didn't think a ton of it other than it just being kind of a weird thing at the time. Um, I, de- I definitely knew that it was strange, but as, as things, you know, as tech, as we've seen technological progress over the years, the event just seems stranger and stranger to me. For example, there were no commercially available drones in 2007, 2008, when this happened. The fact that there was no noise, you know, you can hear a helicopter from very far away before you even see it. And I could see whatever this object was, and there was no noise. But probably, personally, the most alarming thing to me... I'm very interested in alien abductions. I've read many accounts of, you know, of course there's very famous alien abductions to people's anecdotal stories on, you know, Reddit or whatever. Um, But I learned about the Terry Lovelace abduction uh, sometime in the past six years or so, five or six years. And uh, the way that he described his craft, especially when when they first saw it, um, is strikingly similar to what uh, my brother described seeing and strikingly similar to kind of what I saw. And I don't know. I remember I, I read that account and I sent that to my brother and I said, read this and think about what we saw. And he was he definitely had an interesting response to it. You know, it's a really crazy story, albeit we don't have a ton of evidence outside of, you know, the the weird bone growth and the implants inside his bodies, you know, and, and that's, you know, another topic, but I don't know the, the proximity of the craft to our home and thinking about what happened to Terry and also the things that he described, you know, recalling in his dreams was alarming to me. And my thought was, were we about to be visited by beings or was this just a a military craft that was just hanging out. But I don't know. That story has always seemed interesting to me uh, within the scope of my sighting. Um, I'm still a firm believer in, uh, in UFOs. And uh, I believe that whatever the phenomenon is, is much larger than we could possibly understand without, you know, having insider information as it seems there are organizations that have insider information. But I think that we're experiencing something real, and especially with the events that have taken place over the past year uh, with Commander Fravor's account becoming public, um, the military report, um, or the report from the Department of Defense. It's it's all very... uh, I don't know. It's nice to have this affirmation coming from our government and highly qualified pilots talking about these sightings and talking about these unexplained events. And uh, it makes me feel a lot better about what I saw and how consistent the sightings are over many different societies and cultures. And uh, it's comforting to think of that. Hello, Ryan, and somewhere in the skies, fellow listeners. 
My name's Reggie from San Antonio, Texas. A little background about me before going to my strange sightings include being a science teacher and having a background in sciences like biology and physics. This being said, I never thought deeply into the UFO or UP stories as they were always considered woo, in my opinion, and even in the science community. Abductions being the whole thing where you immediately think tinfoil hat, skeptic, or not so much, I guess, conspiracy theory, but maybe a little of that. However, in these past few years, I kind of changed my whole perspective after experiencing some weird sightings and even hearing some weird sightings, especially from my parents. So I thought I'd share some that changed my whole perspective, like I said, especially, you know, considering that this world's a big place, the sky's a big place, we don't always look up, right? And so who knows what these things can be, but my first sighting I'd like to share was when I was on my way to work. So there was something that caught my attention, maybe a few miles away, a couple hundred feet in the air, about, I guess, the size of a small building that far up. This object was silver metallic, and since the sun shined on it, gave a little glare, I could make up the shape. Spherical, but it looked like it was spinning a little bit. And so while I thought, maybe a balloon, but until it started moving, then it really made me question what it was. And so what happened was that it started moving left and right, and then it went up vertically, and it just seemed to vanish, as if somebody just snapped their fingers and made it vanish, or just vanish into thin air. So eventually, when I had time, I reported this to MUFON, and I was emailed back by a representative there who was looking into my sighting a little bit more to get more detail. So I gave them the details, I told them what I remember, and so they kind of shared a little bit about my sighting. They said that it was kind of seen before, maybe something a little bit different, but similar in my area, maybe 20, 30 miles away, more or less, and it was something similar, right, that other people saw. And they thought maybe drone, or something drone-like, but with the way it moved, it didn't really follow any drones that we have nowadays, especially with its speed and just how it vanished is just perplexing. And so my other sighting being one where I was actually sitting outside one evening and something caught my attention. It was a bright light. So I thought, oh, maybe satellites, meteor, something else, a plane. But since the light was really bright, I could not pinpoint what exactly it was. It didn't move like a satellite. It didn't look like space debris, the way it just shined, or typical space debris, where it has a different hues and whatnot. But again, you know, it seemed like something unlike I saw before, right? And I don't know if it was three objects, because I saw three lights just blinking very slowly as it pulsating, but really, really slow. And so these three lights were in three different locations, so I don't know if the object moved, if it was one object or three different objects, but the way it was, as far as its intensity of its brightness, I just don't know. And so, again, like I said, being someone who has a science background, I always dismiss these things as mistaken objects, and many are. And while I still kind of think maybe at least the lights, what I saw, maybe it could be something we have, man-made or not, I don't know. But 
at least my first lighting, the way it kind of defied physics makes me really question what exactly I saw. And so hearing others' stories of what they saw as well made me really kind of have an open mind. Because I know they believe what they saw, and it could be very much real, something tangible. But again, you know, without having data, it's hard to kind of make sense of it. And so an interesting uh, story from my parents, though, I'd like to share is the first one being from my dad. And so, again, you know, being skeptical, always kind of dismiss their stories. I didn't really think much of it. I'm like, oh, just a story, right? But until recently, when you had these Navy pilots come forward and share their sightings, and they had data, they had radar data, they had different types of something, right, that they can gather, right, as far as something that we can share, right, data we can share and something we can make sense of uh, with our current technology. But even so, when my dad was in the Navy, he saw different types of lights, when he was on the Navy ship. And so this was back in the 70s. He would be on the ship, right? His naval uh, craft there out in the middle of the ocean. Sometimes it would be during the day or at night. He would see these big, bright orbs of light. And they had different colors or different hues, such as blue or orange. But the way they moved was strange. And so one story he had was during the day, in the middle of the day, he saw this bright light move really quick and it just stopped as if just all of a sudden and then dropped vertically down into the ocean. And this kind of matches one of those stories that the Navy caught on their uh, camera, I believe. And, you know, it just fell in the water. So it went into a different medium. And so my dad also worked on radar systems and he didn't mention that he looked at the the radar and yes it did move fast but he tried to report it and of course he was easily shot down uh so to speak where he said hey you didn't or actually he reported to his superiors and they said nope you didn't see anything you're not going to report it if you report it you want to take it up to someone higher then you're just going to be court-martialed kicked out of the military you're not going to have any benefits and that's that you're whole military career is over. And so he didn't really want to mention it for that reason, right? And so I guess until recently he wanted to share it because they said, well, others are sharing it. They're not, you know, having to, you know, get court-martialed since they're out of the military. So, you know, it's just one of those strange stories. And so my other story I'd like to share is from my mom. And so she said that she saw a few sightings. And so there's really just two that she said that were just baffling. And so her first sighting, and even the second one, was in the last several years or so. And so it was similar to mine in a sense, but it looked like a flying saucer. And so it looked like a typical metallic flying saucer spinning, but it seemed to hover above the tree line. And so what happened was, since she was on her way to work, it was early morning, but bright enough where you can see uh, things in the sky. And so she was at a four-way stop. She saw something that caught her attention. It was rising above the tree line. Again, that flying saucer. And it was spinning, like I said, 
usually like a flying saucer, but it seemed to rise vertically and then quickly shot up in the air and just disappeared. So she couldn't get to her phone, film it as quickly as she wanted to because it just happened so quick. And the second one, or her second sighting, was one where she wasn't even trying to get it on camera, uh, but she just so happened to. And so this craft was really interesting. She said, and even looking at the video, it looked like just a uh, somewhat metallic craft and seemed to just be moving in the clouds, but it's hard to make sense of what it was since it's so far up in the air. And again, an iPhone camera is not going to be the best thing to film with. And, you know, if it was maybe something fancier, maybe you can make it out a little bit better, but just the way it moved was just peculiar. And so this is interesting in that regard that we don't know what it is, but at least she reported it and caught it on camera, even though she didn't really mean to. And I guess, you know, as far as what I saw to really just uh, make any sense of it, heads or tails of what it is, I don't know. It's hard enough to make a conclusion when there's no uh, solid data. So I don't have radar, I don't have anything like that, that were at my disposable or even in my area. There's just, even the military, I don't even know if they caught it on their radar. Who knows? But the first sighting with its erratic movement made me think drone. Since there are drones in my area, it typically looked like the plain looking drone, right? White in color and whatnot. But just the way this object looked, the way it was spinning, it was metallic for sure. Um, and it was spherical. So it was unlike any drone I've ever seen. And the fact that it wasn't even near the military base just makes me really think what the heck it was, right? But even so, the way it moved quickly with its movement and then it vanished is just perplexing. So I don't know what it is. And I wish I would have caught it on film. But I mean, since again, I was driving, it's just, that's kind of frowned upon. It's not legally uh, <laughs> an option, right? So, you know, the second sighting I had saw the lights, just, you know, I don't know. And I would think again, meteor, maybe drone. I really just don't know but the way that the light was as far as its intensity was just something different and even if I had fancy equipment to film it to get data I don't even know if we would be able to make sense of it even at that and so space debris could be an option but as far as how it can be in an almost triangular shape the way it moved or if it was one object or three objects, I just don't know. But more than likely, meteors would emit, uh, or different meteors would emit different colors, and they wouldn't, uh, I guess, be that color. But I don't know. It's hard to say. It could very well be space debris, but just the way it just shined, or the way the light was, just is peculiar. And so it really didn't fall like space debris either. So it's hard to say. But looking to the accounts of MUFON, I mean, these lights have been seen before, at least. So, still baffling. So, I don't know. But all in all, I mean, just seeing these sightings changed my whole perspective of these UFO or UAP phenomena that people report. And again, I'm not 100% convinced convinced that these are quote-unquote alien. There could be something else that we just don't know. And considering we're barely scratching the surface of modern physics, including quantum physics, string theory, and what have you, 
it's just really hard to say. So until we get more understanding of the universe, bigger and small, I guess it's just hard to say. But I'd like to kind of share what one notable scientific figure has been saying recently, too, on some podcasts. One being Avi Loeb, Professor Avi Loeb, that made some interesting points. He said that we're kind of in the same era that Galileo was, where he shared his accounts of what he thought to be true, based on what he saw in his telescopes. But his colleagues dismissed his ideas because they had their own understanding, their own bias, and they weren't open to getting the data. They just dismissed it and called him crazy, a crackpot, right? But whether he was French or not doesn't matter. He got data, and so eventually we made sense of it, and now we know the world is not flat. It's round, right? So just to dismiss these things as silly is just absurd. And so not to kind of dismiss or kind of uh, shun such notable figures like Neil deGrasse Tyson or Brian Cox, which are very brilliant individuals. But I guess these scientists dismiss these ideas from the public because it doesn't go with their status quo. And so maybe it's their public status, they want to keep funding and whatnot. That's important to keep your funding to do your research, but it's still not good to dismiss what's already out there as far as evidence. And so since the military is gathering data about these phenomena, I think that's a good thing. So the more we understand, the better we can wrap our heads around what's going on in the world and the universe. So regardless of what these sightings may be, they alter one's worldview, and even the universe. But probably the best option is to keep a modest approach to what these are instead of making wild conclusions. But until we get more data, it's hard to say what these things are. And so like I said, at least the military and even the Galileo project is making a good kind of approach to gathering data so we can know what these things are, possibly. And so, again, I'm pleased to share my accounts with you all, and I look forward to hearing what everybody else has to share. So thanks a bunch for letting me share. Hey Ryan, my name is Patrick, I'm 30 years old, and I live in Germany. Thanks for letting me present my case here. Um, so... When I was either 16 or 17 in 2008 or 2009, um, I had a close encounter with a triangular UFO with my friend. This happened during our summer vacation. We spent a lot of time together in the village named Hude, H-U-D-E, in northern Germany. We often stayed up very late. One night, we decided to go for a walk. It was already after midnight and at this time, there are hardly any people out in the area. We walked down a deserted two-lane country road on the bike path. We were surrounded by fields. Suddenly, I noticed an object moving directly in our direction from the right above the field. I pointed this out to my buddy and we both stood spellbound to watch. It floated right over our heads across the street and very slowly without making any sound. It was dark, maybe black and an um, equal-sided triangle that was clearly a solid object. You could see it very clearly. We only saw its underside, sadly. In each um, of the corners was a round, whitish light. There was also a round light in the center, in the middle, but it was kind of different. I can't remember the exact color of it. It didn't shine brightly. None of the lights did. The lights um, were dim, as if not wanting to be noticed or blending 
us who knows um, as an untrained observer like I am <laughs> um, I could be wrong but it seemed to me that the, um, the UFO was flying so low that I could have thrown a rock at it I wish um, I could remember the event more clearly but it's been a long time details blur over time you know <laughs> sadly I said um, when we saw it I said straight to my buddy that it must be a UFO since I had seen similar objects before in the um, the X-Files the series <laughs> it um, yeah I seemed to react a lot more to the sighting than my buddy did strangely although I had a camera phone in my pocket um, I didn't that took it out on the one hand I had the thought that the object might notice this and I might get into trouble who knows and on the other hand um, I didn't want to miss a second with my own eyes on the other side um, of the road there was a row of trees and the field there was also higher overgrown so we didn't follow the object any further and couldn't observe it um, from there anymore then um, After it, we both got very scared and very quickly went back to my friend's house. Um, it was very scary to us. Actually, um, this wasn't my only UFO sighting in my life or paranormal experience, really. However, um, I often only stick to this story when telling it because otherwise it just seems all the more implausible. I... Um, saw this close encounter as a sign that my previous experiences weren't imaginary either. Who knows, right? However, the triangular UFO topped everything, especially because I hadn't seen it alone. Years later, I think late 2017 or early 2018, I um, reported this to the German UFO reporting office IGAAP. They visited me at home in Berlin at the time and interviewed me twice for several hours and yeah, took their notes. I no longer have any contact with my buddy. However, when I um, met with him in 2018, he confirmed to me that we had indeed seen this um, UFO. But he doesn't seem to want to talk much about it himself. I um, don't know if he's not interested or if it... If it scares him, I don't know. I don't have any contact with him um, today. I'm neither a scientist nor a specialist, but um, seeing this object stimulated my imagination, whether it was classified human military uh, technology or non-human technology. Just knowing that something like this can exist is um, such a big thing to me. Aliens, time travelers beings from another dimension, even holograms, or at least an unexpected secret breakthrough, an earthly technology. Who knows? I think everything is possible. If a government really possesses uh, such technology and keeps it secret just to protect its own interests, it would be a crime against humanity, in my opinion, because it could change the entire world to the better, I think. But I suppose... This is what <laughs> some call patriotism, who knows. 
I mean, if it really is a national security issue for the country to keep alien-like or alien technology secret in order to be able to defend itself, if um, the worst comes to the worst, then the public will never, I think, never be officially on a legally way aware of their existence. It will always remain secret under the, under the pretense of national security. It would be nice if I wasn't right here. I think we will see. We will see. Such um, objects were sighted during the Belgian UFO wave of um, 1989 till 1992. Um, some may remember that. Um, even fighter jets were sent out. In addition, a photograph of such a UFO was taken um, at that time. The photographer claims today that he forged the photo and also explains how. However, specialists could not replicate this. I believe he was forced to lie and um, the picture is indeed real. Then this is the best shot of a UFO to date. So, Ryan, thank you. Thank you very much so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story on your podcast. If you have any questions, you know how to contact me. Hey Ryan, my name is Rich. I live in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I'm originally from Iowa. And I think I have a story about a triangle that you and your listeners might be interested in. Um, this story goes back to 1991 when I was a freshman in high school in Northwest Iowa. I lived in a really small town of about, you know, 12 to 14,000 people. And uh, because of that, usually the town surrounded itself around whatever was happening uh, with the, the high school. And The night that my sighting happened, it was a January or February night, and there was a basketball game that everybody came to, and they did because we had a really talented athlete, so it was uh, the thing to do in town. And um, as a result of so many people being in there, it, the field house got really, really hot. So I decided that I'd step outside from the game because I'm not really particularly interested in sports, but you know, I went. So I went outside to cool down and I walked across the parking lot to uh, the football field. And I stood out there for a while. I remember it was a really clear night. I mean, you could see all of the stars. And just about the time that I started to feel really cold because Northwest Iowa gets, you know, so terribly freezing up there. And I thought I would go back inside. There was not a sound, but I liken it to a sound, but it all of a sudden felt like there was a buzzing around me. Kind of like if you go on a walk in a city and you walk by a power station and you hear like that, zzz, that kind of thing. Well, again, I didn't hear it, but I felt it. And it felt like it was kind of coming down all around me. And so I looked up just kind of curious, like, what is this? And uh, no joke, above the football field um, was this triangle and it was a solid triangle it was huge um it was uh to my recollection wider than the football field and i think probably longer um although it was an equidistance triangle and it was just there it was like just hovering above and i remember it blocked out the stars and um on each pinpoint there was like this whitish blue or bluish white light just solid not blinking or anything like that And as I registered, oh my God, like I'm, I'm seeing this, um, it, this sense of calm came over me, which I couldn't explain because, um, you know, it, it was a startling moment and yet I felt a kind of euphoria, you know, like this, everything is okay type of thing. 
And uh, I also had a sense that it was so close to the ground that if I had a ball, like I could throw and hit it. Now, I think that's probably an exaggeration, but, you know, it was close enough. It was so low that it was uh, a bit overwhelming. And uh, at about the same time I'm registering all of this, it slowly starts to turn. Um, and it's doing what I think is going to do like a, a 360. And I can see the points of light moving. But I realized that as the, the triangle was slowly turning, it was getting smaller. And, you know, I, I realized, oh, my goodness, it's actually picking up altitude. And before it could do a total 360 twist, it just went, and it was away. Just it completely disappeared uh, into the night sky. And I... I was just left dumbfounded. Um, and the interesting thing about it was while that feeling of um, euphoria and awe kind of lingered a bit, um, what, what came next was this feeling of don't really tell anybody. And not because I was ashamed or it would be weird. I mean, who knows how people would respond. Uh, but, you know, I just thought, no, this it kind of a feeling that said this isn't for people right now. I can't explain it beyond that. I didn't lose the memory, but it was always with me. I just didn't talk about it. Um, well, fast forward uh, to 1998 or 1999. I've gone through high school. I've gone through college. I'm now um, at doing my master's work in Western Michigan. And I lived and I worked in two different small towns. And one night as I was driving from where I lived to where I worked, I was listening to a talk show on the radio. And it was um, some kind of recounting of a, it was a local station and a recounting of, I, I believe it was a state trooper who had reported in seeing a huge black triangle over Western Michigan and that he followed it. I believe if I remember correctly, the um, FAA got involved in tracking it. And the weird thing about that triangle was that uh, while as, it sounded as big as what I saw, it disappeared either over or in Lake Michigan. And as I heard this on, you know, public radio being discussed, something just felt like it snapped and unlocked in me and said, oh my, you know, like that is exactly what I saw as a kid. And I also felt, um, this may sound strange to say it this way, but I felt like I could finally talk about it. You know, like, um, I, I kind of had evidence now that I had not, um, made this up in my mind, not that I ever thought that I did, uh, but it was somebody talking about experience that I had had. And I think part of that was, you know, growing up in the culture that we do, uh, we've always heard about whether in science fiction or on TV, like UFOs and flying saucers. And I, I admittedly, you know, I, I have interest in that and I've had interest in that most of my life. Um, but UFOs to me were like discs, right? So to see a triangle made zero sense to me in 1991. And maybe that was part of the hesitancy of saying anything about it until later. But when I heard uh, an officer and an FAA report on the radio talking about it seriously, I think I was just like, okay, I can talk about it as well. Um, you know, looking back on all of it, and I've had a couple of other experiences, gratefully, with other people around in public. I don't think that triangle was a military craft. I, I just don't. Could I be wrong about that? I could. Uh, but it just seemed so otherworldly. And I think we're reaching a point in society where we are more willing, kind of broadly, culturally, to ask the question, what would it mean if we were being visited by other uh, intelligent life forms uh, that are not human? And part of me just thinks that that night was at least a suggestion in the direction that it's true. Uh, my heart believes that it really is um, uh, anecdotal evidence uh, that it's true. I've gone on in my life to actually pursue a PhD in religion and ethics, not because of the triangle, but one of the things that I'm now studying and writing about um, are paranormal beliefs in North America uh, and how those are shaping uh, religious and ethical concepts. And so I'm hoping to share my triangle story in the new book that I'm writing. And 
and I uh, look forward to actually teaching your book uh, in a class at my university this fall. I hope all is well with you and all your listeners. And as we say now, keep looking up. I have to start this off by telling you that my wife, Marcia Dale, is the biggest X-Files, Unsolved Mystery, uh, alien freak that you've ever seen. As a matter of fact, I took her to Roswell a couple years ago just because she's always wanted to go there. So we were we were hanging out. And this was about I don't know somewhere in the 2010s. Uh, my son-in-law Michael was just my daughter's boyfriend at the time, and uh, I'll get back to him in a minute. So they weren't there. It was me and some of my kids in, in Marsdale. We were hanging out, and uh, at the time, my mom uh, was living right across the yard from us. Like I had her house right next to our house, and uh, we were out there hanging out. And I, I had gone the to mom's house for some reason and uh as i was walking back from mom's house to our house i just looked up and uh there was a giant black triangle in the sky and uh it was just kind of cruising slowly and silently over the house and when i say a giant black triangle i mean like it covered up most of the sky and it didn't make a sound and uh i to this day could give a crap if anybody uh believes it or not but because uh, i saw it and i had been drinking but i hadn't been drinking that much so i knew that marcia dale like it was it would mean a lot to her to see it so i hauled ass in the house and i got her up uh got her outside and it was gone like it was gone and she was so mad i think she's still to this day mad at me we'll we'll hear from her so now i told you about my son-in-law michael him and uh Brittany, my daughter was on a date uh michael and b knuckle finally showed back up at the house and uh michael was sitting there all kind of quiet and uh i had not brought this up because you know we were still kind of I was still kind of almost in shock at what I'd seen but I hadn't brought it up and Michael was sitting there all quiet and then he's like uh he asked me if I believed in UFOs just out of the blue and I was kind of like what and he so he proceeded to tell me that as they were driving the back roads over here that guess what they saw a giant black triangle triangle in the sky and uh he didn't really know what to think about it or do and so then I told him that, well, it flew right here over the house because I saw it. And uh, so take it for what it is. Uh, that's my one and only UFO story. And uh, I call it a UFO because I feel like it was probably just some kind of a some kind of a jet. I've been in the Air Force for a long time or I was in the Air Force for a long time. So there's nothing that we uh, I don't uh, I don't put anything beyond our capabilities. But I will tell you. It was a giant, black, silent triangle that I could make out. And it was kind of just uh, the dusk. And uh, it didn't make a sound. And it was huge. So, take that for what it is. And 
And now let's hear Marcia Dale's side of the story. So I'm gonna tell the tale about the triangle UFO, babe. What's your thoughts? That's bull crap. <laughs> <laughs> we were out sitting on the porch drinking. Of course, I had to go to the bathroom. I was going to the bathroom and Jimmy runs into the house. I was like, Marsha, Marsha, come out here. You gotta look at this. Of course, I was in the middle of going. And then when I go out there, it was damn gone. I was just like so disappointed. Be all right, baby. You'll see another one someday. <laughs> Whatever. You still love me? Yes, of course I still love you. Mwah. Mwah. Hey, what's up, guys? Dennis here. I just wanted to share my story with you guys, and hopefully someone out there resonates with my story and can share an experience that they had that is similar to what I'm you know, about to tell you guys. So basically, this happened to me back in 2007. It was in the middle of summer. I was at Ice House Reservoir in California, and it was me and my three friends. We drove up in my Toyota Prius up this little mountain, and uh, up this mountain there was like this little lake up there. And it was clear skies when we got there, but it was in the middle of the night. It was probably like midnight or something. It was dark, okay? And there was one other person that was up there. He was across the lake, and you can see a campfire. So there wasn't any other person that we knew that was up there besides my three friends and this other person. And it was really quiet. It was really quiet. You can hear the heartbeat. The, the wind was calm. And it was just really quiet. You can hear a whisper. Basically, you can whisper and you can hear each other. And um, on this particular night, when my friends and I looked over the horizon, we saw a star. And, you know, that's common. Stars are common in the sky. But these stars were bright. Like they, like, almost like a planet bright. And... There was three of them that were visible, but one of them um, was brighter than the most. But we we stared at the star for some time, and my friends and I were like, Hey, do you see this light or star moving in the sky? Like it was moving up and down and left and right. Like it was slowly moving at first. We just thought maybe it was a satellite, right? And all of a sudden, it just started shifting from left to right like it was drifting like wasn't sure if it was a balloon but it wasn't a balloon or a blimp there's no way a blimp can move in you know in the fashion that it was and uh so we it wasn't a satellite there was no way it was satellite so about a minute later the light starts to go down behind the horizon like it disappears over the horizon so we lost sight of it but we're like hmm interesting what that was but about 10 seconds later, the light comes back. And this time, we noticed that it was coming towards us. This little light was coming towards us, like it was moving towards us. And it gave me this eerie sense of feeling like it knew we were there. Like someone knew we were there and it knew that we on the mountain were aware of its presence. So it kind of made my hair stand up as it started to fly towards us, I should say, I guess. And all of a sudden, as it gets closer from the horizon, like the far out there, like way out there, like on the edge of the horizon, we can see as it gets closer, it starts to like taking shape. And 
as it gets closer, we can we see the light disappear, and all of a sudden, this up in the up in the sky, this this shape takes place, and the shape was like a triangle, and it how it gets close to us, like it starts to fly directly over us, like of all places, it flew, it flew right over us. It wasn't a bird, it wasn't a kite, it was like a fucking aircraft. But the funny thing is. I shouldn't even say this is funny. It was quiet. Like it just floated overhead, no sound, and just a red blinking light at the tail just to make it look like, oh, it's an aircraft. Really, you were a star that was like, who knows how many miles out, way on the edge of the horizon, like maybe a hundred miles or so. But all of a sudden you fly over and you're like, oh, I'm quiet. There's no sound. So I thought that was really interesting. And um, we all looked at each other and we were like, uh, what the fuck did we just witness? And 15 seconds later, something must have made a noise. Like, for example, you know, the, on the freeway, there's like the metal guardrail to prevent you from falling off to the side or whatever. Well, sounded like someone took a rock and just threw it on it and just made this ripple noise. And we're like, we are not alone. So we got in the car and we left. So I I think that after that night, after that experience, it made me believe that aliens are real. And after now that the government is coming out with, oh yeah, aliens are real. Um, yeah, they've been real. You guys just have been covering it up. So I thought that was a really strange experience that night just to, to see this aircraft shaped like a triangle. It was a black aircraft shaped like a triangle, had a red light near the bottom on the back there in the tail underneath, maybe three lights, I can't remember, but it was red. And it was triangle, it was black, and it just flew overhead, made no noise. Like, you know when a plane flies over, any aircraft flies over, you can hear it. We didn't hear anything. So... That was like one of those moments in life where I will never forget. My friends still to this day swear that what we saw was an alien aircraft, and I believe it was. And my friends still to this day can vividly explain in detail what they saw. So I was the only one who's seen it. We weren't drunk. We weren't high. Um, but another day, recently, probably like three years ago, here in Tacoma, Washington, I was with my best friend, and... We looked up in the sky, we so happened to see this green bright light like a, like a flash, just like in just one concentrated air, just flash. We thought a transformer had blown, we thought maybe it was like static electricity in the sky, but nothing. Nobody reported anything, there wasn't any explosions, it was just a bright green flash and it just, there was no noise, it was just a light. There was no way of explaining it. There was, an, like, it was kind of hard to explain. Like, if I didn't capture, if I captured a video, it would have been like, wow, great. But, you know, it happened so quick. So me and my best friend were like, what the hell was that light? Like, we looked up on the news. We tried to think of rational explanations of what it could have been. But, you know what? I think it was aliens. I think they were traveling through through the universe and they created this, like, this light that was like so bright and it was green it was a green light like a i'm not sure what kind of green but it wasn't like a dark green it was more like a light light green you know and um i thought it was a, a transformer that had blown and caused the uh electricity to like 
reflect in the sky or some shit, right? But that wasn't it. So there's a lot of occurrences in my life that I've noticed um, that are just unexplainable. And in particular, is that one that one night when I was at Ice Ice House Reservoir. So I've I've seen like military aircrafts that look like that that aircraft that I thought I saw that night in California Ice House. It was the same shape, same triangle, and I thought it was a military aircraft. But I was like, but aircrafts are supposed to produce noise, like they have propellers of some type, like either fuel or turbine or some type of energy source to move that aircraft and it's going to cause some type of noise right at least from my experience i've never heard of an airplane fly overhead dead silent unless it's gliding but that's what it sounded like <laughs> didn't sound but that's what it looked like it was just gliding gliding overhead a big triangle aircraft we couldn't see it was just a silhouette flying overhead and it made no noise i'm so freaked out so like we're gonna put this to rest. UFOs are real. There's no doubt about it. There's no conspiracy theories anymore. There's too many evidence that's coming up left and right. And this is coming from someone who's just a normal guy. Like, I'm, I haven't done my research. I haven't dug up any articles or anything. So if I'm saying it's real and the government's saying it's real, I've seen some shit. My friends see some shit. Other people see some shit. You probably see some shit. You're probably typing some shit as I'm talking. Like I said, and it's real, guys. I don't know what else to say. Keep your eyes in the sky. Hi, Ryan. My name is Heather, and I live in the Dallas, Texas area. Thank you so much for considering me and allowing me to share my experiences with you and your listeners on Somewhere in the Skies. Before I moved to Texas back in 1997, I lived outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I'm from a small town about 45 minutes from Cleveland, but I lived close to downtown. That year, I had two UFO experiences. One, the first one, occurred in Runaway Bay, Jamaica. I had taken a short four-day, three-night weekend vacation 25 years ago today. I took a friend of mine who was in a branch of the U.S. military. It was a smaller resort about an hour from Ocho Rios. The first day, we met a British couple our age, so we piled around with them all weekend. On the second evening, we had something absolutely crazy happen to us. We found we had found a cove the night before on the edge of the resort, right on the beach that faced north. We could sit there and talk and laugh, and we didn't really have to worry about disturbing anyone. It was around 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. on that evening. It was a very clear sky, bright moon, an unimpeded view of the sea melding into the north horizon. It was gorgeous. Not being there for very long, we all noticed a very bright, very intense light coming from the point of the horizon where the water meets the sky. As it started to approach us, we all noticed that it was about 200 feet off the ground, which didn't really make any sense because it seemed too low to be an airplane. It also didn't display any international flight lights that all aircraft display. There was no flashing white, flashing green, or flashing red, which really kind of stuck out to my military friend. As it came closer, we all saw very clearly a black metallic large triangle with three white, what I would call recess type lights in each corner and a solid larger red light in the center. 
As it approached us and then went over us, we could see a waviness to the bottom of the object. I couldn't tell if it was a texture or if it was the heat coming off the object, but it just seemed really smooth and metallic, black, no rivets anywhere. It didn't seem like something that was manufactured by humans. And as we watched, the object flew over us and made no noise whatsoever. We all noticed at the same time that the low tide waves, the gentle waves lapping up onto the beach were louder than the object that was going over us. We all turned and watched it head to the toward the foothills of the Blue Mountains, which were behind us. And I think we all thought it was going to fly off because we actually didn't stay turned around for very long watching it. When we all turned to face the ocean again, within a minute, there was another very intense white light coming from the same position as we saw the first one. And I think I was the one that said, I'm going to die if that is another one. And it was exactly the same thing as the first black triangle, 200 feet off the ground, three white lights, a large center red one. Both were very low within a minute of each other, taking the exact same path from the exact same position from the north horizon. They both passed us taking the same path in front of those mountains, not flying that quickly. We were shocked, freaked out, and no, we weren't smoking pot because we were in Jamaica. As the second joined with the first one in the position it was before we turned around, we all freaked out even more, stunned at what, what we were seeing. There are two triangles hovering in the background in front of these mountains. The British people were joking about Agent Mulder coming running across the beach. I guess the X-Files had just aired in the UK. These two triangles met up in the sky, which, which looked like inches from each other from a distance. They sat there hovering for what I would say was probably about 10 or 15 minutes and it didn't make any noise. Still, there's just in the background hovering in front of these mountains. There's no flashing lights. Nothing ever really changed except they were fully hovering and there was no way that we could tell that they should be hovering. And then bam, in a blink, like a shot out of a gun, one went to the right, one went to our left and boom, gone, gone forever. There was no sonic boom. It was as silent as it was when they approached us. We were all freaking out, yelling with the two strangers who just experienced the same thing that we did. Never had such a thing happen like this before. I think we were all completely shocked. Two soundless, black triangle looking, very UFO-y looking objects that just flew over us and hovered in the background and then in a blink were gone. What I know now about said objects, I didn't find out until probably about 2002 after seeing a History Channel show about black triangle UFOs. These objects before us came from probably the Cuban airspace. They were flying south toward Jamaica as we stood on a Jamaican beach. I have to assume since Cuba was to our north that it passed over the ocean into a foreign territory. So I'm not sure back then what the USA was up to, or if this was US black ops. They certainly look different than the ones I have found more recently, videos, pics, anything on the internet in modern times. I was not a computer, computer person. I didn't know anyone that had a computer back in 1997. It was expensive. There weren't a lot of websites. 
so it wasn't anything I really got into. So there weren't any type of Google searches or ways I could figure out what had just happened to us. The world's internet was not at my fingertips and neither was the world's information. My second experience happened September of 1997. I was dating a guy from a small town called Worcester, Ohio. I lived about an hour away, so I would have to stay over with him when I came out to hang out with him. So I didn't have to travel back through the dark, through Amish country on these small, windy roads. So that evening we had watched movies, went to bed. I don't think it was very late. And in the middle of the night, the scariest thing that has ever happened to me took place. I can remember vividly, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, the exact dream I was having before I awoke. I was dressed in Victorian clothing, a white frilly dress, sitting in the back of an open carriage. And what I know now was more than likely St. James Park in London. I've been there in more recent years. As I rode along in a horse-drawn carriage, a man dressed very smartly atop a, a big black horse with a top hat and ha tails on approached us as our carriage slowed. He tipped his hat and started to say something and then I woke up to the biggest nightmare of my life. I was absolutely terrified, trying to gasp, grasp what was happening, being blinded by a very intense, very sterile, what I call white-blue light. It filled every inch of the room. The outer areas of the room had a blue tinge, but the center of the room was so bright I could see every detail. Finding myself, I was flipped on my back and not the way I'd fallen asleep. This guy had a very crappy mattress that only sat on a box spring. The mattress sat on the floor with no frame. And the mattress also had this awful gully in the middle of it that made you roll into it even if you were on your back. So you always had to sleep on your side, which was my left. When my eyes finally focused, I saw three beings in the room and then I discovered that I was completely paralyzed and I was trying to fight to move and or scream and I couldn't do anything. And it felt like I was in a fight for my life. Nothing was working. It was like I was trying to keep my eyes open but they were being forced shut. There were, there were two beings at the foot of the bed with what I would call two gray aliens. They seem to be smaller so I have to assume that there's different species out there in horror, I watched as the smaller one in front of me raised his left hand and extended three very long, skeleton-like, very thin fingers as I struggled to access the rest of the room. I saw a larger one, a couple inches taller than the doorknob, standing in the open doorway of the bedroom. His very defined shadow of his very thin body and this huge, enormous head that shadow washed onto the wall of now what was lit with the white blue light. But the edges of the hallway I could see were pitch blackness. Blackness was filling every corner outside of that small area of the wall. I saw his head turn left and then turn right and he's proceeded down the right out of view down the hallway. I laid there struggling, sweating profusely, crying hot messy tears trying to watch what was happening seeing my ex laying to my right motionless on his right side i could hear and feel this humming that filled the room and my rapid heartbeat in my ears 
I finally thought I'm being distracted by all of this, by what is happening visually. So I just let my eyes close and I tried to focus in on some part of my body. So I focused in on my right hand, which was paralyzed laying next to me on the bed. If I cut, if I can move a finger, I kept thinking maybe that'll help. I need to see if I can reach out and touch my boyfriend. I could see the picture of my hand and my head perfectly and was willing it to move and nothing was working. And finally, in what seemed to be hours of struggling, covered in hot, sticky sweat, which was probably only a few minutes, I finally was able to move the pinky on my right hand a millimeter. And suddenly, just like that, it all stopped. Like it was all sucked out of the window. Boom. It was gone. No more light. No more figures, no more humming noises. I could feel I was totally free, so I rolled onto my left side facing the wall. I was completely sobbing uncontrollably when I heard three voices, which I've tried to imagine how I would tell this story because it doesn't make any sense to me. And forever I kept thinking that I only heard it in my left ear. But my left ear was down on the mattress, so it didn't seem like that was possible. But then I remembered I had this sensation in the front left lobe of my head that I can still kind of imagine when I think about it. I know now that this was something telepathic. I heard a language I have never heard before and an octave too high for humans. I had I heard words being said that I didn't understand until I heard simultaneously the English translation said in the same octave by the same three voices. We will be back for you. I laid there in the fetal position, too scared to move. I sobbed for what seemed like hours. I was too scared to wake up my boyfriend. I was so afraid that he would not believe me, throw me out, or even call me crazy. So I laid there trying to figure out what just happened to me, knowing that I was wide awake this entire time. I tried to process everything, cataloging every moment. Every detail as I laid shaking was going through my head, sobbing as quietly as I could for what seemed like hours. I was trying so hard not to wake him up until I watched Dawn filter through the very same window, awakening this gray Ohio morning, feeling very comforted that at least it was daylight and this event was over. I finally couldn't lay there any longer. He's still sleeping to my right, so I wiggled off the edge of the bed walked through the apartment, which is really weird knowing that some creature just walked these same steps that I'm taking. I found the front door and both locks were still locked. Both things were in the locked position. I went outside in his ratty concert t-shirt and boxer shorts. I peered around the corner to the right of the house. There was an abandoned factory with an empty parking lot. That was the side that the house of the house that the light had gone through the window. There were no marks, there were no street lights, nothing was there. I don't know what I expected to find and still too scared to go inspect it closer. So I sat down on his front yard and sobbed like a crazy person, hoping it was way too early for any of the neighbors to see me. It was I was sitting on dewy grass as this light mist came from the morning all over me. Never have I done anything like this before, but it was like I needed to see outside. I didn't want to wake him, as weird as that sounds. This was a new relationship. I liked this guy. Plus, in a weird way, the ground felt kind of grounding to me. 
I don't think I was taken and maybe they weren't even there for me. I don't know. I remember the very next day as I went to leave in his very messy bachelor pad apartment, I saw a book sitting on a chair in the corner that I had never noticed before being over at his place. It was called communion. I didn't even know what that was. I had never even heard of it, but the illustration sent ice cold chills up my spine. I asked him motioning to the book, is this your book? Have you read this book? He said, yeah, you should read it. It's a great book. Hoping he would say something like, you'll never believe what has happened to me, which he didn't. But what he said has always stuck with me since that moment. As I motioned to the book with, I'm sure, a very shocked look on my face, I said, has anything weird ever happened here before? And then he said, you wouldn't be the first person to tell me something weird has happened here. I was totally silent, wanted to laugh, but wanted to cry. And I didn't even know what to say. So I left. Then my third experience happened way more recently. I had moved to Texas in 1998, and I live uh, in the Dallas area since about 12 years ago. I had yet another experience, but this one was in my backyard. This is like number three. My husband and I had been planting bulbs in our flower beds all day. And I remember the day because it was Sunday, October 23rd, 2016 around 6 p.m. It was the last day of the Texas State Fair. So we had just finished a very long day of working really hard in the yard and we were going to hang out in our backyard with our dogs when I heard my husband say, look at that weird drone over the neighbor's house, which took me a few seconds to even understand what he was saying. And then he's kind of pointing and looking toward the neighbor's pecan tree. So I was moving around in my yard to try to peer around this very tall, 100-year-old pecan tree in their backyard, and then I saw it. There was a large, metallic gray, very dark gray, what I would call shield-shaped craft, hovering above my neighbor's backyard. I watched it freaking out as it slowly moved from their yard into my yard over my husband and I, to then slowly moving over to our roof. It slowly pivoted when it got to our roof and it showed a curved space in the back of the craft. The area suddenly lit up red and then fanned back and forth like Kit from Knight Rider. It was segmented. It was a segmented light that moved from each position left to right, lighting each one up red until it was solid red all the way to the right. And then it would start back over to the left and continue the sequence. I started screaming to my husband, what is that? What that is that? That is not a drone. What are you talking about? That is not a drone. Oh my God, it's recording us. From the front, it looked like a very small version of the stuff bomber until it pivoted. My brain couldn't really make out what shape it was except for shield shape because that's the only thing I could make sense of, which I still have never found to this day on the web. No sound, no propellers, probably about 50 or 75 feet off the ground. If it's a drone, that's fine. Just a little creepy, someone in the the neighborhoods recording people in their backyards just would like to know what it was. My husband and I watched as it slowly moved from the neighbor's giant pecan tree across the backyard to our house, which seemed like it only took maybe a minute. It was moving so slowly. And then when it moved over our roof line, it seemed like it barely cleared our second story home roof line. It smoke. I guess you would call it glided. I don't know what the best word would be, 
but it went out of view on the top of my house. And the house is so long and narrow, but it's a large house that it had to go over several peaks of the roof. So I thought I'll get a much better view if I run to the front yard. So I booked it running as fast as I could to the front yard, which is probably about 50, 60 feet from the back to the front. I was expecting to see it better from up there, but when I got up there, to my surprise, it was not there at all. I looked around quickly and then turned toward the street, and I'm still not seeing it anywhere. I even thought maybe it hadn't even gotten to the front yard or it went back to the back. I wasn't really quite sure. Didn't have a phone to be able to text my husband where it was, and then I happened to look down the side road beside us, and about a half mile down the road, I saw it. I saw it move slowly, directly north of us, and I watched it for about 20 minutes from the front yard. And it just became this black dot on the horizon, backlit by a big developing storm that was light gray that was moving in. I saw it bounce once, and then it shot straight up in the air and was gone forever. I observed air traffic above it, and below it that I'm assuming were landing planes going into DFW airport. I even called the non-emergency number of the police hoping that someone had called it in. They hadn't heard a word. I called all three local TV stations, two of which acted like I was a complete nutter. One was nice enough to say, hey, if you hold, I'll call the airports. He came back about 10 or 15 minutes later and said, well, neither DFW or Love Field showed anything on radar and haven't had any calls, but that's a really weird story. And I was like, you have no idea how weird it was. It made no noise when we saw it. There were no propellers. I didn't tell this guy that. My second experience, I have tried to block out of my memory for almost 25 years, but I can't. I think about it, I dream about it, I dream that I'm being sucked up in the air by my back, floating face down, arms extended, hands extended, screaming for my friends to help me as they stare at me near the ceiling. I have tried to research this experience as much as I possibly can. I have tried to forget about it, I have tried to make excuses for it, but I know I was wide awake, I know what I saw, I know what I felt, and I know what I heard. Until recently, I never told a soul, not even my ex, not even my husband now, know the details. It just felt ridiculous. I thought no one would even believe me. With my ex, he just we had just started dating when this occurred. I'm hoping sharing my story will help others out there. I also hope maybe my night terrors will end. And most of all, I also hope that maybe one day, the more people share their experiences like this, we maybe one day will know what has happened to all of us. And the biggest one for me personally, maybe the day will come that I no longer fear the night. Thank you so much, Ryan, for allowing me to share my experiences. I truly appreciate you considering me for somewhere in the skies. And I really hope this will help other people who are dealing with the same things. Thanks so much. Hi there, uh, Ryan. This is uh, Osvaldo. I'm calling from Vancouver, Canada. I have two sightings to share. Uh, the first one, I uh, suppose, yes, it happened in 2005 when I was visiting El Salvador. That's where I'm from. And uh, 
in the months of June, July, I was visiting my family. Um, and um, at some point in the month of July, I had rented out um, a hut, a very rustic um, place by the beach. Uh, and this portion of the beach is along, uh, you know, this, the coastline that's really kind of removed, a bit isolated from any sort of uh, development or tourism. Um, it's, um, it's a beach that's uh, kind of populated by, by, by local, local fishermen and their families. And it's a very um, rustic place off the beaten path, I suppose, right? So this is back in 2005. Um, on the third night, I believe, actually it was the second night, um, I had gotten into the habit of uh, pulling uh, a chair out from my hut and dragging it over to the beach um, when the tide was out usually uh, around 8 or 9 p.m. Uh, I got into you know stargazing mode right uh, which was so much fun because it was such a beautiful place um, that night it was a starry night um, no you know cloud cover barely any whatsoever right and I was just really serenely looking up at the sky, into the horizon. It was really dark by then. Um, and the sky is just full of stars. And all of a sudden I see this light that it kind of, uh, it kind of, the light became brighter, like it intensified. Um, and as it became brighter, really quickly just started to shoot down as if it was going to crash into the ocean and but all of a sudden it made this like 45 degree angle upward and as it did that um it made this flash of lightning kind of like you know in star trek when the ships go into warp speed and they create this uh, lightning at the end. That's <laughs> that's the closest I can describe what I saw. There you go. That's my popular uh, culture reference for any Trekkie fans out there. Anyway, but um, the whole thing was about three to four, like four seconds. And the entire, like, you know, it had this really accelerated movement to it. Like, um... What was this thing? I really don't know, other than a UFO. Um, this is, again, 2005. There was no... You know, in a country like El Salvador, like, our military, like, doesn't have... Didn't have anything, like, drone technology. Even back then, I don't know if, like, commercial drone techno technology was available back then. But, you know, it's a poor country, so our military wouldn't have that kind of technology. Uh, but the movement it made, it was just crazy fast like all in the same speed it was not a meteorite uh this thing did not burn up it just you know started to shoot down in a very ir irregular manner like it had this irregular uh jerky movement but really quick and it just showed up and it did this you know flash of lightning uh that's not a meteorite they don't they don't behave that way uh it was not a satellite again a plane totally discount that uh, and totally not a fisherman boat. Um, so I, I don't know what the hell that was, um, but I was just astounded. It, you know, it really, if anything, it felt like 
like it was something out of this world um, because it was amazing. And I just went to bed like with the knowledge that I had seen something really amazing, you know. Um, and I put this experience on the shelf for the longest time because, I mean, as soon as it happened, I look back and there are no other witnesses. It was just me on that beach. And sure, I could have shared it with my family, but I chose not to back then because, like, seriously, you know, El Salvador, it's a very Christianized, very Christian country. And, you know, they would have taken my story and just placed it on a you know, loony bin, you know, like, hey, man, what were you smoking that night or something? But <laughs> I uh, let me tell you, I, my mind was totally lucid. I was in a, my state of mind was just, I was just very serene looking up at the stars and then, and then I see this. Um, and, you know, before this incident, before, before this sighting, I, I was open to the topic of UFOs, but I was never really someone that would go out and investigate it or really get into it, you know? Um, so I, again, I put that story on the back of my mind for the longest time until last year, uh, in 2021, which is when I had my second sighting. And um, second sighting was uh, in Vancouver, Canada, which is where I live now. And so let me paint the scene. Um, uh, back then, uh, in, to, in, in May of 2021, um, it was around uh, 10 minutes to midnight. Um, our... Um, Apartment is in this block building, and we're up on the third floor, and we have a balcony balcony that's south facing. And in front of us, we have uh, there's a parking lot, and uh, and these really beautiful tall maple trees, right, that shoot up about I don't know anywhere between 180 to 200 feet high, maybe. And then you have a row a row of pine trees next to them, about six or seven of them, and they're smaller in height. Um, so I'm in my living room and all of a sudden there is a power outage and, uh, I think to myself, oh, I have, we haven't had one of those in a while, you know, that's, that's, that's okay, whatever. And, uh, the thing about me is that I'm a night owl, so I do stay up really late and I was working most likely on something. And, um, I go over to the kitchen and get a glass of water and then I told myself, why don't we just step outside and gaze up at the stars? Um, you know, there's less, uh, less light pollution now that the lights are out in our building. Uh, I step outside and I look over to the left. I look over to the right and both uh, rows of houses next to our building, uh, their lights are out, except for the building in front of us, you know, which is like uh, maybe like, like a six story high building and also newer. And I thought, okay, so maybe it's just like a partial, like a, you know, um, outage of our street block, whatever. And, uh, you know, not too long after I had stepped out of, uh, out into the balcony, um, um, I, I've been, you know, looking up at the sky and not too long after that, like a, maybe like a minute or so of stopping outside, I, <laughs> I see these, three dots of light uh they were whitish yellowish in color and all i saw was this three lights in a triangle formation just gliding across going southeast just on top of our building 
um, just kind of maybe gliding along our neighborhood. I don't know. Uh, and it was just gliding silently. There was no noise to this thing. And um, yeah, I got really spooked out. Uh, I I was just mesmerized by this. It was just, I mean, what was this? A triangle UFO? I don't know. Uh, it was hard to tell how big and how high the lights were, but I do know that um, that it went over those uh, tall maple trees that I described earlier. So it was going uh, southeast, and it disappeared over those tall uh, tall trees. An entire thing, again, like three to four seconds. But I remember just being really spooked out because just the series of, uh, just the sequence of events in which, and how this happened, you know, um, like, was this coincidence or synchronicity, right? Like, was this thing, that, what, what caused the power outage in our building? And for the rest of the row of houses next to our building, like, I don't know. Um, so I still ask myself that. And, you know, I'm not a UFO investigator. Uh, I didn't go out the next day to, like, you know, talk to, like, the, you know, BC Hydro Company and, like, you know, hey, man, what happened last night? What caused this power outage in our block? Like, I had things to do, whatever, like, you know, uh, but it stayed in my mind. I remember... You know, as it happened, I was really scared. I don't know why. I mean, back then, in starting in 2020, at the beginning of, beginning of the pandemic, I, for some reason, really wanted to go back to my first sighting and just kind of investigate that, uh, the topic of UFOs. Um, it, it became like a hobby for me, like a pandemic hobby. And so maybe this was a projection of my mind, you know, maybe I projected something from all the information and research that I had done about the UFO phenomenon. Uh, so I don't know. That's a crazy theory to think about. But um, there's something about consciousness and how it affects people. Um, the way this one affected me, meaning the second one, was that <laughs> with all the information that I had consumed about UFOs and the different um, li- literature that I had read, I... Um, I was just really spooked out. Um, and uh, as it happened, I remember I was really scared standing on that balcony and just kind of wanting to communicate with it. And just in my mind, I was saying to myself or to it to stay, stay, because I want to keep seeing more of it. And uh, But he just kept gliding along. Um, he just went away over those tall trees it's hard to tell what that was. Um, maybe it was like, uh, you know, the size of an SUV. Um, like it, I couldn't really determine any shape, but again, it was a triangle um, information moving very slowly and silently. But, you know, come on, like close to midnight. What's this doing? What's this thing doing like flying over our neighborhood at uh, late, late that night? So I got really scared by that. Um, and the next day I just had to like tell my partner about it, like, yeah. Uh, anyway, I reported it to move on and other places. But um, yeah, um, you know, overall, I think the first one was just astounding. And the second one really was, there was something palpable there and how it made me feel. I was basically afraid of it. Um, anyway, um, 
I, you know, I, I really appreciate the work that you do, Ryan. Uh, I think this topic, I think you're doing really good work. Um, uh, I think this topic really challenges the, the status quo of what we cur- currently understand about, you know, the cosmos or and uh, ourselves as human beings. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, um, that the sightings that I had were um, of alien alien origin, but but let me tell you, man, the first one. Uh, it, it was truly something out of this world. It was something that I had never seen. But for some reason, after the second one, I have this uncanny feeling that it'll keep happening again, that for sure I'm going to keep seeing or having more um, UAP or UFO experiences or sightings. Uh, I, I can't tell you why that is, but um, I know it's going to happen again. I just don't know when, and that's okay. Um, I just know that I have to just keep looking up and uh, just pay attention to the night sky. Hell, even during the daytime, maybe something may happen. Maybe like a day sighting, right? Um, anyway, um, uh, anyways, that's all, Ryan. Uh, thank you, um, everyone, for listening to my story. As Richard Dolan says, you know, I keep fighting the good fight. Bye, everyone. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Somewhere in the Skies listeners. I'm MJ from a spooky tales podcast that's e in front of spooky and i have a story for you all today i hope you enjoy it it's a story i grew up listening and it used to terrify me as a child so i hope you guys enjoy this story takes place in 1994 in the middle of nowhere pueblo called latinaja in the state of zacatecas in mexico latinaja is in the municipality of villanueva According to the research of this little pueblo, it no longer has residents, and as of right now, as far as I am aware, it's a ghost town, not to be confused with another little town of the same name within the same state. This Tinaja in particular is no longer registered as a town, and the people who told me this story are near and dear to me, so all the names will be changed as they wish to remain anonymous. One night, Jose and his friend Miguel were on horseback. They were returning from a neighboring town from a dance and seeing their girlfriends. As they were crossing the road and fields in the distance, they saw an airplane flying over. When a light suddenly appeared over the airplane and engulfed it, the airplane completely stops, almost like it was locked in time and space, not going up or down, back or forward, just there hovering in midair with this light shining above it. According to Jose, it couldn't have lasted more than 10 seconds, and as soon as the light appeared, it vanished and the airplane resumed its flight. Jose and Miguel were terrified because it made no sense. Jose would go on to clarify that Miguel and him did not grow up with pop culture as they lived in a farm town, very rural, very third world country-like way of living. The only electrical thing in this town were the street lamps. The houses and residents still used oil lamps, and they were not influenced by alien and UFO culture like many parts of the world. No electricity. No TV. Now, to return to the story. Jose and Miguel depart from each other, each heading to their own homes. When Jose reached his home, he went straight to the horse's stable. As he was putting away his horse, Jose noticed that outside the stable became entirely lit like it was daylight. He noticed that the light shining down on the stable was the very same light that paused the airplane in midair. He described it as being similar to a spotlight, but on a much larger scale. 
and just like with the airplane, as soon as it came, it left. Once the light was no longer shining down on the stable, Jose ran home. The family guard dog greeted him outside the home. He began rationalizing what he saw as the dog seemed unaffected. He locked the iron screen door and the wooden door behind him, leaving the guard dog outside. His sister, his brother, and his parents are inside the home waiting for him, and they notice he was shaken. They asked what was wrong, and Jose recounted his experience. A few hours later, everything seemed back to normal. As they were getting ready to go to bed, their dog starts going wild outside, barking and growling, ready to attack something. The family became startled. Maybe it was someone trying to take one of their animals. To their horror, the family hears something fall on the roof. A very heavy thump. Something either fell on the roof or something jumped onto the roof. And this something starts walking across. And it seems to be bipedal. Walking on two legs, it was not a four-legged creature. From what Jose's sister says, it sounded like this thing had claws. With each step that was taken, it had the sound of claws dragging across the roof. At this point, the family is frantic. Jose and his brother grab their guns and ready for an attack. Whatever is on the roof, if it comes through the ceiling or tries the door, they will be ready. Meanwhile, the dog at this point is in fear, and it's no longer sounding angry. It's sounding afraid, and it starts running and slamming into the front doors, charging at the doors over and over and over, nearly breaking the iron screen door and the wooden door along with it. Whimpering, barking, and growling, the dog is in complete hysterics, when all of a sudden, all the noises just stop. The walking on the roof has stopped. The dog has stopped. Everything becomes silent. They did not rest that entire night, and when morning came, they opened their doors and saw the dog was laying there on the floor, dead. No blood, no cuts, no wounds. It looked like it was sleeping. After these incidents, Jose has suffered, and many people around the town and the neighboring town see lights coming in and out of the lake that's at the edge of Latinaja. One of these people who have seen these lights coming in and out of the lake has been Jose's sister on two occasions. Several other residents of the neighboring town as well, so much so that they would wait out for any family or friend walking near this lake late at night to make sure they got home safe. And that is the story. I hope you enjoyed listening. It is a story that was retold over and over again to me as a child, and it used to scare me so much. But with that being said, bye and stay a spooky. Hi, Ryan. Uh, my name is John, and uh, I experienced something absolutely extraordinary with my mom uh, just outside of Casa Grande, Arizona, uh, a little less than a month ago, and I'd like to tell you about it. Um, we have been spending time out in Arizona. We're from California, uh, just north of Los Angeles, and I've been spending time out here in Arizona with my mom and puppies doing a sort of artist retreat. You know, we're making art, music, and now, I guess, taking pictures of UFOs. Um, we're no strangers to this sort of thing. Um, I've personally seen about a dozen good UFOs in my life. 
with, you know, details, lights, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I think I've seen a mix of government craft, ET craft. Um, we've just never gotten the opportunity to get it on film until now. So on the 11th of May, we were here uh, about 10 miles outside of Casa Grande, Arizona, in a retirement community, a 55-plus community, where my mom is renting a spot, and she's got a trailer set up, and it's pretty bare bones, but it works. It's a nice little spot to get away and um, do something creative. So we were, well, that day... I had come into town to do some stuff, and on my way back, uh, the sun was going down. And here, in this part of Arizona, the sky is massive. Um, in California, we have a lot of mountains, and it just seems a lot smaller there. Here, it kind of looks like the sky looks over the ocean. It just, you know, horizon to horizon, it's it's massive. And I noticed right away with the um, sunset that the clouds were looking weird that day. They were crossing the entire sky. They looked like almost like a dividing cell or something. I mean, just massive clouds. And I was already thinking, oh, yeah, there's probably like a mothership or something hiding in there, right? And so I, I came back to the place, and we decided a couple hours later to go walk the dogs to the dog park, which is right there by the complex we're staying in. And my mom uh, didn't normally bring her phone on such walks. Uh, she was intuitively called to grab it. I mean, we were looking at the clouds and they were strange. And she thought, okay, well, you know, we'll capture some interesting pictures of the cloud formations here that were like interlocking right above our heads. It was really weird. And so she grabbed her phone and we, we took the dogs to the dog park. And on our way back is when we decided to, she decided to grab her phone and snap some pictures of the clouds. The clouds at this point were showing us pictures. So it looked like a sonogram picture of a baby that my mother had lost many years ago. And then it morphed into what looked like a gray E.T. head, you know, with the big black eyes and, and that sort of thing. And that's actually the moment that my mom took out her phone and she aimed to capture that um, in her camera. <clears throat> so she takes it out and she points it straight up into the sky above us. These clouds, by the way, they were only a couple hundred feet above our heads and they were like gliding over us like on a piece of glass or something and then when we started seeing these images the clouds were actually coming towards us like down towards us towards the ground it was unbelievable i've never seen clouds quote unquote do this before in my life and so she she snapped six pictures over the course of 29 seconds uh, at around 9 p.m. on the 11th of May. Um, there wasn't any light pollution. It was quiet. Everyone in the complex was already asleep. Um, really great conditions for taking pictures. 
and she snapped the six pictures. We didn't review the pictures at that time. We just, we got tired. We walked back to the place and we fell asleep immediately. And it wasn't until the next morning that we realized what exactly we had caught in these photographs. Um, in fact, my mom almost threw them out. The previous evening, she did see them as thumbnails in her phone, and she thought that there was, you know, like like light pollution or something was happening in the photos that they were crap and they were trash, and she actually almost threw them away. Something inside of her was like, no, 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 just hold on to these. And the next morning, we took a, a close look and were absolutely astonished uh, with what we saw. I should add, too, that when we were taking the pictures, when we saw the the images and the clouds and they were coming towards us and all that, we felt the whole time like they were craft up there. It's just, you know, we just know it. It's an intuitive feeling. And when clouds like this happen, which, by the way, have happened in our past, and they've proceeded, these sorts of clouds with the fingers stretching across, they've proceeded weird events in the nights that they've appeared. So she knew right away that something was up and I don't know. Um, the images, I mean, they, they speak for themselves in five of the six images. She caught this craft, which, uh, has rows of, of colors of lights. Um, the thing we estimate is probably, I don't know, seven, eight decks tall. I mean, it was massive. Um, if you extrapolate, you know, from where the camera position was and looking up into the sky and we caught, you know, the edge of this thing, it's probably a couple hundred feet across. And we did not see this thing with our naked eyes. Um, it was completely invisible. We felt it up there. But the fact that we actually got something in photograph that we couldn't see with our eyes is absolutely astounding. Um, it looks as if the craft were tumbling between dimensions or, yeah, I don't know, maybe it was moving too fast for our eyes to see, but the camera shutter got it. Um, I, we really don't know. We really don't know. We don't know if this is government or if it's ET. Um, but the pictures are extraordinary. Um, in the words of, of John Halloran from MUFON, who gave us a, a prompt call for an interview uh, about all the details, his word was that these photos are extraordinary. And they are. Um, the sixth one in particular, where you can really see the craft, if you, if you zoom in on that, there's a whole wealth of details there porthole windows that are reflecting off the hull. You can see the ridge lines. You can see a pipeline going across. You can see a braided knot work on the bottom of the craft. It's unbelievable. So, you know, with this audio recording that I'm going to be sending you, I'll send you the pictures and a little bit of analysis that we've done too. But, um, yeah, that's our experience that particular time. Now, I will add that we've actually seen and recorded multiple UFOs here in in Arizona on our drive back this time. We we came here, we my mom photographed a UFO and then we went back home for a couple weeks and now we're back in Arizona 
And on our drive back, we saw a triangular UFO that, that flashed us for just a couple seconds. It was too quick for her to grab her phone. I was driving. But it showed us its bottom side. It was a, it was an orb of light. It was a white orb. And then it morphed into a triangle that was facing us with a red light on one corner and green lights on the other two corners. No red death light in the middle. So I don't think this is necessarily a TR-3B. Um, but we did see that. And then it turned into a red orb and, and flew off, you know, into the distance. So she actually got some of that on video uh, when it turned into the red orb. And then we saw... On our last trip here, we also saw another UFO over the complex, and it was just a, um, it was a white orb that was flashing all these different colors, and it looked kind of iridescent, and I got a really good video of it. The thing is, compared to this other, these other pictures that we got, you know, I'll put it this way, the video footage would have excited us before we got these images, um... But in comparison, it's, you know, whatever. But yeah, we actually do have another UFO video, too, that we could send you if you were interested. But anyway, that's that's pretty much the story. I hope I didn't leave anything out. And, um, yeah, thank you for taking the time to um, listen to this. We want to get this out there to the world. We want the world to see these images, but... It seems like a lot of people out there can't see it or maybe they're hypnotized or maybe the images are too good a quality. Maybe they look like bad CGI or something and people just, they take one glance at it and go, yeah, no, it's not. But it's actually absolutely extraordinary, the detail. So, yeah, thank you and um, have a good one. Hi Ryan, thank you for having me on Somewhere in the Skies. I'm an avid listener and I can't wait to tell you my story. Uh, so my name is Dennis. I live in Southampton at the moment, but I used to live on the Isle of Wight, uh, which is a little island off the south coast of England in the UK. Um, and my story basically uh, was what kick-started my absolute fascination with aliens, with UFOs, uh, with the paranormal, um, because it was something that I just couldn't explain no matter how hard I tried I always had a fascination in that side of things but this really kick-started it for me and um ever since then I've been really sort of like looking for paranormal stories and it's why I came across this podcast a few years ago and I listen to it all the time so I used to take my dog for a walk uh we used to go up to this castle in Newport on the Isle of Wight so as you can imagine the castle sits way up above the town uh, it's a very small town it's the county town of the Isle of Wight um, and I would take my dog up there each evening this was happening in um, October so it was fairly dark at this point in time I like going up there because you could see all around the town all the lights and it was really relaxing really calming a little bit spooky but also a great walk um, so I got to the top where the castle is where the car park is and then just turned to my right where I could oversee the forest to the uh, front of me and the main town below and to the right. Um, and all of a sudden I could see these four dots in the sky and they were fairly large. So larger you would larger than what you would see with an airplane with their lights. Um, and each one was pulsing in a different, in like formation pulsing. So one would pulse one color, then the next one, then the next one and the next one. 
And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was trying to work out what it was. I was like, well, what could that be? And all of a sudden they started moving apart and then moving around each other and sort of taking different places in the formation. And I'm like, well, this is strange. This is very interesting. Um, and then they were moving in more complex fashions. And I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. How, how, you know, how am I going to explain this? Um, and then after a few minutes of that, they just moved really high further in the sky and sort of faded a bit and then just completely disappeared. And it was the most interesting and crazy experience that I've ever had and really made me think that there is definitely something out there. And ever since then, I've just kept my eyes to the sky all the time. And I've had, you know, a number of times where I've seen things that I can't explain and a number of stories that I may have to, to send in at some other point. Um, but yeah, it was a fascinating experience and really put me into that mode of whatever else is out there. And I've been researching and been very interested about it since then. Um, just thought I'd like to share my story with you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, keep up the great work. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on Somewhere in the Skies. My name is Kendra, and just as a very short bio, I'm a professional tarot reader and pyrography artist. I've had an 18-year affinity with witchcraft, spirituality, and I've been obsessed with UFOs and the possibility of extraterrestrial beings since I first saw the alien autopsy video when I was like 10, and the internet happened. I've had two sightings in my life that I'll just briefly try to relay for listeners. My first sighting must have been 20 years ago when I was just outside of the store with my mom. There was a fleet of white spheres in the sky. Even as a child, I knew that these objects were flying abnormally, but the coolest part was that they were doing synchronized formations. Fast forward to the summer of 2021 in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, where I used to live. I was outside on our deck looking west when I got a sparkling object flying in a straight path across the sky. I watched it for a few seconds before I decided that it wasn't the reflection of a plane. I pulled out my phone and started recording, and though this is purely speculative, it's almost as if the object knew I started recording because it disappeared a split second later. I knew I had witnessed something substantial because of the way it disappeared, like it just disintegrated. I'm sure many of your listeners have watched the latest season of Skinwalker Ranch, but it was exactly like the UFO that was seen during the laser triangle experiment and dissipated in the same way. I actually contacted Candace from the show because I had never seen anything so similar to what I had seen. I also think it's important to note that Skinwalker was about four hours west from my location. Anyway, I filed a report with MUFON and their field investigator determined that this object was indeed a UFO. I have a split second video of that amazing experience, but in the slowed down version of that video, I can see that the object was spinning or pulsating and that it did indeed just poof from existence. For me, even as a child, I've never questioned the possibility that we are not alone in the universe. After spending years as an amateur researcher regarding this subject, I feel like we are at the point of beating a dead horse. The evidence is stacked and I'm hopeful that peaceful disclosure will happen during my lifetime. I also feel like humanity is at a tipping point and regardless of how much us UFO nerds want the world governments to come forward, we really need them to. Take from that what you will, but I think it is really important to navigate the future of this subject without bias and without fear. Mars isn't attacking. So that's my little UFO story. Um, thanks again for having me on the show. Hello, Ryan. My name is Will Murray. I'm a professional writer and novelist. In the middle 2000s, I was coming back from a writing assignment in Vancouver, Canada, and flying over the continental United States in a passenger plane. I was seated in a window seat on the starboard side of the plane. 
I had been reading a book and put it down to give my eyes a rest and started staring out the window. It was a sunny day and there were a number of clouds marching along in the sky. One cloud in particular drew my attention. It had the shape of a derby hat, essentially a large dome, probably five or six stories tall, and sitting on a cloudy-looking plate. But what drew my attention was that on either side of the dome, jutting out at equal angles, were these two vaporous horns or jets. They weren't moving or anything. They were just frozen vapor. Uh, And there was something about the symmetrical look of the cloud that captivated me. So I was watching it. And as I watched it, my eyes went to a small black object about the size of a helicopter that looked like an oblong pill. I remember at the time thinking it looked like a time-release capsule, except it was shorter. And I asked myself, what is that? And my mind did what exactly the Navy female pilot years later who observed a Tic Tac did. I kept trying to pattern match it with something I recognized. I asked, is that a helicopter? But of course, a helicopter can't fly that high. They don't pressurize them. Then I thought, is that a small plane? But it had no wings, no portholes, no external engines. It was just a black oblong, oblong approximately the size of a helicopter. A small helicopter, I guess. Uh, and it seemed to be passing in front of this cloud or approaching it. It was not moving very quickly. Normally when I see a small plane flying When I fly commercial, the small plane moves pretty fast. This was loafing along, a little like a blimp, but they don't make blimps that are pressurized, and even if they did, I suppose, it would still need some externals to make it look like a blimp. I watched this object for approximately a minute or so, and even though I had a cell phone in my pocket, I didn't think to pull it out and take a picture. That's how quickly it happened. And once we passed the object, I kept asking myself, well, what was that? Now, I've had an interest in UFOs since the 1960s. It's been an on and off interest, and I've always wanted to see one. And even though apparently I did see one, it was several days before I decided in my mind, yeah, that's what it had to be some kind of unidentified flying object because it didn't look like anything that should be up at 35,000 feet or so. I should mention that a few years, a very few years before this, I had trained with Dr. David Morehouse in remote viewing, and he ran us against some targets of this type, which awakened or reawakened my interest in the subject a little, but I don't think there's any connection between the two events. How I feel about it now is that I clearly saw a Tic Tac, even though the Tic Tacs weren't in the public consciousness at that time. And I would think I was confused because I thought that UFO shapes typically were saucer or spherical or or egg-shaped or cigar-shaped, and I had never 
I don't recall ever reading about one that was pill-shaped, but here it was. I think, in my mind, at the time and now, to this day, I associate the black object with the cloud as if there was a connection with it. This may be a bit of intuition, I don't know, it may be imagination, but it seemed to me that the black pill was moving or gravitating toward the cloud as if there was something inside it it wanted to connect with or it wanted to hide in it or something. One could use their imagination and say, well, maybe there's a large ship, larger ship inside the cloud, and the cloud is, has that shape to, to mark it as an unusual cloud so the black object could find it. But I would think any advanced craft of that type wouldn't need such a visual identification. But nevertheless, I connect the cloud with the object in a way I can't fully explain and certainly can't verify, except it was the cloud in its unusual configuration that first grabbed my attention. That's it. Thank you. Hey, Ryan, in the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, uh, my name is John, and uh, I am excited to finally uh, detail a couple uh, incidents for you all. I know time is limited, so I'll try to make it uh, quick. So, uh, I was 18 in 1985, living in Angel Fire, New Mexico, the Moreno Valley, and uh, it's a north to south valley with the uh, tallest mountain in New Mexico, Wheeler Peak, uh, looming over it. I was on top of the Angel Fire ski area, uh, basically staying overnight, camping, had a fire with a good friend of mine, and we were watching satellites and, you know, a lot less satellites in the 80s, but, you know, watching satellites and stuff fly overhead and just kind of enjoying a a super late evening, uh, you know, out in the mountain air, and we saw a very bright light across the uh, valley from us, and uh, it was, you know, hugging the mountain and sometimes would go behind uh, some of the peaks and then pop back up so we would sort of go in and out but it wasn't like zooming around and doing anything incredible so you know we couldn't make out what it was it was just a bright light and it seemed to be kind of you know cruising around in an area so we thought at first maybe it's a helicopter looking for a lost hiker or something but it kept sort of going south towards where the Palo Flechado Pass comes over from Taos and uh, you know it got to almost directly across from us which I would imagine is about two and a half to three miles from my location Um, and then all of a sudden it just stopped moving shot straight up into the sky way higher than the mountains and then immediately took off to the uh, to the south in a blink of an eye. I mean, we're talking, you know, thousands of miles an hour. I mean, I, I have no idea how fast it was going, but it was gone. Um, and my friend and I freaked out, of course, got in our blazer and started, you know, barreling down the mountain, scared to death because we were sure, oh God, you know, this thing's going to come back. What is it? It's a UFO. But, oh, oops, <laughs> I forgot the most important part of the story. So, so we see the thing zip off, gone. It's gone to the south. And then... Um, we see two lights to the very north of the valley flashing and they're coming very fast in our direction. And all of a sudden we hear the jet noise. And they must have been F-16s because they, they had full afterburners. They only had one jet 
engine, and they were hauling from the north in the direction, and this is like 2, 3 in the morning, very loud, must have woke up the whole valley, rages through the valley in the direction of this craft, but the craft is long, long gone. So my friend who was with me, his uh, parents were divorced. He was living there with his mother in Angel Fire, but his dad uh, was an Air Force, uh, I don't know, colonel or something, but he worked in uh, in the Air Force, and uh, he did, um, uh, it wasn't SR-71, but he did some sort of test piloting stuff, and so he went to go visit his dad, and he told him about our sighting and asked his dad about it, and his dad just was like very deadpan and was like, son, you're not crazy. You saw what you saw. This is the most highly uh, secret, uh, held secret in the entire military, and I don't want you to ever talk about it again. And so uh, to this day, when I talk about it with him, he gets really cagey. He doesn't like to talk about it, um, uh, you know. And that's that was my first interaction with a uh, with a UFO uh, that I saw, um, and it was being trailed by Air Force jets. So, you know, here I am, 18 years old, and this situation really blew my mind. I mean, I didn't know what to make of it, except that it pretty clearly in my mind created uh, the thought that okay, well, a UFOs are real. B, the government obviously knows about them because, you know, and they can track them on radar because those jets never physically saw the craft because they never got close enough. It was long gone before they came in. So that means they had to be tracking it on radar and had to be vectored in to the very location. So it made me know, okay, not only can we track the UFOs, do the military chase them, but they were outclassed by them, obviously. I mean, they were completely outclassed and the government is hiding this knowledge. So that was the start for me when I was 18, realizing, okay, wow, UFOs are real. The government knows it's a cover up. The military, you know, is, is outmatched. So I went to the university of New Mexico and I started, uh, going to the library and I started studying the phenomena, the blue book files, the old Stringfield files, you know, Stanton Freeman, the Roswell stuff. I mean, I started getting deep, deep down this rabbit hole, but I was started learning early on, you know, wow, you know, there's such a crazy stigma to this. You can't talk to anybody about it because when I would bring it up to anybody, friends, family, they would just think I was crazy or making it up or, and they just shit on me. So I was like, okay, I, I can't really talk to anyone about this, but I got to figure this out. So I started going and doing lots of research at the library and started realizing that anyone who got too close died by mysterious circumstances. So when I started learning that people who got too close to the UFO topic and got really deep in there were getting suicided or, you know, mysterious car crashes and this and that, I became very nervous about what I knew, um, who I could talk to about it. And so I was very apprehensive and would not speak to very many people about it. was very nervous if I went to any kind of UFO conferences about just starting up conversations with people because I wasn't sure who was legit and who was a plant. So then I got married in the mid-90s, 95, and uh, I had known my, my wife all through high school. So we're together and I start telling her my UFO story. Now, I've seen a few other things, a couple other incidents over the years that we won't go into here, but so I'm bringing these up to her and, you know, typical people think you're crazy. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you saw UFO. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah, right. And uh, so she never really believed me. And so I was always like, you know, this really sucks. Even my wife, who loves me and trusts me, 
doesn't believe me. I mean, this sucks. And so then we saw an orb together, like a white egg shape uh, UFO flying across the sky um, south uh, or north of Santa Fe. And we were driving in the car heading to Taos. And I saw this thing and it was coming. It had was coming from the Los Alamos area. It was hauling ass, maybe about four or five hundred miles an hour. So pretty damn fast. You know, maybe fifteen hundred to two thousand feet up. Not very high. We were watching it, watching it. I'm driving. And then she sees it just disappear. I look back. It's gone. And that was the first one that she kind of saw. But once again, it was just a white thing in the sky hauling ass and then it disappeared. So we're like, well, maybe it was a balloon. Maybe it was a balloon and it popped. Uh, maybe it was this. She was like, well, I saw it take off. But, I, you know, I don't know what I saw. So this wasn't enough for her to be like, okay, confirmation. I saw something. So it was more like, well, that was weird, but whatever. So then January of 1997. And so this to me connects to the Phoenix Lights because Taos, New Mexico is not, as a UFO flies, very far from where the Phoenix Light sightings were. Those were in March. So I'm talking late January in the, I don't know, maybe the 27th-ish, around there, a week before the Winter X Games because that's where I was headed. We see in Taos, New Mexico, a very bright light come around Taos Mountain. Uh, it was nighttime, but it was dusk, so that in the west there was still light in the sky, so you could see the outlines of the the mountains and you know clouds in the distance, whatever. But directly over me, pitch black stars. But you could see the outline of Taos Mountain and lower than the mountain, so it had to be around 2,500 feet up. I mean, it was not higher than the mountain. It came around the mountain. Was this very bright light? And my wife's in the car with me, and I had a video camera with me. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is that thing? What is that? Let's look at it. So we keep driving towards our house, which we're getting closer and closer in El Prado, New Mexico. And it's coming right towards us. And there's a lot of cars on the street. I mean, other people, no one seems to be noticing this thing. It's just a bright light. It's There's no shape. And I'm like, what is this thing? It's coming right at us. And so pull off the road into my driveway. I jump out. I grab my video camera turn it on and brr, battery's dead. Freaking dies. I, you know, it's dead. So I don't get anything on the camera. And then I look up, my wife's right there and flying above us is the biggest freaking thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was so huge. I mean, it was at least like three aircraft you know, like carriers. I mean, it was giant. It blocked out the stars as it went overhead. I was mesmerized looking directly up into the bottom of this craft, which was just like warping lights, colorful kind of rainbow lights. It, it looked like, you know, the heat shimmering coming off of a hot cement. So the heat was shimmering. So the lights were shimmering. And I was just like, oh, like aghast as this thing blocked out the sky as it went completely over our head, silent as the night it went right over our head and then kept going uh, over towards Taos Pueblo and over the mountain. So I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, you saw that, you saw that. And then all of a sudden we hear, <laughs> and coming up behind it, come in the same basic direction, two more fighter jets. And they're following it, but this giant thing is not going very fast. It's not trying to escape. It's not accelerating away. It's just staying on its same trajectory and its same path. And these fighter jets go right over us loud. 
and they're heading towards it, but they're catching it. So they peel off because they, they didn't want to like overtake it, it seemed. They didn't want to fly over it or catch it. So they kind of peeled off and then both the jets and the thing went over the mountain and we couldn't see them anymore. And I was just shocked and dismayed and so excited that I had seen it with my wife. I was more like, oh my God, see, look, I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy with her than I was even like blown away by what I had seen. Now, I pictured it as a triangle, but I wasn't really looking at the details of the shape. I was mesmerized by the lights underneath and just the size and the quiet. It was so quiet as it went over. But my wife said she was actually looking end to end trying to figure out how big it was and what the shape was. She said it seemed like a giant boomerang, but possibly triangle. But a month and a half later when the, you know, Phoenix lights went off, I mean, we both were like, oh my God, that's exactly what we saw. So I don't know if it's a precursor to the Phoenix lights. I don't know if it was the same craft or what, but it was giant. It was quiet. It was triangular or boomer shaped. Um, you could have landed freaking airplanes on the top of this. I mean, it was so huge. So, um, that is my, the basics of my, my two big stories that include, uh, fighter jets. Um, you know, only one of them had any kind of acceleration or what would uh, Lou would call the five observables. My first one in 85 that's kicked it all off. But uh, these things are flying around out there. Our military is aware of them. Um, we, it, you know, to me, there's not an issue of proof or belief. Um, I've seen this stuff, so, you know, I know it's real. Um, I've spoken to many people since then. Uh, you know, I have spoken to researchers. I've spoken to David Fravor. I've spoken to, uh, you know, many other military pilots. Um, this is way more common than people have ever known. Best kept secret on the planet. And thank you, Ryan and your podcast listeners for uh, listening. And, um, you know, I have lots of other interesting stuff, but those are the two big ones. Uh, that I thought I would share with your listeners. So thank you, Ryan, and thank you, listeners. Keep the faith and quit fighting out there on Twitter. Let's keep our shit together and uh, let's get this solved. My name is Casey. My Twitter is at Villian. In July of 2013, right around 4th of July time frame, I worked for the Indianapolis Museum of Art as a campus police officer. At around 3 o'clock in the morning, I was dispatched along with my partner to go check out some residential areas known as the Golden Hill Estates. It was a site we had to check out pretty much nightly to make sure there was no activity going on. Um, my partner and I split up to come around the park and meet back at the curve where it kind of forks in the road. Uh, when we got there at a house that was, at a mansion, that was undergoing renovations. There were two small craft, probably five feet in diameter, two to three feet tall, kind of resembled a, uh, kind of like an Asian styled uh, partition uh, in the sense that it looked like it was wood and paper. Um, they were hovering, uh, just motionless about two to three feet off the ground. 
when we came up, at which point then they started floating probably two to three seconds after we saw that they started floating up um, from there once they got to about 10 feet maybe the lights kicked on um, and basically the bottom half that looked like the paper partition with kind of it almost looked like burnt wood as the frame um that's when the lights kicked on and then they started dancing kind of back and forth with each other. Uh, they were just, I don't know how to describe it. They were moving perfectly in sync with each other. One would go port, one would go starboard and then they'd swing back around, vice versa, kind of dance in front of each other and then back to the rear. Um, then they started moving pretty rapidly. Uh, we kind of took off after them out of the neighborhood uh then they kind of hit straight on michigan road a very major road in indianapolis um that's a, at which point we we lost them we didn't see them they they took off real fast um kind of parallel with the road not gaining any altitude um and then that, probably three, four seconds after that, about maybe five to six miles down Michigan Road, we saw two lights just shoot off into space. Um, the whole ordeal lasted maybe two, three minutes. When I radioed back to dispatch, they said we had been marked out for maybe 20 minutes. Um, definitely didn't seem like that long. Uh, my initial reaction was to shoot it. Uh, then I was just like, what am I going to say? I'm, I'm shooting at a balloon, a UFO. I, I, I don't know what this is. I'm shooting in a residential area at things in the sky. Like, So that, that quickly left. Um, I just got the feeling like you would be a laughing stock. Like that just seems ridiculous. Um, I also got the, like in the day since, I got the overwhelming feeling like it would be on the news soon, like everything would be revealed, not to worry. Um, my partner even called me a couple weeks later and was like, what do we do about it? And I was just like, I don't know. So let's do nothing, pretend it never fucking happened and move on with life. Uh, and that's what I did for several years. Um, I lasted on the police department about a month after that, maybe two. Um, from there, my life just completely changed. I am not the same person anymore, just a completely different person. I couldn't even relate to the person I used to be. Yeah, that's, that's all my story. I'm pretty well open for questions. Hi, Ryan and listeners of Somewhere in the Skies podcast. My name is Mike Jamison and I live in Ukiah, California. There are two uh, incidents in recent years that I wanted to share. The first one was during April of 2018. I was sitting up quietly after midnight by a west-facing window with the blinds up. Suddenly a bright white light blasts through the window. Not a diffuse beam but thick and concentrated there's no possible ground source 
uh, for this light with rising forest with a rising forested hill to my west, only a gap in the tall trees. I get up and look out. Over a tree line behind a lonely house in a hill, I see from a position to the left rear of the scene a large, squarish backside of a large appearing craft, silently hovering. It is completely quiet and still. A mumble, this isn't normal, and don't go outside as the craft had already shined a light into my place. I had definitely shut down and resumed sitting quietly in the chair and that incident uh, I kind of kept quiet for a couple of days shared it with a couple of friends asked them if I should share it with people and they said no but I decided to eventually share it publicly which I did on social media in June of 2020 one night I was out for a late night walk to the river I noticed a darkish silver sphere of light just hovering over uh, a notch in the ridge nearby about two miles away. The apparent size is a dime at arm's length. The object begins to dart very rapidly and uh, apparent size uh, described as uh, at arm's length the object begins to dart very rapidly over the area of this ridge and then comes to rest again just above the ridge. Then it slowly ascends at a 45 degree angle a couple of hundred feet up and then stops. After a minute, an identical object just suddenly appears about a hundred feet to the right and a little above of the first object. Now I'm completely stunned. Both objects now elegant, then elegantly descend in tandem and hover over the notch in the ridge. I get excited, raise both arms and think loudly, come here. Surprisingly, they both flare up dramatically. At first it looked like they were edging forward, but no, that's not what was happening. A little bit later, the original sphere just instantly, instantly disappears and I see a pencil dot sized light manifest over a different ridge to the south a few miles further away. Then the second object does this. Very shortly after the first object in instantly manifests at the original spot on the uh, ridge and the second soon followed. They do this back and forth several times spanning a significant area evident with my side angled view. And then they are gone. Back home a few minutes later, I check flight radar 24 and see nothing in the general region. This is during a time when the uh, nearby Yakaya Airport was fully closed for runway appears. Thank you for listening. Hello, Ryan. My name is Frank. I'm an attorney from the Philadelphia area. And my personal encounter with a flying vehicle or whatever occurred around 1977. My rock band was playing in Wildwood, New Jersey in November of that year, and we finished at 2 a.m., and my bandmate and I drove back from Wildwood, New Jersey to Philadelphia. After we got onto the Atlantic City Expressway for a few miles, we suddenly saw a large, black, triangular something 
floating across the highway. It was about 75 yards ahead of us. At that point, my car engine ground to a complete stop. It was about 3 a.m. and no other cars were on either side of the expressway that night. So my buddy Rich and I jumped out of my car and watched this thing literally float across the road. It looked like it was about five miles an hour. There was a light on each point of the triangle. And then we watched it disappear over the tree line at the far lanes of the expressway and was gone. And we looked at each other pretty shocked. And I guess in the back of my mind, I thought it has to be an experimental plane. But when we got back into my car, I turned the ignition on and my car started right up. So we looked at each other and started laughing, like in disbelief. So the next day, or later that day, I, when I woke up, I called the FAA. And I finally got through to a lady who, after I told her what happened to us, she said, well, we haven't had any other reports, but if we do, you know, give me your number and I'll, I'll call you and let you know. Well, that, that never happened. So in my mind, you know, I figured, well, it has to be an experimental plane. Um, you know, because there was a, there's, there's been a, an air base outside of Atlantic City for years, so I figured it had to be an experimental plane from the uh, air base outside of Atlantic City. So for years, I never mentioned what happened to anybody other than um, the guys in my later band, because we actually, I wrote a song about it maybe a year later, and we performed it in Wildwood, actually, in uh, 1978. So for years, I never mentioned to anyone else, you know, what Rich and I saw that night because I didn't want anybody to think we were nuts or high or drunk that night. So Rich and I decided, decided to start another music trio years later. Had to be around 2020. We started a trio with a, a female singer and us. Um, I'm a drummer and he was a keyboard player. So then all the furore started about the UFO sightings in the, in the media. And a Pentagon report came, and uh, there, was just, there was just a lot of media hype. And I, I started to watch some documentaries. I really got more fascinated by it, and I couldn't believe some of the things I saw in the documentaries reminded me of the triangular spaceship we saw uh, that night, 1977, you know. So for the first time in a practice in 2020, I told Rich and our female singer what I had seen, but was too embarrassed to tell anybody for all these years. And suddenly Rich says to me, well, who do you think was sitting next to you when you saw it? And I blurted out, you were there with me that night? He says, yeah. I said, oh my. I said, thank God. I thought I was alone that night. So I asked him to recall what he saw, and it was exactly what I remembered. And in fact, he added that the thing that freaked him out the most was that the large aircraft that we saw float by made no sound. So that was pretty amazing, you know, to find that. Thinking about all of it recently, I mean, I always felt like 
is it was obviously superior intelligence in the in the galaxy, and it's not a surprise to me, given the size of the universe, that we could never really think that we're alone. Uh, and so, with all these documentaries, I really felt like, you know, what we saw that night was probably a UFO. That's how I feel about it, and uh, especially when I saw the Navy pilots on 60 Minutes come out and show the videos that they saw while they were flying um, on a mission or whatever in practice in the California. So um, as a result of that, I, we did my other band, you know, uh, wrote a song about what we saw. So we performed it in 1978 and. This past year, we revised it. We, we actually put it out on Spotify and Amazon. You know, it's called Luke, Look to the Sky Philly Mix. And, you know, it's a song of hope that if these UFOs were really a danger to us, we'd know it by now. And I don't think they can be from Russia or China or else they would have used their superior intelligence on us. And uh, I guess the song really meant to me is a song of hope because I think these aliens who are obviously superior to us get upset about all the wars that are happening and all the things that are happening in the world. They may finally appear and tell us to cool all these wars and maybe cool Mr. Putin down. So that's about it. Um, that's my story.
Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 